Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast. This is our E3 predictions for PlayStation. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Yahoo! Jordan? No who. <laughs> and special guest, uh, Ian. Welcome back, Ian. Thanks for coming. Hi, my pleasure. We decided to have you on this year for PlayStation, uh, and we're excited to have you here, listen to your exciting predictions, and talk about last year's uh, conference. Uh, I know you're a self-proclaimed not you're you're self-proclaimed at not being very good at predictions, but can't wait to hear them anyways. <laughs> um, That's true. Yeah, it happens. Uh, it, most of it's luck, really. I think some people are just lucky. Yeah. Other people. Well, uh, and memory. It takes a lot to remember what's going on true. in the world, and then extrapolate from that. Memory or the time point. put into research. <laughs> you either remember yeah. everything yeah. or you put in the research for everything. Uh, okay, so the way we're going to do it is we're going to go over last year's conference uh, really quick, touch on some keynotes. I have everything listed out here. We'll go in order. Feel free to chime in whenever there's something. And then we'll go over what we expect from this year's conference in 2017. And then we'll do our predictions. Um, so last year's conference is actually really good. Uh, a lot of people didn't know if it could follow up 2015's really good conference that PlayStation had. And it opened up with an orchestral uh, performance, which I thought was interesting. Um, Pretty epic. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Uh, I It's the first time I remember seeing that at E3. Uh, it probably happened before, but the way they went sure. about it, it was really cool. Um, obviously, that well, led they into... Well, it was the, thing, the place that they were having it in was like a concert hall as well. So it felt like, felt like they a were doing it at like the symphony or whatever, you know? Yeah, felt like Abe Lincoln was getting shot somewhere. Um, and I think what they led the show with uh, is probably one of the biggest surprises. Not because we didn't expect to see God of War; we had had all the leaks and rumors about it. Yes. But the tonal shift in the series, um, you know, seeing seeing Kratos still being a, a bit of an asshole, but caring for this kid was really interesting. Um, it's we were not sure if this was a vertical slice or how far along the game has been. Um, after that, after that initial like God of War reveal, what did you think about it, Ian? Uh, it's the most interesting God of War's look to me ever, probably. <laughs> like, <Valid, yeah. laughs> the uh, I mean, you know, that kind of like hack and slash action stuff isn't normally what I go in for, and this one seems more grounded, and the story seems interesting. You know, I wonder how much of it Kratos will be in if you play as him or if he plays this kid or what'll happen. Yeah, like that's it just the prologue. It's it's yeah, really yeah. It's really interesting because like Kratos has always been a character that wasn't really deep, you know? It's like he hates right. everyone. Okay, cool. He's yeah. a, he's an asshole. <laughs> but like in that cinematic uh well the gameplay, um they really they really gave him like more personality than even Master Chief has and Master Chief has had six games, you know. Uh, and like it's 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 cool to see I think this is really like Sony's uh, kind of game plan is to take a lot of their beloved franchises and make them more story driven and and deeper you know um, and yeah. it was so weird to see like it was cool to see Kratos in like the the Norse pantheon surrounded in like these heavily wooded areas and stuff like that but you never expected to see Kratos like like that like he had so much character you know <laughs> Um, I think I'm agreeing with all the positives that you're giving it, Jared, but I think the biggest worry that I had right off the bat watching that demo was the fact that it kind of, uh, I think, added to the, I don't know what you would call it, like the Last of Us 
Sonyification of uh, Sony Studios, where like Horizon kind of looks and feels like The Last of Us, obviously Uncharted Four, now God of War, uh, Days Gone looks really similar in the way they feel in uh, kind of like the lighting engines they use. I'm not sure if they're all using the same thing, but um, okay, so you're just talking like aesthetically. Well, aesthetically, but you know the obviously like look at the tonally well look at the the camera the way it shifted from you know the original yeah. god of war games are uh you can't move the camera they're okay they're right already set in place when you run into a room and it's usually like up in a corner somewhere so this is like right over the back of his shoulder looking a lot like the perspective of the last of us for example and so um yeah, yeah it I just feels it. like there it does it definitely feels like there's uh some homogenizing going on at uh, Sony. Not a good word. (laughs) (laughs) I got heavy uh, Tomb Raider vibes from it, too. Which I think is in line with everything you're saying. Right, yeah. Tomb Raider comes off of the Uncharted games, the way they do the reboot. Right, right. So it's like, it seems like another game that I'll you know, play a little, but won't beat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Also, I, I was hearing these weird things, and they were kind of talking about it. You know the axe that he throws, and he, he like brings it back to himself? Apparently, one of the gameplay design features is that you can throw that axe at the beginning of the game on the ground and <laughs> get to the end of the game and call it, and it will go all the way to you. Just kind of Whoa. weird. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the <laughs> one of the things they're selling on it. Um, really, A really interesting thing, too, is when he activated his, his Spartan Chaos or Spartan Fury, whatever it's called, you could have done the really easy thing where he had the Chaos Blades, but that wouldn't have made se- sense context-wise, you know? Like, why would he all of a sudden have his weapons if he seems like he started a new life? So it was cool right. that they didn't do that. Like, they didn't just do the the special move and then he has his weapons. Like, oh, yeah, it definitely feels like that. I think it would have cheapened the moment. Um, showing vulnerability in his character was really cool, too, because normally the Kratos we knew would be, like, super pissed at that kid, and he was just like, you got to learn. Like, he was stiff and stern, but he wasn't, like, the asshole that we knew him to be. Like, he didn't kill the kid. Um, next up, uh, they showed off Days Gone. This was the first time we saw this game. We had heard Sony Bend was working on a game. Uh, I believe the first rumored name was Dead Don't Ride, uh, which yes. is an interesting <laughs> name. Um, yeah, we saw this. cooler, I think. I, I don't like know. Days Dead Gone Don't Ride, Ride sounds more <laughs> like double A, just cause three area to me. Yeah, it sounds like a Road Rage like knockoff kind of game. Kind of like, uh, what's the... The uh, the free to play uh, let it die kind of sounds. Uh, let it die. That, that game was a cool surprise. Um, randomly playing about it. I um, loved it until I just hit the wall and then stopped. Yeah. Oh, sounds man, like a free to play game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the interesting thing with Days Gone is this is out of everything that they've shown in their exclusive catalog. I think this has the least amount of personality, and it's not so much yeah. because it has zombies. Like I, I'm a fan of zombies if done right. If you creatively you know position yourself in a game where zombies make sense um but like with days gone it just looked like a daryl dixon simulator you know daryl dixon from walking dead like <laughs> that's why i'm pumped for it though <laughs> it just doesn't it didn't do oh, anything man. for me like it's cool i don't know for me and i don't know if you guys feel the same way gone are the days where just putting a certain number of zombies on screen is gonna win me over wholly like oh yeah Dead Rising's can I, done can that. Can I yeah. point out and appreciate that you said gone are the days? Yeah. Um, I, just, no, I like that, too. <laughs> gone are the days. Um, like, 
you know, when we first saw Dead Rising and you saw all the zombies on screen, that was super impressive. But now it's like, it's not, it doesn't, it's impre- it, it is impressive, but it doesn't carry the same weight. It doesn't make the hair on my arm stand up the way it did, you know? Well, and, like, and I mean, that's something that, the like, how impressive it is is something we really can't judge until we play the game and we know exactly. whether or not it does. Like, it could just totally chug. Great, you yeah. have 3,000 zombies on screen, but I can only move one frame a second. Yeah, also, the, for me, the character design, going back to the Daryl Dixon simulator, he's not very interesting, and it's not that he's a white dude, that, that's fine, he could be a white guy, but, like, he just, he doesn't have a very memorable face. I don't know how to put that. Like, he just, his his design doesn't really do much for me. He looks like generic biker guy, you know? Yeah, he definitely looks like he just got pulled out of Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, Which I'm also okay with. <laughs> Dom's like, Daryl Dixon Simulator, I'm down. Well, I mean, like, that's, that's you know, I love Sons of Anarchy, Walking Dead, and... Yeah. Zombie, like, sure. Shoot, it's going to be great I'm when sure. you pick up a crossbow in this game and it just... You're like, oh, it's on. God. I mean, I'm sure it's not going to knock my socks off, like, the gameplay or, or, or gameplay or any other aspect-wise, but I don't know. It could be some fun. That's, that's yeah. how I'm looking at it. We also didn't get a release date, which is weird. Not because, I mean, this is the first time we saw this game, but we had heard Sony Bend was working on this game for so long, or at least another game, and then I got, then it got canceled and they started working on this. But, like, Sony Bend hasn't released a game in a while, so it was weird <laughs> not to see a release date. We didn't get a release date at PSX either. Uh, next up was Last Guardian. Uh, this game came out, um, It well, it had an initial release date of October, and then it got delayed to December, which I think they pushed it as far as they could. Um, and... Yeah, it, was, it seemed like a good game. A lot of people thought it was great. I didn't play the game, but from what I saw, it seemed like a game that didn't, like, performance-wise, it didn't, you know, work so well. It felt, like, it felt like it was real divisive. Like, some people hated it, and some people, like, loved it more than anything. Right, Yeah. exactly. I think it definitely, it, I heard a lot of people talking about how it felt like, you know, a PS2 game. It felt like how Shadow, Shadow of the Colossus, you're like, you know hitting R and L and R and L to climb up a mountain, and it's like, why? Why can I not just push forward? Yeah, don't you think that it probably suffers from the same thing Ukulele did, where, you know, Ukulele is for people who love Banjo, not people who wanted Banjo modernized. It's for people who love the same control scheme and the same kind of camera issues and stuff that Banjo had. And if you loved Banjo and you go and play Ukulele, you'll appreciate, maybe not appreciate it, but you'll enjoy yourself. I think Last Guardian is the same thing with Eco and Shadow of the Colossus. I think if you're okay with the shortcomings of those games, you just wanted more of that. And I don't. I think that's why people didn't really knock it for a lot of the things that um, it kind of had going wrong for it. And like for me, I don't think it was a bad game necessarily. But from everything I saw, it didn't look like it was a nine or a ten. Um, but you know, everyone has their own opinions. I'm glad that game finally came out, though. At least we don't have that jo- that gaming joke on the internet anymore of, like, when are they yeah. going to show The Last Guardian? At least that's done. It's nice, right. it's nice that it's in the past. Exactly. Um, the, the problem is that it felt like it was from the past. Like, if that yeah. game had yeah. come out... If that game had come out seven years ago, it would have blown my mind, you know? But the fact that it came out now... Yeah, it's just like, yeah... And Shadow of the Colossus is like my one of my favorite games ever, you know. So, and I just did not like this one at all. The, uh, I think the reason it's the same reason why we're not playing Half Life Three at this point because that game, the way they've designed it, like four or five times now, is built for a different era, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, next up, another game that came out, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, we saw more of this game, which for me, obviously Horizon Zero Dawn ended up being a great game, but it seemed like we got this game a lot. Like we got it at E3 last, well, the year before last year, or PSX. Then we got it at last year's E3. Then we got it at PSX. It was like, it was crazy. Horizon Zero Dawn was initially supposed to come out last year and then it got delayed as well. Um, I don't think there's any much to say that hasn't already been said. It came out to great reviews we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Uh, next up, Detroit Become Human uh, by Quantic Dream. Uh, this was interesting. I think this was a cool way of presenting the game to people who aren't familiar with Quantic Dream of there's different outcomes for a game and showing the multiple outcomes and not having it stretch out and giving you an understanding of the game. Super heartbreaking. Like the whole tone of the beginning of the show was super somber. Uh, you know, where the guy's like, I trusted you and you lied to me. And he's like dying. It's like, whoa. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's interesting because... Depending on how this game is, if it's more of a Beyond Two Souls or if it's Heavy Rain, right? And depending right. on what Quantic Dream, which Quantic Dream is developing this game as far as the direction of it. Uh, I think so, it's clear, Jared. I think we're getting the Heavy Rain one back. I hope. I, hope. I like Beyond Two Souls. Um, I, I know I'm probably on the uh, you know the minority there, but like no, I, I like, like that too. game as well. But, like, Heavy Rain was a completely different product. Detroit Become Human looks interesting. I think it's definitely hitting... You know, they say a lot of times horror and sci-fi kind of mimic what's happening in current day. And as we're getting closer and closer to us becoming one with AI and stuff like that, I think those fears are growing. So having a game centered around... and I mean, it has, it's been done for a while, but having the AI around, right? Um, I think is really interesting. I love Ex Machina. It's one of my favorite movies. And... If this comes anywhere close to that as far as uh, AI and, and the Turing test and that kind of stuff, it's going to be really cool. Do you guys think this game's coming out this year? No. Mm, probably not. Unless we it's... see, like, a huge thing at this E3, then then maybe. Yeah. This it's is just possible. one of those games, I mean... like, I think they're willing to wait on it and sit on it until it's absolutely ready. Sure. It was, I guess it was announced Paris Games Week 2015? That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I know it was Paris Games Week. I think it was, and I think they only did that once. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I just think Quantic Dream is one of the studios like Kojima Productions or Polyphony Digital that just, you know, they'll get that game done when they get it done. That, that's the vibe yeah. I got too. Yeah, yeah. If it is this year, it'll be end of it, like holiday. Yeah, man. This this year is already so packed. I don't know if that's a game that. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Sony is a little bit smarter than EA is, and if they see a stacked holiday, they're not going to try to force the game in there, you know? Um, Especially not a Quantic Dream game. Exactly. Uh, next up, we had one of the coolest reveals. Uh, everyone had known about the kitchen demo. Uh, they showed off kitchen. They went back to the house. They're looking at it. And then it's an, uh, after, like, a montage, it's revealed. You see the 7 pop on screen, and then the Resident Evil fade into the 7, which was... One of the coolest reveals, oh. I think, for a game. Oh man! Well, and one of the, one of the best like graphic design typography yep. things I think <laughs> I've ever seen, and the fact that they used the the num like non Roman numeral but like alphanumeric seven for Biohazard, part of the Z. Like, yeah. In the in the in the other versions, like oh that's my God. cool. I didn't know about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the <laughs> the top part of the Z is a seven, and I'm just like, ah, they got both. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. The great thing is, not only was it met with a great reveal, it was a super quick turnaround of us knowing about the game to the game coming out, 
on yeah. top of the fact that it was a good game. People were scared that this yeah. was going to be back to the old Resident Evil of, you know, kind and, of mediocre. And it's the first AAA VR game. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah that is true. Playable from front to full back. Full length, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd say, well, I should say, you know, it's the first, uh, like, full length VR yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a critical... Uh, darling, uh, it's great to see Resident Evil go back, going back to its its horror roots and not so much action anymore. I really hope uh, we're going to talk about this uh, probably when we talk about the EA conference uh, in a couple of weeks or so. But like, um, I really hope Dead Space does that too. I think that uh, horror is big right now, especially with the success of Outlast and stuff. Um, don't don't tease me, Jared. <laughs> I just can't. I thought it was going to be last year, and I just can't do that to myself again. Are there um, rumors, or is it confirmed that we're getting another Dead Space? No, no I think we're. Va- I just. Oh, okay. I don't think <laughs> we're. Like, I haven't heard anything. I'm, I'm just dreaming. Uh, really yeah. quick here, let's go through some Evil of these that two, aren't. Or Evil Within Two, though, that's happening. Probably. Yeah, that is. True. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yep. Um, man, like, ugh, Evil Within. Anyways, real uh, quick, uh, yeah. Resident Evil Eight is that first person? Oh, do we yeah, think, think it's going first person? You would have to I just, imagine. I mean, like, are they just doing that now? Is the because it's weird, right? They've had all these spinoffs, but instead of making the spinoff series, you know, the new perspective, they changed perspectives in the seventh uh, main franchise game. So, yeah, um, I guess are they just switching to first for eight, nine, you know, whatever? Or I think so. Or what? I think it's a strong call just because of the success of first part, first person horror games now. Um, and I think it lends itself well, and I think it's a good way of reaffirming that you're that you're changing the series, right? Because like five and six left such a bad taste in people's mouths that you want to distance yourself as far away from that, you know. Good I think point. going yeah. first person helps that a lot. Plus, plus they're like picking up with the PT promise, like where that left off. Exactly. Showed yeah. that you could do that on consoles, you know, because first person horror had been largely the domain of pc for a while and then pt came out and you're like whoa okay like you can do that kind of atmospheric thing and it's even scarier it's like so terrifying it's interesting to me because i don't know if did pt come out before the first outlast um i don't remember i don't know because around the same time right yeah it's really it's really interesting to me if it was one of those things where outlast came out pt came out and then PT inspired Outlast 2. Uh, obviously, it yeah. inspired Resident Evil to quite an extent. But it's really interesting how, like, Outlast, I think, is a very important game that people don't talk about as far as rejuvenating a genre. Um, and it, it's cool that, like you said, first person is viable on consoles now. So I'm super excited about that. Hopefully, Resident Evil 8's first person. Um, Next up, we're going to go through some things that aren't really super important because I want to get through um, the the stuff towards the end here. Um, but Outlast P- was first. Outlast was first? Okay. Yeah. I thought so. That was September 4th, 2013. PT was August 2014. Oh. Oh, wow. Um, so we had PSVR talk. Uh, they basically came out and talked about the release and the price, and they showed off some games. There was the reel with Farpoint and the X-Wing VR mission and Batman. <clears throat> Excuse me. They had the Final Fantasy XV trailer. Final Fantasy XV obviously came out last year. Uh, they had the Call of Duty Infinite Warfare trailer. Um, <clears throat> it, Sean Layden then came out on stage and talked about how they were remastering the first three Crash games from the ground up. At this point, we didn't know it was the Insane Trilogy, but that's what it came to be when they announced the title at PSX. 
and then they showed off some weird Activision Imaginator stuff, Lego Force Awakens. This was kind of like the filler section of the show because the, yeah. the beginning of it was so strong. And then they actually the finished section. Exactly. Yeah, the we got to pay the bills <laughs> section. Exactly. Uh, and then Andy House came out and you know announced Kojima was coming out on stage and he walked out on that light. I don't know if you guys remember the light panel that was like the yeah. the boardwalk, the carpet rolling out for him. Super cool. We got the first. Also, I don't remember if that was the first time he was Andy House instead of Andrew House because he used to be Andrew House and everything. I Maybe think he is, and Jared's just saying that. No, no, no I remember Pro, we made a PS4 point of Pro it. PS4 Pro event, I think, is when he first got called Andy House. Oh, okay. They had I, it on the bottom. I rem- whenever okay. it was, I don't okay. remember when it was, but I remember there was a change, and I was like, Andy House? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ooh. <laughs> He's gone casual. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Kojima came out on stage, showed off that really cool announcement trailer for Death Stranding. Really weird. We didn't know what we were saying. We saw Norman Reedus for the second time of the conference because we saw him in Days Gone. And then, you know, we had the weird baby. The baby disappears. And then we had all of the theories come out about was the baby Metal Gear? Uh, were the five things representing the five games? Uh, the whole initial test was at them taking the baby from him, his thing. Like, there was a lot of weird theories about how that trailer <laughs> didn't even have a connection to the game, but it was Kojima's message of him being freed from uh, Konami but them taking his baby really interesting stuff since then we had the trailer with Guillermo del Toro with him under the bridge with the tank and uh, Mads Mikkelsen which was really cool um, I'm I'm good for Death Stranding I really hope we don't see it this year um, not that I don't want to see more Death Stranding but that game's so far off man you know I don't want the, the, the breadcrumb trail of, of, of Death Stranding um, then we had Spider-Man for PS4 uh, you know, we didn't know we were going to see Spider-Man necessarily. There was a rumor that it was actually being made by Sucker Punch. We end up hearing Spider-Man's voice, which happens to be Yuri Lowenthal. And we find out that it's by Insomniac, not Sucker Punch. Looks really cool. It's an exclusive from Marvel. Uh, really interesting. It didn't have a title. And people still think that this game's coming out this year. For me personally, it not having a title at last year's E3 is kind of a tell to me that it's not coming out this year, but it could just be like, hey, they just didn't have a title yet. Um, is We talked about this with, with Detroit Become Human. Do you guys think this game's coming out this year? Spider-Man? Let's, let's save it for the other section. <laughs> okay. I might have something to say. Um, pause. And then, so this was the, probably one of the most interesting parts of the conference is there was the Days Gone gameplay demo at the end, and it seemed a little weird. It seemed a little awkward. Uh, after the conference had ended and E3 you know, had finished, people were talking about how, was this forced in? Was this a last minute change? There was rumors that it was supposed to be Red Dead 2 and then because of the Orlando shooting and stuff they didn't feel really good you know, finishing their show with somebody getting shot which is a weird rumor and could be true but Rockstar doesn't really show up at E3 um, so I think there was just hearsay rumor speculation kind of stuff um Overall, I think it was a solid conference. Some people think it was better than their 2015 conference. I think it's you can make an argument for either or. I think it was a really solid conference, though. Um, this was I just the... think as as far as presentation goes, it's probably one of the best E3 conferences of all time. But yeah. like as far as content goes, yeah, I mean, yeah, whatever. Did, man, that orchestral opening and everything was so good yeah. and like. Uh, the fact that they had little to no talking. They had sections, but like for the most part, it was trailer, 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 which was really good. It's it's so weird to me. And, you know, you think PlayStation's on Cloud9, they can't make any mistakes. And then you go and watch the PS4 Pro reveal event, and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, you're human. 
um, which was completely weird and odd, and hopefully Xbox learned from that. Um, so that was last year's conference. Uh, now we can jump into, we'll do the predictions at the end, we'll talk about um, what we expect to, to see as far as like things that aren't a surprise. Um, out of out of the games that we saw last year, do you think we're going to see, obviously not Last Guardian Horizon because those came out and Resident Evil and stuff, but all of the exclusives that we saw last year that haven't come out yet, do you think it's a lock that we're going to see all of them again? Yeah, I'd say so. I think, you're, you, unfortunately, Jared, you're going to see some Death Stranding too. And so. some days gone, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. As Kojima himself has said, the game has already begun, and the slow trickle of breadcrumbs is part yeah. of the experience, Jared. Just sit yeah. along and enjoy the ride. Yeah, you... Kojima's marketing is basically like some kind of weird ARG. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah. going to be some weird trailer, he but it's going to be... has come too. Yeah, it's going to be not like anything you really expect. Um, do you guys think that anything we saw last year that didn't have a date, so pretty much all of their exclusives uh, that has, that haven't already released, do you think those are going to get dates for this year? We talked a little bit about it, but like, are there if even if you don't think any are coming out, which one do you think is the most likely that's going to come out this year? If you had to pick one, Spider Man. Spider Man. Yeah. yeah. I would say Spider Man is the least likely. Um, even though What's I will movie? say. You made a good point, Jared, that it could just be the title thing, and I think that game, you know, even though it's not all of it, or I guess there was some gameplay, but it definitely seemed farther along than most games that don't have titles, uh, you know. Um, so, it's possible, but I think um, I'm going to have to go with Detroit, because I think they're just going to delay Days Gone. I think they've got some stuff they need to work the, out some kinks over there the really the really weird thing to me is like sony has such a strong stable of of jrpgs and just very heavy japanese games but yet they didn't show any of them at e3 last year they waited to show nino kuni and neo and all these games at psx like i really want to see nino kuni 2 at e3 but i don't think we're gonna Not see gonna it nah. yeah exactly um, if anything it would be a trailer and that's it yeah. See, that's that was my argument last year, Jared, is because their conference was what, like fifty minutes, an hour, hour and ten minutes, or something. I think it was, it was like, exactly an hour. Yeah. Yeah, it was like in and out, and they were. I just didn't understand that. Like, show off Gravity Rush, show off or Nino Persona Kuni, Five, show off Neo, yeah. show off Persona Five. And the thing is, is oh well, those aren't E three games. Well, when you're you know just busting your hump to get all this like stuff jam packed into an hour, then take another 30 minutes to kind of you know talk about some games that wouldn't necessarily get the limelight but they're worth talking about and people are going to get them as we've seen with all three of those games yeah i mean i think i think that we talked about this on something at easy allies too but japanese style games have had a bit of a renaissance recently especially with persona 5 and near uh so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they lean into it a little more than they have in the past. But I, I do still think it'll be like a section of trailers. Or yeah. yeah, it's it's weird to me that we didn't even get anything indie last year at the E3 thing because everyone that talked about weird. PlayStation Four is the is the console for indies, and it seems like the last couple of years or maybe just a year and a half or so, Xbox has been the one like 
we have all these games for ID at Xbox. Here's all of these games. And yeah, a couple of them, like Below and Cuphead, are <laughs> staggering to come out. But here's, a, here's Cuphead and Below that you'll never get to play. But at least they're still yeah. showing them. And PlayStation was always PlayStation 4, especially when it came out, was touted as, this is the, the box for developers. We're making it easy. We're going to have all the indies. And they didn't even showcase them. So it's like, yeah, you, you have all these Japanese-influenced games that Xbox doesn't have, but you don't even show them off at E3. You have all of these indies, apparently, and you don't even show them off at E3. You know, and the thing is, they do have the indies, and it's yep. like you said recently. Xbox has felt like the the indie guys, right? But PlayStation's had Cosmic Star Heroin and tons of other, you know, indie hits released just recently, just within this past year on on PSN. So they're not what it means is that it, they have the supply; they're just not doing a good enough job of, you know, telling the masses about it. It could be something on the business side too, especially think of like Persona 5 since that's not, you know, Sony first party. Maybe they just didn't want to buck up for some of that space because like you said, Sony was clearly going for a short, you know, hour in and out. Yeah, yeah. and this E3. is a mainstream, um, as much as it can be in the video games industry, this is a mainstream American right. industry event. So maybe so, Atlas said, you know, we're, it's not worth it to us to show, you know, Persona at, at E3. Um, well, they show it. They're just not showing it on the stage. Like, right. All those games are still there. All these games yeah. that we're talking about are still on the show floor, yeah. but they just don't get the limelight on the conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after the debacle of the PS4 Pro reveal, I highly doubt we're going to see any hardware this year. I would be shocked if we saw any yeah. hardware from Sony. It just doesn't seem like they do that anymore. D three. That white um, PS4 Pro. Do you guys think we're going to see any? One thing that another thing that Xbox has kind of been killing PlayStation at recently is services. You know, with Xbox Game Pass, the announcement of that and backwards compatibility. Do you think we're going to see maybe an updated announcement to PlayStation now because it needs to compete more? You know, do you think we're going to see something as far as services go with PlayStation? Yeah, that was one of my predictions from the end of the year last year that sometime in 2017 something's going to change with PlayStation now, and they've already started to do some changes. Um, they they changed the devices. They actually reduced the amount of devices yep. it works on, which was actually the opposite of what I thought they'd do. <laughs> um, I thought they'd want to get it on more smart TVs and stuff, and instead they they just backed down. So I think something's going to change with that. I don't know how though anymore. <laughs> Um, I don't think they're going to be focusing on PlayStation now. If anything, it would just be PSN generally. But unfortunately, I don't think they're smart enough to do that because, um, not because they don't want to talk about it. It's because they literally don't have any improvements to or, show. Jordan, how, what if they did, um, they say, you know, we're dropping uh, free games, free PS Plus games for ps3 or vita you know and adding ps plus games for vr like everyone's kind of speculating that could be something they they talk about i see people speculated on that but i feel like you need to build out the vr library before you can start giving these games away for free especially since uh well not for free but for a subsidized amount i think yeah you were already seeing how these games are more expensive because of the fact that the install base is so small you know um I think another interesting thing is what third-party partnerships are going to change. You know, developers want to have their games look the best they can on stage. I doubt Call of Duty's jumping ship. We're probably going to see World War II on Sony's stage. Uh, maybe both. I don't know. We have a Battlefront 2 coming out this year as well. I don't know if that's going to yeah. jump ship. And we also have Destiny 2, which I highly doubt will jump ship either. So that means that you have three third-party games that are probably going to be on Sony's stage. So they can actually not have to show 
maybe one of these games that isn't you know isn't coming out soon, so they don't have to force it in people's faces again. So and frankly, that's kind of when you think about it, those are going to be I think <clears throat> undisputably the three best selling games of this year. I mean, that's you know Call of Duty, of course, yeah, Battlefront. Battlefront One sold somewhat, you know, 15 million copies in like its in, in its first year, something crazy like that. And then you know, with the new Star Wars, it's that's going to do bonkers as well. They'll be up and there then, with Wildlands, yeah. The, man, those yeah, Ubisoft Destiny games, might be it's a lot. Yeah, Destiny might be the question mark, but I think it'll do really well. So like having, and I'm pretty sure, um, like you're saying, yeah, Sony has you know the marketing deals with all three of those games. Um, so I'm sure we'll see all those. It's, the it's only some... thing that might screw that up is if Microsoft is trying to push the Scorpio so hard that they shelled out money to get those announcement exclusives yeah. to just be like, look how great this is on the Scorpio, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if Sony does talk about hardware or services, I hope that they just go, the PS4 Pro is a little cheaper and PSN Plus is faster, or PSN is faster. Those PSN is more reliable, your download yeah. speeds are if, way improved. If you they can said actually that, change your name. Like if they, yeah, if they literally said, hey, we charged you $10 extra and we actually applied that to making it run better, they win. I'm like, they could not announce another game at all and they would just be like, okay, cool, thanks. It's it's so funny. We, we talked about this almost on a weekly basis, Ian, of how PlayStation has nailed software so well, right? They have the IPs, they have the exclusives. And Xbox is doing everything in their power with services and stuff like that. And they're knocking it out of the park, frankly, with a lot of the stuff they're doing. It's very consumer-friendly. It's very gamer-focused. And if they just had the IPs, they'd be untouchable. PlayStation, yeah. if they just had all of their services and shit in a line, they'd be untouchable, you know? Yeah. It's just funny that they both have these giant, uh, you know, holes in their armor. It's really funny. Yeah. Can't um, these two see that they're in love with each other? Exactly. <laughs> and then you would think Nintendo would come in and do both, but no, it's Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo's not going to do what Just Nintendo's going to do whatever the hell it wants. Sony. Exactly. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens with those third parties. Uh, you're right, Ian. If you know Microsoft shells out a bunch of money, people tend to forget too the relationship that that Xbox has with EA. So if any yeah. of those are to move, I would probably say Battlefront Two is the likeliest. Just because, you know, Xbox has uh, EA Access and they've had Mass Effect, which was an exclusive for the 360, and they've had a tendency to work well with EA. So I wouldn't be surprised well, there. It's worth noting that they were still, you know, in Sony's court for Battlefront 1 and had all the, they had all the DLC and exclusive content over there. Uh, but they still had the EA Access thing going on Xbox for Battlefront. Exactly. They yeah. even had a custom Battlefield Xbox. So, um, yeah. I think we're going to see as much Star Wars as they can possibly shovel yeah. at us. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. there's going to be Star Wars at every single thing, like three, four times probably at Microsoft. Like, EA is going to be entirely Star Wars. Like, it's going to be Star Wars everything. It's also going to be interesting Speaking to see of. if we see really quick, Dom. You can you can go in. Um, if we see the Square Enix uh, deal with Marvel, any immediate cinematic trailers or anything, and who gets those for the Avengers game, for the Guardians game, it's going to be interesting to see if we see those at all. Remember, because those are announced, what, three months ago at this point? Uh, and the partnership between Square Enix and Marvel, where Crystal Dynamics is working on a game, and so is Eidos Montreal. So it's going to be interesting to see if we see any of those and who gets those. That's going to be cool, too. Go ahead, Dom. Sorry about that. Uh, so I think that covers everything of what, what we expect to see and stuff like that. I think we're going to head into predictions now. This is my personal favorite part. Not because we're going to get them right. It's just cool to see what everyone's perspective is on what could happen. 
Um, I think the way we're going to do is we're each going to do one at a time. Each of us have three. Uh, since you're the guest, Ian, you can go first. Just let us know what your prediction is, what you expect it to happen, and uh, yeah, go for it. I don't know if this is a hope or a prediction. It was it was rumored in a leak, but I mean, Bloodborne too. Oh, ah. do it. <laughs> Come on. Do it. Come on. Uh, I would pass out. I would just pass right out. Ian, <laughs> I think it's happening. <laughs> Missed the trailer. Really? I hope, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So From has released a game every year going back to, I think, 1996 or something wow. like that. I was reading an article where they've released the game every year. So if Bloodborne 2 is announced, I hope it comes out this year. But they also have a track record of releasing all of their Souls games in March. So I can yeah. see this being March 2018. They, Jared, they also just released Dark Souls 3 DLC this year, technically. Yeah, so they, yeah it's they, true. Stay true. off the hook. And the, the Collected Edition. Yep, the fires oh, fade yeah. or whatever the heck it's called. Yeah, it's, it's something called. like that. Where they used Agnes Obel in the trailer, and it was awesome. Um, uh, one of my favorite artists. Do you think that Bloodborne Two will take the Dark Souls Two route, where it's not uh, the lead isn't Miyazaki? Um, I f- my hope is that he's the lead on this because he says he's done with Souls. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Or they might go the other route and do. Um, like there wouldn't be a Bloodborne two, but there'll be like a you know they jump to a different time period or different genre of some kind, like Civil oh, War okay. Souls or like Space Souls Ooh, or yeah. Yeah, Re- Revolutionary yeah, yeah. Souls or you know whatever. Like, um, but I definitely think that there would be space for a Bloodborne two because I mean minor Bloodborne one spoiler upcoming, but like you know taking the canon ending of the first game and making that the final boss all grown up of the second game would make a lot of sense. Uh, what did you spoil about Bloodborne? The ending, the good, the real ending. Well, you but, didn't uh, say anything specific. <laughs> exactly. I, I spoiled it in a way that it's only spoiled if you already know what I'm talking and, about. And frankly, that's, that's a hard game to spoil because, I, I don't know, I probably played that 100 hours, got the platinum. I really yeah. don't understand the story hardly at all, so... I, I think the uh, Souls and Bloodborne are like those games where it's up to you to be interested enough to like look at the lore and stuff like that. Yeah, you gotta watch some Vati video videos. Yeah, on I mean they they discovered the the blood of the ancient ones in the Thumerian you know labyrinths, and then they started splicing with themselves. At first, it was yeah. great. Then it started mutating them all, so they had to start doing hunts. And then they're like, "Oh, messing with Cthulhu blood is bad news." Ha ha. The only reason Basically. I don't want it... that was a great plot yeah, summary for Bloodborne. Yeah. Dom, that's all <laughs> you need. Basically, that's it. Yeah. The, the only reason I don't want it to be Bloodborne 2 is because I love the Souls game so much, and the last thing I want is another one to be exclusive. So I really hope it's uh, just another From game that's, you know, console agnostic. But for your guys' sake, I know how much you guys like Bloodborne. Or something. Bloodborne's worth getting a PS4. <laughs> yeah. um, I think Ian so... can agree. So I think I'll go. I'll go next. Um, so Bloodborne Two is our first prediction. For me, uh, I'm looking through here. Which one do I want to throw out here? Okay. So this is an interesting one. One of the biggest surprises for me, as far as games that came out of left field, was Until Dawn. Um, uh, yeah. I was looking at Supermassive, and it doesn't seem like they're currently working on anything that they've publicly announced. I would love if maybe not an Until Dawn sequel, but a game from Supermassive in that same vein. Um, the, you know, the butterfly effect storytelling, maybe take it to a different area. Maybe it is a direct sequel. I don't know. Um, but I think that game was 
really well done and I think it didn't it didn't do well commercially because Sony didn't push it uh, and Sony makes these weird decisions sometimes where like they have they have a really good game on their hands and they just don't market it and it's just like yeah hey you- let's put out until dawn right before Halloween and not let anybody know that it's on store shelves exactly and, it, and yeah. it's awesome <laughs> that game yeah. is it lived and died because how streamable it was, you know, and how shareable it was, and people yeah. wanted to see how that people played it. That was the problem, it. yeah. Yeah. Like, That's we did an entire stream all... in our pajamas of the whole game, <laughs> yeah. and then it was like, well, now we don't have to ever play that again, and ni- neither do you. Yeah. Right, everyone who watched you, yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I, so I guess my prediction is Supermassive has a game that's either a sequel to Until Dawn or in the same vein where it's Butterfly Effect. I think that'll be my prediction. I hope. I think with Rush of Blood, you're, that's a telltale sign that you're getting Until Dawn 2, for sure. I, I hope so. Like, And I mean, I mean like a sequel. It's not just a spiritual successor or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, so mine wasn't too crazy or Ooh. anything like that. That would be kind of crazy if it took your data from the first game and any character that lived through it shows up in the sequel, but any yeah. character that died is dead. That well, that would be hugely ripply. Well, the crazy yeah. thing, too, is they were able to... They didn't have crazy big actors, but they had Hayden Panettiere, and I always forget his name, the guy from Mr. Robot. Rami um, Malek. Yeah. Yeah, Rami yeah. Malek. I don't know if they can afford him anymore, because he's kind of blown up since then, but it's going to be interesting to see if they have any other you know actors in there. Um, so yeah, that's my prediction. We can go to one of you guys, whoever wants to go first. All right, I'm going to jump in. <clears throat> I think this one's a lock. Um, <laughs> Ooh, confident much. Uh, something from Battlefront 2 in VR. Okay. Because we got that, you know, uh, X Wing mission. Year, but yeah. Yeah. I think you're totally right. What, yeah, whatever. They did a VR thing for Battlefront, just, you know, Battlefront 1. Um, so I think they're going to. Try to push that again, and I have a little bit of doubt just because we haven't heard them push anything VR recently, it seems like. Um, but I can't see them giving up on it quite yet, so I think that we'll see something uh, in that vein. And it seemed like uh, the the first one was pretty cool, and, and more importantly, I from an, I feel like I watched an interview, and the developers, at least at least they acted um, excited and, you know, thinking <laughs> like it was really cool tech, and they like working on it, right? Um so I think we'll see that. I think that's that's kind of a kind of a cop out guess, but yeah, yeah, that's what I got. It's, it's an interesting thing because you know the X Wing mission came out kind of late after Battlefront came out, and I think you're right; they're going to try to spearhead it at the beginning and give you a, another incentive to buy at launch and another incentive to have PSVR. So it makes complete sense. Dom, that was a good guess. What's a prediction rather than really a guess? I guess kind of a guess. Uh, Jordan, what's your first prediction? <laughs> So, boys, it is about that time for the world's greatest studio to reveal their next game. No, stop. Sucker Punch will be revealing a new third-person action RPG. And what we're looking at here is uh, something similar to Horizon Zero Dawn in the sense that, um, you know, uh, fuck, Gorilla was... uh, making Killzone games, and then they jumped to this way other, bigger, awesome deal with Horizon, and Sucker Punch has been making these, um, open-world-ish, they're like more like sandbox games with, um, the side mission structure is nothing like, um, an actual RPG, um, or an actual, like, 
open world superhero game. It's like not even like it's like way more simple than even Arkham Knight would be. And so um, this is going to be the real deal third person action RPG, just like Horizon is. And I I don't know if it's going to be infamous. I don't think it is because um, this isn't what infamous is. This is a little bit different. Um, and I definitely think that like Sony's only going to keep going with infamous so long because it's a cool franchise and there's a lot of, uh, hardcore PlayStation people that love it, but it's certainly not one of their franchise that sells big. Um, once again, because they don't know how to sell it just like until dawn and gravity rush and Nino County and Neo and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, yeah, that's why I'm thinking here. I think that, uh, it's time. Sucker Punch has had enough time. Uh, Infamous First Light came out in 2000, spring of 2015. And they haven't done any VR experience or anything since then. So, it's time. Uh, very excited. Very excited. Favorite studio. <laughs> um, Ian, what's your second prediction? Oh, so we're just get, not going to talk about that at all? <laughs> I, no, I think, Jordan, I think you nailed it's that. been a while since we've heard, it's been a while since we heard from them, so I think you're right. Um, they're definitely going to show something, I guess. Um, but I guess what I want to hear from you guys is what do you guys think the Sucker Punch game is going to be once we see it? I would bet Infamous, what would it be, four, four. three? Yeah, that would be my guess. Or they might call it something different, right? Yeah, infamous I, yeah. third daughter of the second light of the first morning. Sure. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised either way if it was, like you said, something completely different or another infamous game. Yeah, but I bet you're yeah. right. I think we'll hear from them. Yeah. My okay. my thing is if it's not an infamous game, I think it's going to be another partnership with Marvel. Oh, damn, dude. That'd be hardcore. Yeah. I just Ooh. think that... Guardians. I just think that... They fall in the same camp as um, uh, Eidos Montreal. Like They have this franchise that a lot of people love, but they didn't know how to sell it well. And yeah, they probably want to work on Infamous still, but guess what? That doesn't pay the bills. We're going to put you on a licensed kind of thing, you know? So now, obviously, Eidos is working on the Avengers game and the Guardians game, so Sucker Punch might be doing that as well. The only, the only reason I... Sucker Punch is first-party Sony, right? Yeah. So that would be the only reason I don't think that's possible just because how well then again though we got spider-man exclusive to ps4 so maybe but marvel would do that that's well, insomniac it is exclusive second party yeah so, uh, insomniac's uh, well, kind of second party yeah. okay yeah no you're right my point holds <laughs> okay now that yeah, we've discussed but that is a good point i think sony would want to i own appreciate it. yeah i i agree with you uh that's a that's a valid counterpoint to the whole marvel thing is they probably want to do something that they own who knows? Maybe From didn't want to work on Bloodborne and Sucker Punch is doing Bloodborne too. Damn, oh that'd be crazy. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not what I want at all. Me neither. No, I'm working on Bloodborne no. and I don't want. <laughs> like, I want them to make something other than that, and they're not the people to make it, but yeah. that'd be cool. Yeah, Bloodborne and Souls shouldn't be touched by anybody but From. But right. Thank Sony you. owns that IP, so. <laughs> well, I think we're probably about six or seven years from a non-from Souls or Bloodborne game. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. Now that we've discussed, Ian, what's what's your second prediction? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think they're going to do another orchestra, but they're going to shift it up somehow. I think there's going to be fog machines, laser beams, and (laughs) possibly indoor pyrotechnics. So, 
Is this what's that uh, VR game you played on Easy Update with your buds? Uh, oh, the Kyle and Brandon, <laughs> where you throw yeah, the yeah, beer yeah. on stage and stuff. I think it was hilarious. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yelling at people. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called right now. Stage presence. Yeah. Yes. Stage there presence. you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. <laughs> God. Do you? I wouldn't, think... be, I wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that, like a fake out of some kind. Do you think yeah. they're going to shift, like, you say it's going to be shifted up, do you think they're going to change tone? Because last year was so somber, do you think this one's going to come out with, like, a superhero theme, like, very upbeat, and we see Spider-Man first? Like, maybe not Spider-Man, but do you think it's going to be more upbeat, or do you think it's going to be somber? Like, what do you think the tone's going to be for the orchestra? Uh, Sony, I think, likes to be classy. Yeah. You know? Oh, like, yeah. Like, PS3, oh, yeah. PS3 started with an orchestra tuning up, you know? Like... <laughs> I, I think that they're going to keep with that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they also mix in a little, like... Like, I wouldn't be surprised if I see somebody in a tux base jump off a building or something. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Classy, but edgy and funny, you know? Orchestra yeah. starting up, this guy jumps off a building. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to shake it up. They have to. They have to at least maintain or outdo themselves now, because they reinvented what it means to do an E3 presentation. Everybody else better take note from last time, because like they they changed they changed the game like they they raised it to a new level, and said this is just about pumping out announcements, being classy and having fun, and not you know talking about teraflops and, it and is. back it's end appliance. and boy yeah. did they dodge a bullet. Because imagine if they decided to lump in that PS4 Pro thing at E3, how bad oh, yeah. that would have turned. Because ugh. Well, yeah, I, I think that <laughs> Sony is like just bad at managing hype, right? Like yeah, sometimes, that's true. I mean, like look at look at No Man's Sky is the perfect example. But like the the hype for the PS4 presentation, I think you know, exacerbated by their E3 presentations quality, uh, had everyone expecting one thing when they should have just said, "This is a P PlayStation 4, you know, presentation." not a big event it's just like a shareholders yeah. informational briefing if they called it like a briefing i can't remember what they actually called it but like meeting. they needed to they needed to, yeah meeting well meeting is yeah pretty yeah. boring they i mean they they should have stressed <laughs> like this is going to be just a very you know very dry informational briefing yeah. you know they should have like said that ahead of time or had somebody else handle it like xbox did i think that was brilliant having digital mm -hmm. foundry just be like yeah here's the specs if you want them um, yeah. So, as far as my second prediction, this one's kind of bold, but you'll see my reasoning. I think that they're going to announce a Spyro remaster in the same way that they did the Crash one. And I think it, it's kind of tough, because I, I would expect this more so at PSX, maybe, because of my reasoning of the success of Crash. And I don't mean, obviously, the commercial success, because it hasn't released yet, but the the goodwill that Sony got of showing people that they're willing to go back and remaster these games. They even did that with Parappa, obviously. Um, but I really think that they're going to come out and be like, you guys love Spyro. We know you guys love Spyro too. You guys love Crash. There's a bunch of people that love Spyro. It doesn't seem like those games, it seems like a pretty quick turnaround, right? Um, and if people really are invested in it and if it sells, then that can give him the idea of going back and visiting Spyro, going back and visiting Crash. I think it's a, it's a low cost uh, investment on what could possibly turn out to be uh, really good uh, returns. So I'm, I'm going with 
uh, we're going to see an announcement of a Spyro remaster. Probably not named, but they're going to be like, we're working on something kind of like what they did with Crash, where it's like, we're doing complete remasters of Spyro, Spyro 2 from the ground up. You'll hear more about it later, kind of thing. That's So, I don't think that's going to happen for a couple different reasons, because I think the only reason the Crash uh, remakes are happening is because I think that the fan fervor was just so hot that they had to do something about it. You know, like, Sean Layton literally just wears a Crash t-shirt because it's a PlayStation franchise that he probably digs and at the conference, and so everybody thinks that they're, you know, doing it, and then, like, fucking PlayStation Saudi Arabia or whatever tweets out a picture of Crash, and everybody's like, oh, you know, they're getting a new Crash game. So the the fans were freaking out so hard about Crash that I think they had to do something, which is why... We got so little information about the um, them redoing Crash last year until they were able to, you know, name it and give us some more footage and all that. Um, and then on top of that, we have the uh, Skylanders entanglement. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, um, Sony doesn't own uh, Crash or Spyro, but they can go to Activision for Crash and say, hey, we want to pay you this much, whatever, and they're like, yeah, I don't really give a fuck because Crash isn't doing shit. But if Activision isn't probably going to want to mud the muddy the the waters too much with the Spyro franchise, even though Skylanders is not nearly as much of a thing, and Spyro is less and less a big part of uh, Skylanders, I still think that's a franchise that they want to keep like narrow, um, just doing Skylanders. So... Um, uh, that's why I think we haven't seen any Spyro games because I, I think we would have seen another Spyro game by now. People could have said people adventure. said that about Crash though too. You know, I just think that it's such. I, I don't think it's that much of an investment. And I think Activision, we've seen what Activision does. They're willing to just make money. They want to do whatever it takes to make money, right? At the cost of good favor or good fortune. This one's not much of a prediction. It's more of a dream because I love Spyro so much. It's what, how everyone felt. I love Crash too, but not as much as Spyro. So, uh, yeah. I, I I understand your 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 arguments there. I hope it happens, but I do see where you're coming from. Where it's highly unlikely. Um, Dom, I want what's to see your... a, a Croc Gex Spyro mashup game. Damn. Oh God! <laughs> Just call it like Lizard Land or whatever. <laughs> the Lizard or... Three. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Dom, what's your second prediction? So I got one. We touched on it earlier, but I do think Spider-Man uh, does come out this fall on PS4. Um, so there, you know, one of the Marvel guys, I don't even remember what his position was, you know, in a conversation said, oh yeah, it's coming out this fall or something along those lines. And Insomniac tweeted back, I'm not exactly sure, but they said no release date has been announced yet, right? Yeah. Which immediately everyone says, oh, well, wait, it must not be coming out in the fall. But I mean, if you look at the wording, you know, they did not confirm or deny anything, really. They just said it's not been announced. So I think, you know, they, the plan was to time it up as close to this movie, uh, which yeah. comes out this summer, as, as they could. So I think, you know, that's what they want to do, and that's what they've been aiming for. And it might end up getting delayed, uh, you know, if it's not done yet. But I think that's the goal. And I think uh, Insomniac was more just trying to control their mar- the marketing themselves, whereas, you know, Marvel is used to, you know, they're in they're in, in the movie industry where, you know, you announce things way ahead of time and it's just whatever, right? I think what happened there was the guy was a host of a, like, 
one of Marvel's general ass YouTube channels or YouTube uh, shows okay. where it's just like, here's what's happening with Marvel this week, you know? Here's right. the comics, here's the movies, here's the games. And so that guy is very, very far removed and really, like, not even high enough up in Marvel itself uh, to know what the fuck is going on. You know, I, I just yeah. think that guy had no clue and he's like, oh, I heard there was an, you know, Spider Man Insomniac game coming, so. Yeah, he could have heard it between ten people or something. It might be nothing, but regardless of that guy, I still think it. I still think that's the goal is to get it out this year. And frankly, also because we talked about you know Sony's exclusives, uh, you know, getting jammed in the fall when they can't compete. I think Spider Man is a game that could compete. Oh yeah, it's you know, funny. in a September October range, whereas you know a Days Gone would get demolished uh, in that. So that that I don't know. I just got a vibe. They also, come out this fall. we don't know if Insomniac's the only ones working on it. Remember when we heard the rumor that Sucker Punch was initially working on it? What if Sucker Punch is helping on it? And that's what, you Good know. Point. Fuck yeah. that. This ain't yeah. no goddamn Call of Duty Activision bullshit. You never know. I, I could really be that they doubled down on it because they wanted it to be come out so close to the movie that they put more manpower on and Sucker Punch might have been working on concepts oh, or early boy. development on ah, something. That would not make me happy as a Sony lifetime customer. They're working on exclusive for you. I don't know why they get you mad. Well, because Insomniac's got three fucking studios, and I think they can handle it themselves. I'm not. I'm sorry. That was. <laughs> he I'm wants... not trying to like be angry at you, Jared. But I'm just like, if I if, if you're Sony, like Jordan, why are you upset? You know, like yeah, because Insomniac can clearly handle it. Shuhei, just let Sucker Punch do their yeah. thing. He he wants the sucker punch the the infamous sequel. That's what it right. is. Yeah, and yeah, like I said, Insomniac like. Do do your thing. Like they should be working on Spider Man and Ratchet and Clank too, <laughs> by themselves. Um, yeah, as long as they're not working on a second movie, because that thing flopped. Uh, oh, don't. God, uh, you're just you're just stabbing me in the chest. I'm sorry. Anyways, well, <laughs> you can give us something positive. What's your second prediction? Uh, first for? of all, I'd like to give you something positive. A lot of people wrote the Ratchet and Clank movie off, and it's absolutely worth seeing whether you're a fan <laughs> of the series or not. Second of all. <laughs> We're getting a Horizon DLC trailer. Now, this could pop a day or so before the conference. Um, so that's this is kind of a risky prediction, I would say, because um, this may not be something that they want that is big enough for E3, but at the same time, I kind of feel like it is. Yeah, because I think, right. I think this is big enough. Yeah, yeah I, think I mean, so it's too. DLC is the only thing. It's not a full game announcement, but yeah, I think... Um, Really, the, I think the only reason it wouldn't be there is is if it's there if it comes out before the trailer for the DLC comes out before. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna say they're gonna have a DLC trailer for Horizon. It's gonna be heavy story. You might see gameplay of her using a new slingshot or a new ammo type or something, but I think it's mostly gonna be like really thick story because. Um, I haven't finished the story actually, but it seems like everyone who finished it thought the ending was either cool or at least intriguing in some sense, whether they liked it or not, and that it could definitely be propelled into something else. Um, obviously sequels are coming, but I think the immediate, uh, string tying of the plot could be very interesting. Yeah. It's going to be interesting where they take that with DLC because they could do the last of us thing where it's. Like a prequel, because you get you obviously you get her when she's little at the beginning of the game, but like they could do something somewhere in there. They have a lot to work with. So it's gonna be interesting if they put tack it on at the end, or if they tack it on before, or like you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. 
Um, I think that's I think that's a nice little in the middle, you know. You know, some peanut butter between your bread. <laughs> uh, Ian, what's your last prediction for us? You got the orchestra. You got Bloodborne too. Yeah, my this one's a little in line with the second one. This is just about the the presentation. Uh, I think that at some point a three-story LED wall will turn red, <laughs> like blood. Like blood will come down it, uh, either for Bloodborne or Code Vein or one of these. <laughs> Uh, like vampires might be involved, but uh, yeah, I think some some <laughs> large amounts of something are going to turn red at one point or another during this press conference. It's like Ian, what do you think is going to happen in next Sunday's football game? Well, there's going to be a mascot on the side of the field. I'm pretty sure, and I'm thinking one of the cheerleaders might actually toss her pom pom up in the air. <laughs> it's like Ian, Ian's just predicting the most random shit. Like. So what's going to happen at the video game conference? Well, they're going to have this really cool orchestra, and there's this 3D wall behind them with blood. I'm real specific. Yeah. That'd be awesome, though, man, just to see it all filled with red. What about the games? Yeah, well, um, and someone might walk on the bottom half of it, like like Kojima <laughs> did. Ooh, that'd yeah. be cool. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Because they have the LED wall. They're using it. They're exactly. Use it. Put it to use. Something. Yeah. We want to see blood come down. Uh, carry yeah. style. I think you got something happens? here. I th Ian, I think you got something here, so much so that I'm wondering why you're here and you're not working for Sony planning their <laughs> conference. But So, this is a little bit against the rules. Jared, could I tack a little bit onto Ian's prediction of sure. what I think will happen? <laughs> sure. So, we've got this 3D LED wall, right? And then, you know how they have those walls, but then they're also, they have, like, doors built into the walls, so, like, the yeah. middle of the wall ah. will just slide out, kind of like the thing that Kojima had going. Yeah. And so, basically, what's going to happen there is the middle of the wall will slide out, but you still have the blood coming down, um, yeah. like an arch shape around these two people, these two figures, lit from the back. Then, all of a sudden, they're lit from the front. It's Shuhei and Reggie fils Whoa. Uh, get from, out. Stop. From Nintendo of America. They're shaking hands. And then all of a sudden, Shuhei jumps back. And Reggie has no idea why he's just, you know, getting away from him all of a sudden. And then the way the blood's dripping on the screen, it just drips all over Reggie. And so it's like... <laughs> It's what like, does that make sense how, like, it's dripping yes. down the screen, but then an actual bucket of blood drips yes. on Reggie's head? <laughs> yeah. Just doing a and carry. Then, uh, Shuhei that. gets up to the microphone, he's like, it's God's blood. Oh, God. What the f... <laughs> we, he just went somewhere. Uh, I don't think part, that part The last part, maybe, maybe Shuhei wouldn't tell everyone it's God's blood, but yeah. Jesus Shuhei Christ. Shuhei is too nice. Shuhei is too nice to do something like that. God. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> from that, uh, my last prediction here is something that happen. we haven't seen for a while, but there's it's rooted in a lot of evidence. So during one of Capcom's financial calls, they were listing all of the games that are coming out this year for them. Right? Um, they had Infinite uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite on there. They had a couple other games, but they had this really big thing that said uh, "Big Untitled Release 2017." <laughs> haven't announced what it was. Sunday, a game that we, Sunday, Sunday. A game that we haven't seen for a while that is published by Capcom that would make perfect sense to be seen at PlayStation. I think we're seeing Deep Down. I don't know if you guys remember Deep Down. It was at the PlayStation oh, 4 reveal event. I think Deep is that Down's after the back. agent reveal? Re-reveal? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I think Deep Down's coming out this year. Uh, it has a lot of Soulsy kind of vibes to it, and I think 
Um, I think this game has maybe been done for a little bit, and they were waiting for the right time. And I think now we're we're possibly not going to be seeing a you know a Souls or Bloodborne for a very for a very long time, um, or at least a couple of years. Um, I think that this is a perfect time for them to get this out there. Uh, so yeah, I think we're going to see deep down again. I think it comes out this year, and I'm also doubling down or tripling down. I think it's coming out in October. Um, there, I was looking at the schedule of game releases so far, and we don't really have anything in the month of October. So I think that'd be a good place for them to position themselves. So I'm going to go with that. I think Deep Down comes out this year. It's going to be shown on Sony stage, and it's coming out this October. What if they shadow drop it during ooh, the press ooh. conference? That'd be remember. I don't know if you guys remember. Deep Down was initially pitched as a free-to-play game, and then really? it was supposed to come out. And then they said that the vision of the game and the scope of the game changed, oh, so yeah. they actually extended the development time. So shadow and dropping like, a free-to-play game from... would be crazy. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I really think we're going to see this game. Hopefully. It's either that or it's going to be like Devil May Cry. But I hope it's deep down. Hmm. The guys think there will be a Devil May Cry. I yeah, think. I don't know if that's going to be... Them in... boys over there at the Allies. Yeah. Don't you think that's they one of those things that... Uh, Devil May Cry is one of those things that I think Microsoft could shell out money for it to show up on their stage. Because DMC was on was on Xbox. So I don't know if they well, shell out the money for DMC that. 4 was on Xbox, wasn't it? Well, it was just called DMC. No, it was just called DMC, though. Oh, you're talking about yeah. the reboot. I was thinking, because yeah. I was actually going to say they didn't start doing DLC game, DMC games on the Xbox until 4, and then yeah. they had the reboot. So that does mean, like, now there's, you know, precedence, I guess. Exactly. It just seems like Devil May Cry is one of those things where I could easily see Microsoft like, hey, we want that on our stage, right? And that'll get goodwill in the gamers. And it's totally different than a lot of Microsoft stuff, so that can make sense. But back to PlayStation, like I said, I think Deep Down's coming out this year, and I think it's going to be shown off on Sony's stage, and it's going to be a re-reveal. I think it's going to look like a completely different game for the most part. So a Shadow Drop would be cool, What do you think about though. Scorpio, Jared? What do you mean? <laughs> You're oh, like, back yeah. to PlayStation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dom, what's your third prediction so we can close out the show? And then we'll All right. Yeah. Well, someone had to do it, so I'm going to do it. This is more hopeful and more of a dream than anything else that's been said or will be said. The Vita 2. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to go with Half-Life. You're really reaching. I thought I was reaching with Spyro. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> it won't be called the Vita 2. Um, I don't. It'll, it'll be called... I'm not creative enough to think of something on the spot, but it'll be something weird. Something weirder than Vita, which I still don't totally understand. Um, be about this, a little bit smaller than the Nintendo Switch. Uh, no detachable controllers, of course. Nothing like that. Um, uh, no, no, no dock to the TV. You know, we getting just, them R two L twos. Yep, definitely. Uh, regular set of triggers. Um, otherwise, uh, clickable sticks. Pro- yeah, yeah. You L3, know what? R three. We'll we'll throw the clickable sticks in there too. We don't, like no sacrifice between um, you know the DualShock Four yeah, and, and this guy. Those basically. those are the two main things that are keeping you from that always wanting to do remote play or whatever. You know, right? And I think you know a good old little wireless chip in there, so remote play is uh, is usable, uh, usable, more usable. It's not too bad on the Vita as it is now, but that's it. I'm putting it out there. I'm not going to go into <laughs> it any deeper than that. Mm, uh, my so... biggest my biggest concern with it is I think it's the Spyro thing with me where you would like to see it at E3, but if it were to ever happen, it's more of a PSX thing. Yeah, sure. Okay. 
So I think what's going to happen here is Sony is going to skip out on a generation of handhelds and then see what the climate is like after, um, basically like when we're going into PlayStation 5 territory um, and then Nintendo's probably, you know, going to have a new console out around then. Um, and then, yeah, I think Sony will reassess and, you know, it might not even, it might be way more of a thing because, you know, uh, technology has advanced so much and people are on the go more, or it might be less of a thing and they don't, they just don't want to jump back in. So I think if anything, um, they're going to jump out for a few years, but they're definitely not out for good and absolutely won't have the, you know, Vita namesake on there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'd like it if they went back to PlayStation Portable because that was fucking dumb to get away from PlayStation Portable. It was a great, Agreed. great, great name. Um, what's well? Well, I guess we can close out now. What's your final prediction, Jordan? All right, so here's the big one, guys. I mean, obviously, Sucker Punch is a big one, but I just didn't have that one. Was more of a, a vague prediction. This one, I'm I'm pretty specific on. I think we're about to get a WB Montreal DC license game um, mm. either Justice League or Superman specifically uh, those two for sure I think um, one of those is a lock because um, it's time for a Justice League game the Justice League movie's coming out they finished the Batman Arkham series not that uh, WB Montreal is rock steady I know they're different but um, the Batman Arkham series has been finished I should say um, and it definitely seems like they were at least working on this at some point. Um, or I should say, uh, WB Montreal was definitely working on a Superman game at some point. There's lots of leaked concept art. There's lots of, um, you know, the job postings that you see on LinkedIn or whatever, where someone's like, oh, well, I did motion capture for this thing, whatever. Um, it definitely, if you want to look hard enough, there's plenty of evidence to show that WB Montreal has been working on a Superman game, and so maybe it is full-on Justice League, and we've only seen the the Superman bits, but I, I'm thinking it's Superman just because there's, um, you know, his specific villains, and it's in Metropolis, the stuff that we've seen, so um, that's my prediction, and I think it's it's got to be getting close to WB Montreal uh, revealing their next game, right, so. Yeah. I think it's a solid prediction. I think my only concern is I don't know if it's going to show up on Sony stage because that's one of those games, too, that seems like Microsoft could easily shell out money for it to be on its stage. Also, depending on how jam-packed Sony's thing is with its own exclusives and content, it's like they already have, we talked about earlier, they already have Destiny 2 more than likely, they already have Battlefront 2 more than likely, and they already have, what's the third game I'm missing? Call of Duty. Call of Duty. So yeah, it's but like, this is, I mean, this is a license that you make room for, and... Also, I would just say that they have Sony already has a lot of, you know, like exclusive content and stuff going with Warner Brothers specifically. They have the, um, you know, content first on was coming for Arkham Knight, and then you have obviously Arkham VR and stuff like that. So they have that relationship going. Yeah, I could see Battlefront Two moving to Xbox, and then this game taking that place. I really I, I don't. I think they have both. I don't. Yeah, I don't. That see means that's four third parties though. And that's like, unless Sony's just willing not to show one of their first parties. But isn't, for Sony. I mean, 
I think they blew their load on first parties last year, so I think we're going to get mostly third parties this year because they they don't have... You can't just do the same thing. You know, you can't just show the same games that you showed last year minus Horizon and Last Guardian or whatever. So I think um, I mean, maybe they're actually going to have a lengthier conference, you know, that has ex- extra time. Um, but I just think that... It, dude, if you've got fucking Activision, Warner Brothers, and EA knocking down your door for Call of Duty, Battlefront, and uh, a DC game, those are all three licenses that you want to have on your biggest stage for your biggest moment with the brightest lights. And I would be, you know, and Destiny, and I would be, you know, shouting that from the highest towers about, look at this, dude, the biggest games have the exclusive content on PlayStation. Plus, we have these awesome first-party exclusives Plus, we've got these awesome indies. I think that's that's how you hit hit them from all sides. Also, something you just made reminded me of that another third party that I would not be surprised if it was there is uh, if CD Projekt shows something of Cyberpunk. God, you guys are teasing the fuck I out of me today. Microsoft shells out so much money, so that's on Xbox's stage. They have the partnership with Gwent. Is Gwent on PlayStation Four? I thought so. Oh yeah, well, yeah, it's just in beta though, right? Yeah, I thought it was on everything, or going to be on everything. Yeah, it's, but it it's came first to Xbox One, I think, though, right? The beta came first to Xbox One and PC, I think. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Possibly. I know that they revealed it on Xbox's stage. That's important to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we'll see Cyberpunk, probably, maybe. Oh, I hope. See, Somewhere I'm thinking that's cool. a year, another year out before yeah, we even... Yeah, you might be right. Well, right. I mean, they they have, they've had time. a trailer out for a couple years now, so that to keep extending... That trailer was, like, two, three years ago? Yeah, to keep yeah. extending the actual reveal of the game almost yeah. does kind of seem dumb. And and they did just put out Witcher DLC last year, but The Witcher itself came out in 2015, so it's... Well, and they hired, like, their, their company's way bigger now, so who knows? Yeah. 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 Uh, they counter- can go either way. Just a quick counterpoint to what you were saying, Jordan. Not necessarily against them having all those third parties, but, like, you're saying they might not show the stuff that they showed last year. I right. think you failed to you failed to see how often Sony's willing to show the same stuff over and over again. Look how many times yeah. we've seen Death Stranding God, in such a not. short time. Look how many times we saw Horizon Zero Dawn. Look how many times we saw Last Guardian. People talk about these companies showing games over and over again, but like PlayStation is one of the worst offenders of this. You know, <laughs> they show stuff over I and over. I don't necessarily think I would agree with those examples. Uh, Last Guardian, they held until they absolutely had to bring it back <laughs> out and then showed it to you twice. Three times, at least, and then uh, yeah, they showed it twenty fifteen PSX uh, E three twenty sixteen PSX twenty sixteen. I guess, but at least one of those was just a trailer, correct? I'm talking about like demos. Oh, I, I trailers are still the same to me of showing a game over and over again. You're oh, I don't, I, I, I disagree because like that's if you're if I'm saying they showed that game on the stage, I'm talking about like an actual demo and. I, that's another. That's why I was going with with Horizon. Is that um, I don't think they showed enough of that game because people had no idea how awesome that game was. They were just kind of like, "Oh yeah, this is going to be a good solid game." It looks like you know, Gorilla's got their head on straight after Kill Zone. But the fact that we kept, you know, we saw this fucking um, the giant Dino Bot battle from two different angles at two different conferences. So um, I wish they had shown more of that game. 
Yeah. Well, agree to disagree, I guess. Um, that's sure. been our conversation for uh, PlayStation's E3 conference for 2017. Thank you, Ian, for joining us. We have plenty of cool predictions. My pleasure. I hope we get a couple of them right. Uh, I think last year in total for all of our predictions, we made like 20-some total and we got three or four right. And there was a lot of <laughs> there was a lot of half points in there, you know. Half right yeah. here, quarter right here. Yeah, playing playing the the betting game. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, Ian, you want to plug where people can find you? Oh yeah, um, I'm at Ian Hink on Twitter. Uh, check out Easy Allies at EasyAllies.com or Patreon slash Easy Allies, and we stream on Twitch too. And all the VODs go on Easy Allies plays, right? Yeah the the Twitch stream archive goes on Easy Allies plays on YouTube, and then otherwise we're just youtube.com slash easyallies for our shows and stuff. I would like to specifically shout out uh, the new Easy Allies movie podcast, which you guys just did the first episode. It's monthly, correct? Yeah, second Friday of every month. I'm actually shooting uh, the next one tonight. And it's called Reaction Shots. I thought that was a really great first episode. Thanks. Talking about uh, world building and lore and stuff with uh huber i loved it so yeah tonight's uh or the upcoming one is about magical realism at the time you're listening to this there'll be a couple more episodes out uh but yeah which is something that doesn't get talked about nearly enough and i'm really glad to really excited to hear that conversation yeah me too Uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. We'll have plenty more E3 coverage with predictions with other guests and stuff like that. So definitely subscribe. Uh, follow us on iTunes as well. That helps. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a Patreon. <laughs> One day, maybe. Um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you guys. Thank you again, Ian, for joining us. And we'll catch you guys next time. Uh, we're talking about Nintendo. And we're going to be talking with Logan. Thank you for joining us, Logan. I can't believe it's E3 week already. What is going on? I know, man. Just around the bend. So close. Um, yes, we're going to be talking about Nintendo, uh, what they've been doing over the last year, including Switch and all that stuff, and then we're going to be talking about what we expect to see at the E3 conference, or rather their spotlight, they don't really do a traditional conference anymore, and then we'll go into our predictions, where we'll come up with weird, wacky things um, that we hope to see Nintendo do, which, in Nintendo fashion, they normally do weird and wacky things. So, uh, going over... Last year's E3 for Nintendo wasn't a huge thing, as we knew going in, they were only going to really cover Breath of the Wild. Uh, about a month before the uh, Nintendo E3 spotlight for Legend of Zelda, we also got news about Pokemon Sun and Moon, and they covered that a little bit as well in the spotlight. The spotlight was an hour and 20 minutes, all Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and all Pokemon Sun and Moon, majority Pokemon Sun and Moon, um, and that's it. There was really nothing else. Um, as we stated, we already knew that going in that there wasn't going to be anything, which was kind of disappointing, but over the course of the last year until the Switch release, they were in this weird limbo state where the Wii U was a failure, uh, they had the, the 3DS that was selling games and stuff like that, but they we didn't really know what their direction was right. We knew the rumblings of the NX, and that's pretty much it. Um, really quick, uh, one or two sentence summary from you guys. Do you think... Now, in hindsight, them only focusing on Breath of the Wild and that little bit on Sun and Moon was a smart move moving forward? Yes. <laughs> Simple as that. Well, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, because that was all they had. and That was all that was coming out in the near future, right? It would have been ideal if they had more games in the pipeline, but given that they didn't, that's kind of what they had to emphasize at, at E3. I think that uh, I'll have to actually see this year and and what they do if 
they were holding so much back that it makes this year worth it, then I would say yes, but otherwise it might be a no, so I'll have to get back to you. Um, At the time, I was definitely surprised that they decided not to announce the what became the Switch at E3. I, I thought that was a really strange move. Looking back at it now, Zelda demoed so well that it was probably a smart idea because we all left E3 and that was the game. I know personally that was the game I was still most taken aback by, and that was all they showed. So in hindsight, it was probably a good move, but at the time last year, it was odd. Yeah. It, it, if it was, I had to just if I had to set, call it right now, I would say no. I don't think it was a good move. All right. Um, so after that event, we had the September Direct, which we're not really going to dive into. It was 3DS-focused. They talked about Super Mario Maker and a bunch of other games coming to the 3DS. Um, kind of like, hey, yeah, the Wii U is dying. We're going to port these over. Um, so we're not going to really tackle that too much. After that, we had the uh, Nintendo Switch reveal trailer, which went up. Everyone got super excited. I, I thought it was a really well-done trailer. We had some weird teases to what would eventually be known as Super Mario Odyssey and a couple of other things. Um, I think it set up hype well. Some people felt that it was a little too long between that initial reveal trailer and what would eventually become the Switch reveal, uh, reveal event, which was at the beginning of January. Um, do you guys remember how you initially felt when you saw that reveal trailer for the Switch in, I believe, December? November or December? S stoked. That's it. <laughs> All these one word, yes, stoked. <laughs> I, I I would go with uh, a little less than stoked, but I, I would say I was half stoked, not fully stoked. M mildly excited, huh? <laughs> mildly stoked. Yeah. Uh, All I can remember... All I can remember about that reveal was the song that played oh, that yeah. I had stuck in my head for like a week after that. Like something, a good time. <laughs> yeah, I got to have a good time or something yeah. like that. Besides that, um, I mean, it was cool to just see the confirmation of the rumors we had been hearing for what, like a year and a half, two years, finally come to fruition. Like the portable home console hybrid was actually a thing, which I think we all knew, but it was cool to actually see it working. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is, like, seeing it in motion is like, oh, this is actually a thing that exists, you know? Because the the visions we all had in our head, you know, based on all those mock-ups and those weird drawings we had seen based on the rumors, it, w it was all ugly. And, like, we couldn't figure out, you know, what this thing would actually look like. So seeing it was kind of like, oh, okay, it it looks, you know, like a piece the, of technology. The the one that was shaped like an oval and was like an all-glass screen with two little nubs on each end of it. <laughs> We're like, oh, God, yeah. no. Please, no. It was no. totally fake. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, so then we actually, um, over the course of a while, we eventually got the announcement of a Switch reveal event. And uh, at this event, they showed off the Switch. They showed off all the cool new things with the hardware, the HD rumble. We got the release date, which was way sooner than anyone anticipated. And uh, we saw some titles. We saw, obviously, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. We saw 1-2 Switch. Uh, I don't remember if they showed off um, snipper clips at all. But it was a decent reveal event. It was mostly focused around the hardware and what the hardware is bringing to the table. And uh, they're basically showing off that this is a console that's also handheld and you can use it in so many different ways. Um, I thought the Switch reveal went over okay. I think it could have been done a little bit better. There could have been a little bit more games shown. But as far as selling the hardcore fans on the hardware itself, I, I think they did a decent job. I don't think it was definitely way better than the PS4 Pro event. So I think they did a decent job with the Switch reveal event. What about you guys? What do you guys think? Their presentation was just awkward. Like, yeah, the hardware news that they were communicating was 
<clears throat> good for the most part, I think, and you know, it's sold enough people. But the weird, like the language barrier, I, things just didn't translate well. I don't know. And then the software, other than Zelda, it was I don't know, pretty much a, a dud for me at least. Yeah, I would say I was unstoked after this event. <laughs> uh, I feel like it was, you know, this like. After seeing this event, I'm like, yeah, you guys probably shouldn't do an E3 press conference because that would be a disaster. <laughs> um, it's it's weird, man. They could have just... They were playing T-ball, and they couldn't even get a base hit. Um, and that was the <laughs> saddest part. Like, they just walked up to the T, and they just couldn't even get it out of the infield. And, and they really had a chance to knock it out of the park. They had all their ducks in a row. Or, well... It would seem that way. With the trailer that came out on YouTube for the Switch, I felt like, okay, well, this is introducing the hardware. Now this press conference is going to introduce the software. And it did. It just didn't introduce the software that we were expecting or the type of software we were expecting. And we got a lot of what I felt like were half-assed reveals with you know, stuff like Xenoblade and then... Um, which is not coming out this year. For the right, game. there were several games <laughs> like that where it was just kind of like... Well, the Shin Megami Tensei teaser that didn't exactly, even... Like, exactly, exactly. Yeah, well, I was going to bring there's up the a, weird No More Heroes. Yeah, <sighs> same thing with Fire <laughs> Emblem. Which I don't it's, even know if that was a reveal. Like With Fire Emblem, it's basically like there is a Fire Emblem game, but that's about it. And so it was very underwhelming, and I felt like they really muffed that event. We've... <laughs> muffed. We've, uh, we've talked about this, but like... It seems like the Switch was rushed out, uh, you know, oh, yeah. to meet to meet fiscal year demands and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of it is why that event, though there was some weird, like, it didn't translate well to the Western audience because that's how a lot of those Japanese conferences go. But I do think a lot of that stuff was rushed. It's like, oh, you need this Fire Emblem uh, Warriors trailer now? Okay, we'll get you something. Oh, you need something related to Shin Megami Tensei? Okay, we'll throw something together. You know what I mean? Yeah, I felt like... Exactly. Yeah. It didn't feel very prepared. Um, they were very teaser, very like the definition, because teaser ta- teaser trailer gets uh, thrown around all the time with like a you know two and a half minute Star Wars trailer, but that's what teasers used to actually be, where it's just like a title, you know, just the font or whatever, and that's all they had was these little teasers. Well, yeah, and like yeah, and I, sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I, no, I was just gonna say like at the time too, like I'm thinking back to it, like we had all of these high in the sky dreams and hopes and we had been yeah. hearing a bunch of rumors like um the this new mario game is actually shipping at the launch of the switch in march and so we were like all waiting to hear about that and of of course like looking back now like that doesn't make any sense and we had put way too much stock in that but yeah it seemed like the only my my big takeaway after the event was they're they're only launching this because breath of the wild is ready and literally nothing else around it is ready. So it seemed yep. like Breath of the Wild was just forcing their hands to get the system out, um, and they had locked themselves into this March release window 12 months prior, which yeah. was really yeah, strange that they announced their release date for the console, I think, in like April or March of 2016. See, I so, think that connects back to what Jared was saying about the fiscal year thing. Yeah. And I think the the switch the Zelda thing is more they were I don't I really don't think they had planned until probably late 2016 to put Zelda on the switch because the developers were talking about it they're like oh yeah it was really easy we just kind of you know did, redid the the button prompts and stuff I'm like 
Jesus, so you guys are just by the seat of your pants, I guess. But they I think it, it was, for it was switching, very... I think in like May or June of the or, year. Early before. on, yeah. Right, yeah. It was yeah. So well, I, maybe, yeah, like, I think initially when they were first developing that game, it was supposed to be the Zelda for Wii U, you know, and that that didn't happen because obviously the Wii U didn't sell, and they were in this weird part where they wanted to get Zelda out there. I bet you that they even thought about possibly, you know, releasing Zelda on the Wii U and then waiting and then releasing it on the Switch when the Switch came out, but they're like, that doesn't make any sense. Let's just push the Switch out there. Let's get Zelda on it at the same time. So cause let's they, keep pushing Zelda. Yeah, obviously people wanted Zelda. It sold more than the actual hardware. We we've seen the numbers. Um, but after this reveal event, which was surprising with the release and everything in March, we got the Fire Emblem Direct, which was surprising in and of its own for Fire Emblem to have its own direct, which I thought was really cool. I'm a I'm a huge Fire Emblem guy, so to see the the franchise have its own direct was really cool. Um, we had some 3DS announcements, which aren't too important to this conversation itself. Um, but we did get the announcement of Fire Emblem for Nintendo Switch, which uh, got a release date for 2018. Not really surprising. Uh, the Fire, the traditional Fire Emblem games uh, are great games, but they don't seem that they're very intensive as far as the development cycle. So it coming out that soon isn't really surprising. Um, super stoked for that. Uh, also, we got the announcement of Fire Emblem Warriors at the reveal event, and then we got another sneak peek here. And... Uh, that's for fall 2017, which once again, those games don't seem like they're very development heavy, so it wouldn't be surprising if that game comes out this fall as well and hits that target. That's also for 3DS, coming out as Switch as well. Um, and then we had the Fire Emblem Heroes mobile announcement, which isn't too privy to this discussion. Um, so yeah, the Fire Emblem Direct went over interestingly. I think that it was cool to already get an announcement. Fire Emblem is one of those things that like the fans are such fervent fans of the franchise that... They're not sitting here anticipating a title. No one cares what the next title of the next Fire Emblem game is. They're just happy that there's a new one coming to Switch, right? Um, so I'm excited for that. I think that's huge. Um, that's definitely a something to mark on your calendar. So like people who do get early invested in the Switch, they're like, okay, I'm already hearing things about next year. Because one of the biggest issues with the Wii U were the giant gaps in game releases for games people cared about, right? So already kind of staking claim to these games that you can already expect next year will already... Well, after, obviously, we'll get into the next part of this, but knowing what's coming later is huge. Um, I think that's that's great for Fire Emblem. Are any of you guys excited for that Fire Emblem game coming out next year? I'm not really into Fire Emblem oh, yeah. Warriors, so I don't know if you guys would be. Should be I'm cool. pumped, man. I'm yeah, pumped. I'm, oh. I, I would even say I'm fully stoked. Uh, <laughs> I think the, you know, you're, you're expressing a bit of surprise that Fire Emblem had its own direct at the beginning and I think that uh, I was surprised as well when I heard that that was going to be the case but it definitely seems like Nintendo's pushing this franchise they're not going to let it fall by the bit, wayside yeah. they see that they have something that is popular and is critically successful and so um, I can appreciate absolutely what they're doing with this franchise especially since you know this is a hardcore strategy franchise this is not something that everybody like Kirby or Mario or Donkey Kong can just jump in and have a good time with. So I can appreciate what they're doing there. And I think that it's great to see that because that gives you uh, hope for their other series. You know, um, we could get a Mario Direct. We could get a Metroid Direct. We could get a Zelda Direct at some point. And that, uh, so that just gives me hope for the future of their other franchises. Yeah. 
Um, do you guys think... So, I think one thing that the Switch is going to solve is... Nintendo seems to have this issue where... Um, they'd rather release a game on the bigger install base than where... Obviously, it's proper business, right? So, with Fire Emblem, we haven't really seen a console Fire Emblem for a while. And I think that was because they saw the success of their handheld. So, like, well, we're going to put these games where the install base is. I think one of the beautiful things about Switch, once the 3DS is kind of pushed out of the way, is that it solves that, that problem where you own the Nintendo console. You, I, I would say just hardware because... Hopefully, what we all expect to happen is that all the all of their teams are going to be working on games for this sole piece of hardware. So you'll get the handheld titles, you'll get the more con the bigger console-ish experiences, and I think that's great because, like for Fire Emblem, we're getting a new Fire Emblem game next year. We don't know if that's a handheld game, which are great, or if they're the more traditional console type ones, um, or maybe we'll get both. Like, and that I think that's huge that we're probably going to get to a place where we don't have to worry about the install base being split because it's all in one location, right? Yeah, and, like, the thing I'll say... So I, I can't really speak to Fire Emblem too much because I have never played a Fire Emblem game, but I've always Whoa. wanted to, and I've, like, always... That's a series that I've always really wanted to jump into, and I'm totally digging the Switch so far. Like, I am taking it with me all over the place, and, like, I'm really enjoying the hardware, and I'm looking for more titles for it. Um, so just of course the thought, you are. Uh, so, so yeah, of course. Um, so combine a hardware that I'm really enjoying and I'm still searching for more games to play right now. Like seeing that off in the distance, like I would probably actually dip my toe into the water and actually try the series out for the first time with that. So, I mean, that's about as much as I can speak to <laughs> with the series right now, but I'm excited for, to try that franchise out finally. Well, I think, I think I that really you're... I, I think that what you just said echoes what a lot of people will be doing with the Switch. You know, like I said, it's a more hardcore franchise. Jared mentioned you haven't had a console installment in a while, so I think yeah. um, as popular as Fire Emblem is, and I think it's definitely got its own uh, solid popularity, but I think with all these new people coming to the Switch that probably haven't been paying t too much attention to Nintendo in the last few years, I think there's going to be a lot of people playing that game next year. Yeah, I think that that's a big thing is like the Switch is already a piece of hardware that people enjoy playing on and people are having these issues of like they're playing on their Xbox One or their PlayStation 4 or their PC and they're like, oh man, if only this was on Switch. And that's a good thought for Nintendo because oh, yeah. that means that people want to try out new things or try things that they already are familiar with on this, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I think, I think it's good for Nintendo moving forward. The last Direct we've had was the one that happened in April. Uh, this was the ARMS Splatoon uh, Direct where we got the release dates for both of those games. We also got the announcement that Minecraft was coming to Nintendo Switch, uh, which is huge. Um, and, you know, people were like, well, Microsoft owns that. That's weird. No, it's not. <laughs> Minecraft sells. Of course they're going to put it wherever they can. If there's a new piece of hardware, Minecraft's going to be on it. That's how it works. Uh, so I think that was huge. We also saw a newer sneak peek at Sonic Forces, which was really cool. Um, they also showed off Sonic Mania, but it was nothing we haven't seen before. Like I said, the big thing was we got the release dates for ARMS and Splatoon 2. Um, the, the next part I want to go into as we're going to be talking about what we expect from Nintendo this year, E3. It seems like Nintendo has this plan of releasing a decently big game every month for the foreseeable future, right? I think they noticed that the... The biggest problem with the Wii U was that they they had 
months upon months where there wasn't big releases. And though these might not be big releases to people personally, just on the grand scheme of things, they seem like they're really good. So I'm going to go through what we have so far. There's also some rumored speculation as far as when titles are hitting the rest of the year, and then we can have a discussion about that and what Nintendo's going to be doing at E3. So for um, March, uh, we had Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, obviously. Then for April, we had Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is huge. Uh, then for April, we had... Uh, I forgot what April... Oh, no, I said April. Yeah, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Then for May, we had Minecraft that came out this month, which is a huge release as far as sales numbers are going to be. Um, people are going to pick up Minecraft. Uh, for June, we have ARMS. That was at the April Direct where they announced that. For July, we have Splatoon 2. Um... Now, here's where it comes in where some of the weird rumor-ish kind of things are happening. Um, so for August, this is the, the date or the month where people are rumoring the the Mario Rabbids game. And we can go into whether this mm. is a legitimate release date or not and whether the game exists or not. I'm just going over all of these as far as the month-to-month -month basis, and then we can cover the conversation afterwards. So then September, this is kind of the rumored date for Fire Emblem Heroes. Um, people are expecting uh, this to Which come out one? this fall, obviously. Uh, Fire Emblem Warriors. I don't know why I said Heroes. That's a mobile game. Oh, War Warriors. Okay. Yeah, the Dynasty Warriors esque <laughs> Fire Emblem game. Um, October. This is where people are speculating Pokemon Stars. Um, and the, uh, traditionally, Pokemon games have come out in September, October, and November. So any of these three months currently don't have a Nintendo game slotted in there. So you can kind of put Pokemon mm. Stars if that is a thing somewhere in those three months. Um, the stars are aligning on this one, boys. Uh, next up. Uh, November, this is where people are rumoring uh, Super Mario Odyssey to come out. Makes sense for Black Friday. People are going to be going to pick up their Switches. Why not release a Mario game? It's going to sell like hotcakes. Obviously, you want to get that in there. Um, some people believe this game might not even come out this year. might get delayed. But this is the rumored slot for Mar Super Mario Odyssey is that November. And as Logan previously mentioned, this game probably isn't coming out this year. Uh, but this is the rumored spot for Xenoblade Chronicles 2, December. Um, so as far as it sits, there seems to be months in which... A big game is coming out for Nintendo, and if this happens to be the case, I think this is huge. We can talk about if this is actually going to be the case where we see a big game every month, um, and we can just talk about what we expect to see for Nintendo's uh, E3 presentation this year. So, go ahead. I've been talking too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, even though everybody hated my pun a second ago, I do think that the stars are aligning for Pokemon Stars. The reason that I say that is because... As you said, we've got this these open slots in the fall ready for the Switch. We've got the E3 presentation that is going to be Switch-focused coming up, and that would be perfect time to announce it because it's not a brand new game. It is, or seemingly is, uh, kind of a port, you know. Um, and so it wouldn't need all this uh, build-up. And so, um, and there's a couple other little things, you know, the fact that they've, um, we've seen job postings uh, at Nintendo for Pokemon games. Um, and then there was some other article today that said, you know, they had posted something about Pokemon, and now Pokemon fans are freaking out thinking it might have a connection to stars. I didn't see exactly what that was. But it at least seems that some things are coming together, and hopefully the stars do align, because I really, really want this to happen. I think... Um, this could be huge for the Switch. I mean, obviously, it would sell like hotcakes. Whether uh, it's going to sell like hotcakes either way, but I just think that's going to be uh, that and Mario are going to be your first two big system sellers because, as big of a system seller as Zelda has been, 
it's not as much as those two, I think, because it is a little less uh, uh, approachable, a little less mainstream. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think I think that's all probably likely, uh, with the exception of Xenoblade hitting in December. But I think also on top of all that, you get um, virtual console games started to get sprinkled in, right? Just Ooh. two at a time. You know, now they're just gonna just <clears throat> stretch it out as much as they can, right? So yeah. starting with like NES and SNES and so on. Yeah, that would be nice. And then uh, it's not a game release, but we also have the online service coming this fall. That's true. Yeah, uh, Logan, I have a question for you. Do you yeah, think? Do you think that uh, you know? There's a lot of games here that are rumored. We don't know the Mario Rabbids game exists. We don't know if Stars exists necessarily. Um, and we, we're not sure if Xenoblade is going to hit this year. Do you think one of those month slots where all of these are rumored, do you think one of those months uh, gets taken up by a port we don't know yet exists, Super Mario Maker, uh, Smash Brothers coming to the Nintendo Switch? I have still always thought that Mario Maker has to come to the Switch at some point. Now, whether that comes this year or next year or some other time in the future, that's just a game that, in my opinion, Nintendo wouldn't want to die on the Wii U. And especially with how well the Switch has been selling, you would think that that game would sell really well for them. Um, and plus, like, myself included, like, I never jumped into Mario Maker. Like, and that's something I would definitely be willing to jump into as well. And I think a lot of people thought that that game might come over to the Switch before we knew that the the it had a touchscreen, and so now knowing that the Switch does indeed have a touchscreen, like, I think it makes sense for, for that game to show up at some point. So, honestly, I think that makes sense as a fall game for them, potentially, like, around September. Um, that was one of my predictions I had, but it was, like, one of my lesser ones that I probably wasn't going to go to, so... Um, yeah, I, I do think another port in addition to like what they just did with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe makes sense. And then the other thing I'll say, too, is um, Dom mentioned Virtual Console. The other thing, too, is there's a lot of really good indies sprinkled in between these big oh, releases. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. They had that indie showcase. We really didn't touch on that. But there's a lot of good games coming to the Switch over the next few months, ranging from... Uh, Ukulele's coming at some point. I know Rhyme is coming in quarter three oh, of yeah. 2017, which isn't... Who knows how that's going to turn out? That comes out later this month as well. Um, but then we've also got like Puyo Puyo Tetris. Well, that's not really an indie game. That just came out as well. And then Mr. Shifty's already been doing well on the Switch Love as it. well. Um, and then there was one other big one that um, SteamWorld Dig 2 is coming at some point later this year. I can't remember exactly And didn't when. Stardew Valley release already too? Stardew Valley comes out this summer, I think, okay, in yeah. July. That's going to be huge too. Yep. Which is going to be huge. And, like I'll buy uh, that again. Street Fighter 2, Super something, yeah, Street yeah, Fighter 2 this month. The, fi the Final Fighters or something like that, the Final Challengers. Um, that comes out at some point. There's a bunch of good smaller titles sprinkled in between all of these potential big ones. And I think the list that you have there is probably pretty safe, a pretty safe bet that all those games you listed are coming out at some point throughout this year. Uh, whether they hit in those specific months, we'll see. But at least it shows that Nintendo is answering people's complaints with the Wii U. Like, one of my biggest complaints was that, like you said, they would release one big game, and then that would be it for six to eight months, and then they would release another one. But but that was it. There was nothing in, in between to keep you going. And I, I think they're doing a good job of a landmark game every couple months, whether you want the game or not, like with arms and Splatoon, like it doesn't matter. It's still a landmark title that like, it's still a big title for them to put out. And then in between, there's still a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. I think another thing too, going along with the indies is I think for PS4 and Xbox one, um, I think PC ports that don't necessarily come out at the same time on the consoles, 
uh, as they do on PC, I think I have a tough time of succeeding unless they're tremendously great. And I think Nintendo has this spot now where these older indie games that have only really been on PC, they have a higher chance to succeed on the Switch just because of its portability and it doesn't have a huge, like, strong, large library like Xbox One and PS4 do. So I think it doesn't get lost in the weeds as often. So I think, uh, you know, developers who are strictly on PC that develop these smaller indie games that kind of catch fire on PC, I think now they have a higher chance of wanting to port their games to the Switch as opposed to the Xbox One and PS4 because they see that they probably have a higher chance of success in sales. So I think that's huge too. Uh, one well, thing I think a lot of people, uh, well, I was just going to say too, one last thing with the indies is like, I think a lot of people are finally seeing what I originally saw in my Vita was that the Vita was, I always used my Vita as an indie machine. I never really, I played a AAA title here or there or Persona or an Uncharted, um, but that was always an indie machine for me. And that's always the way I looked at it. And now that I think there is a bigger machine out there with the Switch and it's got the Nintendo brand tied to it and stuff like that. I think people are finally learning the same thing that I, me personally, what I learned with the Vita back in the day, which is having this handheld that you can take with you on the go really works well because when you get home and you want to sit down to play a game more often than not I think personally I choose to play the AAA games that you can only play at home and I think that indies sometimes fall in between the cracks having those indies with you on the go makes you much more likely to play them and and they're just as good of games that you want to like give your time to but it's just harder to when you've got an Overwatch or something competing for your time yeah um, one game we didn't talk about that's potentially hitting this year too, which will be huge in terms of sales, but I don't think any of us are overly excited for it, is Skyrim. Uh, that was one that was talked oh, about yeah. at the initial reveal <laughs> event. Um, it's slated for will this year. Will that be huge in terms of sale? <laughs> like, I think so. I think it's one of those games that like you're sitting there and you're like, I finished Zelda because a bunch of people are going to finish Zelda by this. It's only game really like the big meaty experience, right? People are going to be like, well, what other open world experience can I do? I feel like playing something open world on the go. I think Skyrim, I think Skyrim is going to sell a lot of copies. Yeah. And I think my biggest question, I am um, mildly stoked at this point, but I think... <laughs> Bringing it all around. It's all coming down to, we still don't know if it's the special edition, which I think means that it isn't if we don't know already. Um, so I'm wondering if we're getting the DLC. I'm wondering if we're getting improved graphics. I mean, I'm sure it would have to be. There's no way they're just going to like take the Xbox 360 version and, and port that to the Switch now that they have this special edition. Um, I feel like they would just port that one down maybe and not call it the special edition, but who knows. You have a point. Uh, so if you look at the Switch, it's uh, nowhere near as powerful as a... Uh, you know, a PS4. Well, I mean, it's not too far off, but it's definitely more powerful than an Xbox 360 and PS3, right? Which was where Skyrim originally launched. So right. you got to think it's at least better than than those versions. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a game so of the year vote version instead of the special edition version, probably is what I assume. Right. Like yeah, that. I'm. So yeah, I'm I'm excited about that, and I've never really um, played enough of Skyrim to feel like I've played Skyrim. So. Um, I'll definitely be picking that up, and um, I feel like at least you're going to get, I feel like, at least one RPG this year between either that or Xenoblade, and I'm thinking it's going to be that, because I don't think it will be Xenoblade. Yeah, and like Skyrim is a game that I probably won't buy on the Switch, just because I put in over 200 hours on it when I had it on 360 oh, okay. and stuff, so it's like, I'm I'm done with that game, but I do, I do think it's going to sell well, because like you said, I think it's one of those games where like, it's... It's a meaty game, and I think to people who own a Switch, a lot of people, it'll justify the console purchase because 
Though people do enjoy the big releases of the Marios and the Zeldas, they still like to see third-party stuff that isn't Rayman for the eighth time. So I think it'll help people justify in their own minds their purchase of like, oh yeah, this has Skyrim. Cool, I can play a non-Nintendo game. You know what I mean? And it's gonna it's gonna be kind of weird like that. I hope that game still hits. And I agree with you guys that I don't think it's gonna be straight to straight the 360 version. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but uh, so we know it's uh, the the Nintendo conference. It's not a conference, it's a spotlight. Uh, it's going to be happening this coming Tuesday, June 13th, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, early in the morning. Um, and it's going to be followed by a Treehouse event. Um, one, one rumor that we can talk about real quick that has been making waves, I guess, the whole month of May was people were talking about Retro working on Metroid Prime 4, which this seems like the rumor that happens every pre E3. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And the more interesting part about this is I don't want to solely focus on the retro thing because we've been talking about what Retro's new game is for two to three years at this point. Their last game was Tropical Freeze in 2014. I want to talk about the other part of this rumor that there's two Metroid games in development. One of them is Metroid Prime 4 by Retro, and the other one is a traditional 2D side scrolling Metroid game. Um, I thought you were going to say Fusion Force, too. Oh, God. Federation, <laughs> Federation Force. Force. Get it right. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just so friggin' generic. Um, what I really want to ask you guys is, and this is a question that's in every E3 uh, podcast uh, for the end of time until we actually see it. Are we seeing a new Metroid game this year? No. No. Uh, wait, are we <laughs> seeing it at E3? You're not talking about it being released this year? No, no, no. I'm just saying, period, are we seeing a Metroid game this year at, at Nintendo's Ooh. E3 presentation? Man, it is about damn time. It really, it really is. I think for them to have continued using the Metroid name with Federation Force, uh, I feel like it's getting close to an insult at this point that they are like Reggie said, you know, basically when people got super pissed off about Federation force, he said, you know, we are focusing our franchises on the switch since that's where our focus is going to be pretty soon here. And I think that was him trying to say that we don't want to let a Metroid out to die on the Wii U. Cause that's exactly what it would have done. And so I feel like, yeah, for them to use the name in Federation Force and then not to have one pretty close uh, to being ready to go on the Switch is would be super insulting. Not that Nintendo uh, cares, clearly. You know, look at the NES Classic and stuff like that. They can be insulting all they want, but it, it does feel like it's about damn time. And so I think, yeah, we're going we're gonna to oh. see something. For me, I know Dom and Logan both fall on the no side. For me, one interesting thing uh, that's happened is whoever's running the Retro Game Studios uh, uh, Twitter account has been either very cheeky, a serious troll, or is just being as sneaky as they can in, reg in regards to what they can and can't say. Somebody was asking if, they, if they're working on the next Metroid game, and they replied with a picture of Prime Ribs. Then... Somebody asked, an, another person asked if they were working on a Metroid game, and they were fl uh, re simply replied with, be patient. So they're either doing some serious A-level trolling here, or they're just being very vague and very cheeky. So, I mean, my heart says Metroid shows up this year, my brain says no, um, 
But if I had to, if I had to put money down, I think I'm going to go with my heart. I think we do see Metroid. I'm with you, Jordan. Ooh. The thing I'll say about their E3 showings the past few years is all of their, all of their showings in general. So like preparing for this one today, I listened. Out of curiosity, I listened back to some of my old podcast episodes myself to see what my predictions were in years past, and they're always way off the mark, like <laughs> drastically. I am predicting things that would never come true. Um, so I'm trying to think a lot more, a lot smaller this year, and that's why I say I don't think there will be a Metroid. Um, I really think upwards of 50% of what they show off at E3 is going to center around, around Super Mario Odyssey this year. Um, oh, God, I hope not. And I, I, I think it, it won't be to the extent that they did last year with Breath of the Wild because obviously they do have the Switch out now and there's a lot more to show, a lot more potential for them to show off things. But they're, they're not a Sony. They don't show their hand two or three years in advance like they do. And when they do, they get a lot of crap for it like they did with Breath of the Wild where that game was in development for forever. Um, it, I mean, it, it finally coming out was incredible when it finally did. Um but yeah, I, I think they're trying to keep things, and I think this goes directly off of their Switch event in January. They're trying to keep things much more focused on the next 6 to 12 months rather than way down the line. And I think while a potential retro-developed Metroid game could be pretty far along because, like you said, we know they've been working on something for the past two or three, maybe even longer years, um, I just don't think they do it now. And that's the skeptic in me talking more than anything. Like, I'm trying to put some logic behind it, but the year that I say they won't show a Metroid is the year that they will. But yeah. <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I think it's if we see the Metroid game that's coming out this year, um, and I, because I agree with you that Nintendo isn't somebody that's going to show off a game that doesn't come out for a year or two unless it's Zelda, I guess. Um, they're not, they're not Sony with Final Fantasy 15 or Lost Guardian. Um, but then again, we never thought Nintendo would go into the mobile realm with mobile games. So anything's possible at this time. Um, so hopefully we see Metroid. I know we all would want to see that. It's whether or not we think it's going to happen. Those are two different things. Now to get into the most exciting part of the of the podcast, our predictions. We're going to go round robin, give off our predictions, what we think is going to happen, and uh, we'll see if we're right, which we probably won't be. Uh, and Logan, since you're our guest, you can go ahead and go first with your first bold Nintendo prediction. Um, I'm trying to see where to start here. Okay, so we'll start here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that a new Animal Crossing game is announced for the the Switch. In addition, we will finally see what that mobile version yes. of Animal Crossing is that they have been talking about. They will yes. reveal both of them at the same time, and somehow the two will be compatible with each other. I think I they're how. both. I think all that stuff is a lock. So I think it's time. We've been waiting for that for a while. I think we finally see both of those. I, I like I like the uh, the part about them working together somehow, right? Like your mobile game, uh, some kind of crossover with the Switch game. I, that and would be cool. I, I think it needs to be a little bit more than the like a happy home designer where it's just designing the room. Like I want to think you would be able to check up on more aspects than just that, but I don't know. I'm I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll see, but the the two will work together, I think, in conjunction somehow, because they're both. It's lining up like we need a new. There, it's time for a new Animal Crossing game. It's been a while since what was the last one? New Leaf. Yeah, I guess. And so since now their platform is both 
home and portable. Like it, it just makes sense for that game to finally show up. Really I quick. I think you're at least getting 50% of the prediction. I think at, at the very least, one of those two things will happen. We'll see the mobile game or we'll see the new one or we'll see both. Um, yeah. So are all three of you guys Animal Crossing fans? Oh, baby. Yes. It was like my addiction Jared, on the GameCube. Yes. Yeah, oh, God. Dom? I'm a no. Never touched one. Okay. I'm on the fence. Like, I played a lot of it when I was a kid, and I tried to get back into New Leaf a few years ago, and it didn't really yeah. grab me the same way. Okay. Um, if it was on Switch, I'd probably buy it and give it a shot, but we'd have to see. So, Jared, I guess, is the best person to ask. Can you explain why the fuck... I should be playing an Animal Crossing game. Like, I've seen them, and I've had them explained to me, and I just don't get it. It's... It's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, it's like a... I don't know. I think it's the same... Pe I don't like Sims. I've never liked the Sims games. But I think it's okay. airing on that same thing of, like... You're living another person's life, and you're, like, building up this house to be, like, a dream house or what you think that character's dream house would be. And there's characters you run into. For me, it's not so much the house-building aspect, like, building up a nice house and stuff like that, which is funny. The game's predicated on you being in debt, which is a really cool, you know, metaphor for <laughs> what people currently deal with, being in debt. But uh, it's, it's all the characters you get introduced to, all the people that live in your village, all the people that move away and come in. And it's just basically... It's just like a like an everyday kind of simulator thing. Like you go around and collect stuff, and there's like different things you can check mark. Like, and the one in GameCube, it's probably the same thing in every one. There's like a museum where if you catch insects, you collect them and add them to the museum. So it's like a very collectathony. It's like it's like comfort food video gaming. You know what I mean? It it doesn't require a lot of like focus. It's just something you can pick up and play and chill and check off things on a checklist. And it's just very comfortable and routine feeling. You know. Yeah, it seems relaxing for sure, the vibe of it. Um, is it, does it have a story? I mean, you said like people move away or whatever, but does ba it have a storyline? Based on what you do, you kind of create your own narrative in your head of what's happening and the interactions yeah. you have with people. Um, there is a very like thin through line of like you move to this town there's an over overarching a guy kind of guy that owns the property and you have to pay him off to own your own house and stuff like that and there's some interesting characters to run into but it's definitely not like a deep narrative i think one of the yeah. interesting things about that game is me and you can have a conversation eight months after the game comes out and we can talk about our own story of that game like you know you might have this like neighbor who's like a crocodile dude who's like really into like bug collecting or something and I might have this like okay. sheep neighbor who never leaves her house like and I think it's like one of those water <laughs> just hearing the descriptions for this game are like really it's, funny it sounds <laughs> yeah. fucking adorable but I don't know if it's a, a game that I would want to put my time into you know? It's but that's not what I don't think that's what Animal Crossing is for it's not one of those games where you sit down and you're like Okay, about to about to log in eight hours into Animal Crossing. No, that's yeah, what I, I was gonna I, say. I just yeah. feel like it's it's something I might try out if it's on sale or something, or if this yeah. new one gets great uh, reviews. But it's not something that it's definitely you describing this is not something where I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. I might need to you know check out the old ones, pick one up or something. Oh yeah, it's, it's very much like a precursor to. It's a it's a precursor to mobile games to me in the sense that Ooh. you really only need to put like not in a negative way but like no, in the I sense know. that you really only need to put maybe like ten or fifteen minutes into it per day or something like that yeah, and then yeah. you can feel content with putting it away 
and you don't really need to spend like hours upon hours upon hours. But if you want to, there's enough content to keep you there for a while. But you don't really have to. And the beauty of it being on Switch is that of like you're at the DMV or you're you're waiting in line somewhere and you're like, well, I have like 10 to 15 minutes. That's not enough to do a shrine in Zelda or something. There's like I can't really do much. I have Animal Crossing. Let me hop in and see what's going on with Shelby next door and like yeah, oh, Chopper like, wants to catch some bugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can just it's a very jolly game. It's a very jolly relaxing game. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think it's an automatic buy as far as sales go. Whether or not you want to get it at launch at full price, that's up to you. But I definitely think it's a game that'll be great owning on the Switch because it's a game that'll be there on your bar when you don't have time to play other games or you just aren't feeling any other games. Just, oh, let's log in and see what's happening in my Animal Crossing world. You know, it just yeah. it's a it's a jolly, easy going time. You know, a very passive it sound, video game. It kind of sounds like uh, vanilla ice cream. Like it's just. It's you're never just like n- just gonna be like nah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll go second after our Dom. You're itching to go. I'll let you go first or Shoot. second okay. rather. That's what it takes. Um, <laughs> all right, I want to lead off with something with something strong, something controversial. So I'm predicting Pokemon Stars does come out this fall, but it only comes out on 3ds. Wow. Fuck. That's a good one. Wow. So, and oh, the only I had I never con- I had never considered this. Um I think the assumption right now is that it'll be on both Switch and 3DS. Yeah, I think that's a smart call. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people are assuming, but I think I mean it's kind of without any real cause. It's just, you know, something it's one of those misconceptions we get. I think after they just launched rather announced the <clears throat> actually a little uh, a month back or so they announced the new 2ds xl right um which came out of way out of left field we thought you know the 3ds is on its deathbed right they got a couple titles left for this year and then by 2018 it'd be done ostensibly but i think that it's got a lot more life in it at least from a nintendo's perspective than well than they we also think, so. they came out and said that they're going to be supporting it for a while didn't they well right but no one ever takes them seriously when they say things like that right <laughs> you know the three pillars we'll have GBA plenty of nes right. classics well, if you go back to like, oh, when the DS was announced, like they said they were going to support the GBA for however long, and obviously, you know, they're they're a lot of lip service, <clears throat> a lot of lip service often. But I think in this case, yeah. I think they're going to try to string this one out. So I think this next Pokemon game will be 3DS only. My only argument against that is like, I don't think it hurts Nintendo at all to put them on both because it needs to, it'll definitely be on 3DS no matter what because that's the install base, and they always release Pokemon on the biggest install base. But I don't think it hurts them to have it also come out on on the Switch because well, y- and I'm not going under a matter of like what it more more so that they're just not making it you know or maybe they yeah, are but I it's just you. way behind right yeah I understand that and maybe yeah maybe it comes out first on 3ds but your prediction is it comes out this fall only on 3ds so if it comes out next year on Switch you're still correct um, yeah I think that's an interesting one it's a it's a bold move uh, we'll it hurts but it's it's possible yeah. Uh, I guess I'll go next with my first prediction. Uh, looking at it here, I had the the mobile and Animal Crossing thing right now, so I had to scratch that off. Thanks, Logan. Um, so <laughs> I think okay, I got one. I, this just sprung to me when we were having a com- this conversation. This isn't one I had written down. I think that they're completely going to restructure Super Mario Run. 
Um, we've seen that though Fire Emblem wasn't downloaded as many times as Super Mario Run, its it, its sales and the amount of money it made for Nintendo were through the roof in, uh, it, through the roof in comparison to Super Mario Run. So I think that what they're, they're going to do is they're going to change the complete structure of the game, the microtransaction structure. I think it's going to completely go free to play, and they're changing the entire model. And I think that's going to be their shadow drop for E3. I think they're going to be like, yeah, Super Mario Run is now free to play. You can play it now. You don't have to spend 10 bucks, But it'll have all those microtransactions to get people's money anyways. Um, I don't think Super Mario is uh, Run is a game that they ever intended on being a game where they released on mobile and then never touched it again and let's see how it fares i think you know mario is their icon and i think them seeing what happened with uh, fire emblem heroes they took two different approaches with those games and i think they're more than willing to commit the time that it takes to restructure super mario run to make it um earn more money for them so i think they're going to announce the a restructuring of it it's free to play now go download it have fun yada 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 that's my like first that. prediction i like yeah. that um, yeah, too, not too much there. If you want to go ahead and give us your first one, Jordan. Sure. Um, so all of mine are Switch-related. Um, and we talked about this kind of, but I think uh, my prediction itself is different enough. Jared, you were asking if we're going to see a Metroid this year. Uh, and I think yes, but I think the big surprise is um, first of all, I think it'd be really cool if we got two games like you were saying. But what I think we're going to get is uh, just a total reboot of the Metroid series, and I think we're going to see a third-person uh, Metroid game. Oh, and so uh, mm. it'll be third-person action. Um, you know, probably like some light RPG elements. Uh, third-person action shooter. You know, and I think. Um, this hopefully is what they need to revamp that series and to uh, make it a little more mainstream, a little more accessible, and you know get people into it because the, you know people that are into Metroid are really into Metroid because it is a cool series and it has a great history. But they've really fumbled it, especially since uh, the year two thousand, especially uh, after. You know, Metroid Prime Two and Three—they started well, really fucking things up. Question for you, because I know I'm pretty sure you two, Logan, have played Horizon Zero Dawn. Man, if mm -hmm. a Metroid game come came out in this environment where it shows that you know having a female prote protagonist doesn't hurt your game, if you make a great game, which just so happens to have a female protagonist, it's going to be fantastic, right? And I think being able to have Samus lead a franchise again and having that reboot and having her there, and it's not going to be the secret where you finish the game, they take off their helmet, and it's a female. Like, no one knew that, right? I think now well, leading that, yeah. like, Samus being a, being the female protagonist and being badass, I think would be really cool. Um, it could be very viable. That'll be, that'll be interesting to see how how much they lean into that. Obviously, it wouldn't be a secret, but... Yeah. Yeah, are they making her a badass female, or are they just keeping her in a suit and making her a badass space marine? Exactly. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, an interesting call. So, third-person Metroid game. Interesting take. Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, hmm. Yeah. Logan, what's your second one? <laughs> Hit us with your second prediction. I'm going to do one that I think is a layup here. I think this is a pretty good guess as well. Um, we're going to finally see Pikmin 4 um, because Miyamoto has hinted at that in the past, and I don't think the one he's hinted at is 3DS one, if hey, I'm mistaken. Pikmin. <laughs> hey, hey, Pikmin. Hey, <laughs> Pikmin. Um, so I think that, I mean, according to what people have said, like this game is 
ready to go for the most part. We just haven't heard of it. Um, so I'm surprised that they haven't talked about it yet. Um, and let, again, and like I said, unless I'm really wrong and Hey, Hey, Pikmin was the one that people were talking about, but I, I do think Pikmin four is ready to go or at least close. Um, I, I feel like releasing this fall makes sense, but we'll have to see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it slipped the next year, but yeah, we'll finally see that revealed and time to get Pikmin four on the switch. Hmm. Pikmin 4, interesting. Yeah, it seems like Hey Pikmin so is, is it, super underwhelming. Is that a regular Pikmin game, or is it Pikmin 4, and it's a golf game? Oh, that'd be pretty good. Uh-huh. You, get, you get Olimar out there hitting the links. Yeah, um, and then it's kind of, you know, bringing back the whole exclamation point. Hey, Pikmin, Pikmin <laughs> 4. <laughs> I think it'll be a regular Pikmin game, but Pikmin Golf's not a bad idea, though. Well, you might see uh, something else pertaining to something like that later on. (laughs) (laughs) Dom, what's your second prediction? All right. So this one is, I think, maybe it's already rumored and speculated a lot, but nothing's beneficial, so I think it's worthy of a prediction here. I'm going to say Nintendo gives us GameCube Virtual Console on the Switch, but this year they first give us uh, Super Mario Sunshine, Um, you know, probably August or so, and then probably October or so, you know, they drop Luigi's Mansion, and that's the only two titles they start with. So, real specific, probably high probability I'm wrong by being that specific, but... You meant GameCube, right? What did I say? Do you think there's... I'm pretty sure you said Game Boy, but I know you meant GameCube. (laughs) Yeah, but I meant GameCube, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is there any way they're going to shadow drop Virtual Console at E3? No, not a chance. I would love that. I think it's possible for, like, NES games, maybe. Um, or, you know, like there's an update to the the eShop tomorrow, and it, I don't, I could see it. Yeah, um, something smaller. So, for mine, I think you know, I a lot of our predictions are going to be things we don't necessarily know about so far, or take some things. For me, I'm sticking in the Mario wheelhouse as my first prediction was Super Mario Run. I'm going to say that at E3 this year, during the E3 week, after they do their spotlight in their treehouse. Super Mario Odyssey is going to go up for pre-order. You can pre-order it. There's going to be a special edition. The most expensive version of Super Mario Odyssey is going to come with that hat with the goggles on it. That's my prediction. Mm. There's going to be a special edition <laughs> of Super Mario Odyssey that comes with the hat included. I think that's my that's, that's my prediction. One. I think that's a great prediction. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it's going to be... They're, they're, they're pushing that hat. Out. Yep. Uh, that's pretty much it. Nothing crazy. I just wanted to throw that in there because I, I kind of want that to happen. I'm not going to pre-order anything, but I think that's a cool little, uh, you know, have that hat for people. Um, I think that'd be a cool little uh, bonus in there. Uh, Jordan, what's uh, your cool, second? Pr- a cool thing that someone's going to make a thousand dollars off selling it on eBay one day. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like Danny's classic. Uh, so, yeah, I actually real quick I was as we were going back around I was thinking a little piece to add on to my first one about Metroid. Um, now, Jared. Just get ready here. Put your bib on, because I'm about to feed okay, you. Okay, hold on. Let me let me, um, let me tie it up real quick. Okay, ready? Okay, all right. Ready? All right. You got your fork and your knife? Yep. Think about this. So, just imagine now, you know, this... Don't think of this example on the sore side, but think of this Metroid Prime third-person game with the uh, third-person shooting action uh, kind of format that Mass Effect Andromeda had. Ooh, where okay. obviously it's very pretty looking 
poorly. It's got really the jetpack move around, but then in the Metroid game, it would be the rolling ball type deal. And so you're dashing around, and it's very fast paced, and um, all these particle explosions and stuff going on. That's that's the kind of vibe I'm thinking of. Ooh, speaking of that, real quick, man, it's such a shame that Mass Effect Andromeda has suffered what it has because, like, that gameplay is phenomenal. The fact that I can pretend oh, yeah. to be a Saiyan in a sci-fi game, I can be a Dragon Ball Z Saiyan in a sci-fi game. It's insane to me. That's super. What cool. do you mean by that? Well, just like it has like the, uh, you know, some of the biotic moves kind of feel like you know yeah. you're like darting and dipping through through air and like punching people in midair. You know, the instant teleportation yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so yeah, man. where they're like. Like in Dragon Ball Z when they're teleporting and yep, stuff. Exactly. Okay, yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, this now is I'm, I'm on your, I'm the on Dragon Ball Z game I've always wanted. I like hell that yeah. little addition. Uh, well, give us your second prediction. Yeah, so my actual <laughs> prediction. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I hinted at this when Logan uh, came up with the genius idea for Pikmin for the golf game. Um, <laughs> and so this is a Mario sports game that's going to be announced at E3. Um, obviously the Mario sports, you know, there's like multiple Mario franchises, right? Um, there's obviously the main 2d and 3d there's, uh, the Mario sports franchise. Then there's the Mario and Sonic at the Olympics franchise that nobody gives a fuck about. Um, so there's all these different Mario franchises and the sports franchises, uh, or just the sports franchise in general, I think is very popular. And so, um, we're absolutely, I think, going to be getting plenty of these types of games on the Switch, um, just as we have on the Wii and the Wii U and the 3DS and DS. And so um, I really don't have any idea what sport they're going to do first, but if I had to guess, I'm going to go with soccer because those striker games are fucking awesome, and I know people love them. If I had to go with a second guess, I'd say uh, golf. But, of course, Pikmin 4 is already taking that, so... <laughs> hmm. Interesting. I mean, it's it's kind of a safe bet. I don't know if that's a game that they announce at E3 or if it's one that comes out in, like, the September Direct. But I do think it's a safe call, though. Like, it, you know, there's going to be something revolving around Mario that isn't Odyssey. You know, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It feels like it's been a while since we got a Mario sports game, too. Yeah, or a there was Mario one on the party. 3DS. Just... There was one on the 3DS not too long ago. Yeah, but... it just released, uh, I think... Either this month or last month, it was uh, Mario Sports Superstars, where it's kind of a compli- compilation of several different sports games on the 3DS. But, or we can get a um, a good Super Mario Party game. Or Mario. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. Because the last yeah. one wasn't very no. good. No. <laughs> I, I like think, Mario. Keep it um, dead. I like. Mario I think Party. tennis would be great. Baseball would be great. They've been great in the past. You know. Um, but Mario Golf God is probably damn. a good shot too, man. People love their Mario Golf. Yeah, but I think I would really, and honestly, I'm not a huge sports fan. I'm not a huge sports game fan, but I love Mario sports games. I love the tennis, the ba- even the basketball. The I love it all. So, um, if we got Mario Strikers three, just the announcement this year, man, um, that game is going to be awesome on the Switch. Okay, Logan, start closing us out. Each of our last predictions. So, I had two that I was going between here, and one of them is more like an anti-prediction, like something I don't think we will see, so I'll instead go with the other one. Um, I think we do see a point, I talked about Mario Maker earlier and how I think we see that. 
I think there was three games from the Wii U that we'll eventually see on the Switch, one of which was Mario Kart, which is now out, one of which is Mario Maker, which I think we will still see, like I said, and then the last one is, of course, Super Smash Bros. I think we're going to see a port of that to the Switch at some point in the future. I think that we that gets revealed here. Plus, I think we're going to see two new characters, so we'll see two of those fancy new trailer character reveal trailers like they always used to show leading up to the release of the game. Um, who they will be, I don't know. I'm not going to go out on a limb to predict those, but I think we see two new characters coming to the game. I think it comes out later this year, and then I think to make it even crazier... The GameCube adapter will be compatible with the Switch, oh boy. which then means that we will be using controllers from three consoles ago. I oh think God. I think that's where you're you're going <laughs> off crazy. the bridge, man. I think that's that's the one thing that I don't think they're willing to do. I mean, there's a place for it on the Switch. There's um, those two USB spots. I'm adding so to your prediction are... with the two new characters. I'm calling that one of them is going to be one of those little Splatoon bastards, one of those little oh, squid yeah. kids. Uh, Throw paint yeah. at people and shit. Yeah. yeah. They threw them into into Mario Kart, man, for the port. <laughs> yeah. I could definitely see that. They just, want it to be a thing. Oh, no. no. <laughs> I'm just... No. I'm no, 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 no. Sorry. The arms guys. Oh, well, one guy could probably be an <laughs> no, arms no, no, no. DNA I'm man. seeing yeah. a, uh, the Challenger Approaches screen, and it's like, that little squid bastard. <laughs> that little Splatoon bastard. Yeah, so I think I'm not going to – I'm going to write down specifically because uh, I want to keep track of all these to see how poorly all of us did. Um, I, yeah, I wrote my own down too, but <laughs> I'm putting down Smash and Maker uh, ports. Uh, the GameCube thing is kind of like a bonus, but I, I agree with Jordan. I mean, you have a point that there is slots on there, but it does seem like a very weird Nintendo thing, but we don't know what Nintendo does their Nintendo. Um, yeah. Yeah, so who knows? I just feel like the – well, actually, I'll, I'll bridge that into my next prediction. <laughs> Dom, what's your last prediction for us? You've already predicted Stars is coming out only on the 3DS, and we're getting Sunshine and Luigi's Mansion. Those are the first two GameCube virtual console games. All right, I got another one that I think is probably more likely than not, but you might not like it. Ready? Super Mario Odyssey. Um, Like everyone assumes, I think we get it in November, but we get a season pass. Ugh. Mm. Oh. Wait, now, Jared, are you... Jared, are you opposed to season passes in general or just for Nintendo games or just when they make you buy the pass and can't buy them individually? There's no reason to call it a season pass if you can't buy them individually. That's my Okay, point. I agree point. with that. I That's a good point. <laughs> um, my other point is I don't like the game-breaking Nintendo Switch shirt in Zelda. Uh, but as far as them doing content, it seems like it's <laughs> it's worth it. Like they're, they're putting the worth in it. Minus like the hard mode, you should never have to pay for a difficulty mode in a game. Uh, I don't like that at all. Um... But like, yeah, so, it's, the fact that they call it a season pass—it's not a season pass. It's by the yeah, DLC that's package. stupid. That's dumb. Um, the Switch thing, I think, is on the internet generally blown out of proportion. My question for you is: all of these things, all of these DLC costumes that they just announced as part of the season pass—that isn't a season pass. How is that not more game-breaking than the Switch shirt? I mean, I realize that those are from the Zelda universe, but they shouldn't be in this Link's. World or except for the Korok suit, except for the Korok suit, because that one's like there's Koroks there, so you could like kill one of them and skin them alive and make one. You know? Right, <laughs> but you know there could be you know the the Legend of Switch out there or something where you know I mean I'm just saying well, like it's easier to RP these. It's easier to RP in a Majora's Mask Link costume 
than running around in a Nintendo Switch shirt. You know, I don't. Yeah, think I totally crazy, agree. I just but, think that. Yeah. I just think that most of the reasons that people are um, complaining about this online, it's like, well, look at all these costumes that aren't from that universe. Technically, exactly. Either. Yeah. Um, I hear you there. It's, I just don't like that they call it a season pass and it's not a season pass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I think, I think it would be dope. I think what Dom's saying, it would be dope if we get DLC for. Mario oh yeah, Odyssey. I'm in. That's the whole reason I told you guys. I'm. Uh, that's the game I'm in. I'm. I'm gonna have a Switch yeah. before Super Mario Odyssey releases. It's my okay, Legend cool. of Zelda Breath of the Wild. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good call, uh, Dom. For bonus points, what's the price point gonna be? Thirty dollars, but Ooh. you can buy each of the two DLC packs separately this time. For fifteen each, okay. I'm well, they gonna no, be, be. I guess it would have 20 to be twenty. Each. Yeah. Well, you said. Oh, you so said thirty-nine. They, uh, I think you said thirty. My bad. Yeah, thirty. Okay. Well, he's saying thirty, but if you buy them separately, they're more. Oh, I got you. Right, I right. got you. You get the bulk individually discount. thirty for bundle. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. Um. So, Dom, are they gonna be two like level packs where you know it's like, well, there's this many more stars to collect or whatever. Or is it like Zelda where one of them's a story thing and one of them's like challenge maps kind of? I think this this is off the record of my prediction. I'm getting too specific. <laughs> but I'll go ahead and say I think it'll be more like Zelda where one of them is uh, some, you know, uh, some new modes type of thing and then some, yeah. some visual, you know, costumes or whatever, that kind of thing. Um, and then the other one will be more, uh, you know, more gameplay stuff, new levels, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that kind of contradicts the price points I named out, so fuck me, <laughs> whatever. Um, so my last prediction, depending on what Jordan's going to say, might be the only third-party prediction we're going to have. So It will be. Okay, <laughs> lock it in. Lock it in, folks. My prediction, hear me out. Ten years ago, I'm just kidding. Uh, so Ubisoft has... <laughs> A track record of supporting Nintendo, right? They're one of the third Beyond parties. Beyond Good and Evil 2, huh, Jared? No, and I wish. No, I'm not going that crazy. <laughs> um, what I think is going to happen is Assassin's Creed Origins is going to come out this year. It's going to be announced it's not coming out day and date for Nintendo Switch. That's not happening, right? We've 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 seen the screenshot of that game. It's I don't think the Nintendo Switch is powerful enough to run that game. Maybe they might port it down or something, but what I think they're they are going to do Ubisoft is to fill that gap for people who own a Switch that want to play Assassin's Creed Ugh. I think that they're going to be porting the Ezio collection over to the Switch <laughs> I think that's going to be coming over <laughs> those games are older games they're not super oh, graphic boy. intensive you know they're they're a little bit dated um, and I think that, that would be the first time they were on a Nintendo console yeah but I do think that you know for a lot of third parties they're seeing that the Switch is outselling their expectations um, it's a lot more promising than Wii U. And I think that, you know, Ubisoft wants Assassin's Creed to be big again. So I think that them pairing the the Ezio collection coming out on Switch with Origins coming out this fall on everywhere else, I think will be a nice blend of everything. And if for some reason Origins somehow does come out on Switch in the future, which I don't think it ever will, it'll be a nice buffer of like, hey, you're not getting the new one now, but we're giving you something in the meantime, you know? And that would be fucking awesome. It's not like I'm saying Syndicate's coming or something. I think the Ezio Collection is a lot more reasonable as far as performance uh, correlating with the Switch. So, yeah, I think yeah. they announced the Ezio Collection coming to uh, the Nintendo Switch. That's my prediction. Yeah. Not too bad. Uh, Jordan. So, yeah, um, once again, I hinted at uh, one of my predictions. Um, 
I think that you know what Logan was talking about with the GameCube controller adapters. I feel like um, obviously the Switch is kind of a modular console with the way that the Joy Cons slide in and out, with the way that you slide it into the dock or take it on the go. Um, and I feel like they're trying the way that they put it out and the accessories that they put out with it. I think they're trying to simplify, trying to simplify a lot more than they were uh, during the Wii and Wii U generations because, you know, you had the all these Wii remotes and then you had your um, the uh, kind of like SNES looking controller and then you had your Pro controller. There's all different kinds of accessories for the Wii and Wii U. Like I'm talking just official stuff. Um, and then um, I just feel like they're they're really trying to simplify that with the Switch. So um, I don't think that we're going to be getting those GameCube controllers. I hope that that's not the case because I know that um, that will help whatever Smash console it is come out um, or Smash uh, software that comes out. I think it'll help it in the like tournament system or whatever. Um, but yeah, basically this prediction is just about Switch accessories. I think, um, to be specific, I think at E3 we're going to see a Switch battery extender because For the they've already Switch. given us yeah. yeah they've already given us the Joy-Con battery extenders, which s seem pretty useless. But I think the reason they did that is because when you're undocked the joy cons are just pulling uh power constantly from your switch and so if you have those things on there then they're not going to be doing that and that'll make your switch last longer itself but uh i still think they need to fix the battery problem with the switch and it would be nice if you could have something that they do as the first party that really kind of just like you know sticks onto the back of it so maybe it is a little bit thicker but you still have access to your, all your ports. It fits in perfectly, and it doesn't look too bad or bulky. Um, so I think Did that's that? yes. I but I just I just want to say that. Or what were you going to say? Sorry. I say you're probably right, and then they charge a hundred dollars for that thing. Yeah. So of course they're going to overcharge for whatever the fuck they do. They've shown that with this garbage ass dock that they're charging essentially a hundred dollars for to get with the AC adapter that is clearly. A necessity in that situation um, but I also just wanted to say I think they're going to be doing more accessories um, but they're just going to be really essential stuff really stuff that you're like oh yeah I'd love to have that on my switch and it's not going to be um, what I feel like a lot of the stuff was in the Wii and Wii U generation that was just um, fluff yeah It'd be hilarious if they released that NES controller that they did for the Classic with the same length of cord, and you could plug it uh, into your, <laughs> your Switch, dude. And it's yeah. Like, it's like Sounds a foot. It would be horrible. See, and that's another thing is, like, they're making everything wireless and, and really uh, streamlined, I think, with these accessories. So um, that plays a big part of it. I guess what I'm trying to say is my I, I gave you my specific prediction, but I'm also just predicting in general the direction that they're going with switch accessories unfortunately it doesn't look like we're going to be getting those cool augmented joy cons that we all thought of where you know they're like the different controllers the gamecube joy cons or the the wii remote joy cons and so on um 
I think that's a pretty solid prediction. I think we could definitely see some accessory announcements at E3. Some uh, fillers in terms of, like, not everybody wants to see those because they want to see the games, but I think that will still be solid nonetheless. Uh, th that does it for our Nintendo prediction episode. Thank you again, Logan, for joining us. Can you please yeah, no let problem. everybody know where to find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I am at moreman12, and then if you want to find a bunch of random work I'm doing, you can head over to modelcitizensmedia.com or follow my written stuff over at DualShockers. Hell yeah. Thanks again for joining us. You were on about a month ago. Glad to have you back for our Nintendo E3 special. Um, have you on soon again before the end of the year, more than likely. For sure. Yeah. Um, I've been on his podcast as well. Uh, it's the Millennial Game Speak. I was on a couple of episodes... I'm probably going to eventually just put him into a playlist on our channel of, like, videos we're in that aren't, aren't on our channel. Um, so if you just go to our YouTube channel, you'll probably find it there um, by the time this posts. Um, that's pretty much it, I guess. Uh, tune in to the rest of our E3 coverage. Um, the way these are going out, this will probably be the second one that goes up. So definitely tune in to our Microsoft, our EA, and all of our other ones. And uh, hopefully we get everything we want at E3 this year. Today we're diving into Xbox. I'm, as always, I'm joined by Dom. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And Jordan. Please be excited for E3. Uh, yeah, uh, unlike our other uh, E3 podcasts you're going to see, uh, we don't have a guest, which is fine. Uh, I, I can talk about Xbox all day long. So. Nobody likes what are you us. What talking about, Jared? We got a guest exactly. right here. So if you're not familiar, if you haven't listened to any of our E3 coverage this week, uh, the way we're going to do it is we're going to talk about uh, Xbox's conference last year, and then we're going to talk about what we our expectations are for this year's conference, and then we're going to go into the the best part, really. Ooh, uh, the whole reason we baby, do this I is the predictions. Wait to get into this. Uh, so basically, I'm going to go over the conference as it happened, step by step, uh, day by day. Three's um, <laughs> best conference last year. Yes. So it started off with the Xbox One S. Uh, the conference opened. Uh, Phil Spencer gave kind of a. Um, a, a somber sorry and condolences to uh, the tragic Orlando uh, event that happened. And then it cut to, obviously, the total tonal shift. And then it switched over to um, them unveiling the Xbox One S. Going into the conference, we had, it was basically leaked by that point. They're coming out a slim version of the Xbox uh, One. Uh, we didn't know what it was going to look like. We didn't really know what the price was going to be. We heard rumblings that it was going to have an integrated power supply, which is one of the big issues with Xbox for a while is the big power brick right on the outside. Uh, turns out the Xbox One S looked sleek, looked nice. It was white uh, with hints of black, obviously, on the trimmings and stuff like that. Really cool design. Way yeah. better than the original Xbox One. Had an yeah. integrated power supply, which was also huge. A lot of people were happy about that. Uh, touted true 4K with a blue uh, 4K Blu-ray as well. And a price point of $299, which I thought was sweet. Um, I thought the launch of the Xbox One S uh, went over really well. We got the sales numbers of there for the fall for like three or four months. Xbox One S was outselling PS4, which is really cool. Um, I think it was a smart move for Xbox to let them put out a cheaper unit on the market. Uh, what are your guys' impressions of the Xbox One S? Because uh, it was a console release last year, right? We talked about the PS4 Pro on, on Sony's conferencing. So what did you guys think about the Xbox One S? It's cool. It's a good box. Real good. Real good box that they made. <laughs> so uh, by what do you think? Are you asking like what we think of it now almost a year later? Uh, both. Or you can give me your initial, initial thoughts on at the conference and then uh, retrospectively how you felt about it. I thought at the conference it was great uh, and that, um, you know, they showed it off well. It was kind of just like a trailer for it and they didn't spend too much time. 
and it was, I think, a perfect way to start the conference because it's exciting, but it's not, you know, blowing up anybody's mind. So it was just that perfect um, middle of the road right there to start the conference. As far as um, looking back a year later, I think it was uh, just as good of a move as they could have made at that point. Um, and I think, you know, Phil Spencer would have told you at that point that he knew, I mean, obviously, uh, they weren't going to sell, outsell PS4 lifetime, uh, by that point, but they knew that they could gain some ground. And I think they've done a really, really good job as far as hardware and, uh, updating Xbox live, not so much with their software titles, but in this past year, I think they've done a great job continually improving xbox live you know now we've got game pass coming through um and then obviously improving on the hardware with xbox one s and then now we have um we've had the the uh digital foundry video where they've gone through and evaluated the scorpio and it looks like digital foundry's happy with it and they say that you know everything looks good so far from what they can tell so that indicates to me that they're also succeeding in um, bringing better hardware to the market. So, yeah, man, I think, um, like I said, I, I don't think they could have done it any better with that little piece of hardware. Yeah, it was really quick, really sleek, got to the point, got out, right? I think that was a great way to handle a hardware unveil, which, uh, not jumping into the second half of the show, but uh, I do think that kind of lends to what we can expect for Project Scorpio, hopefully. Sure. Um, Big boy! Next up, uh, they talked about Gears of War 4. Hadn't come out yet. Uh, they announced Play Anywhere, which is a service where if you buy it for Xbox One, you also get a copy of it essentially for Windows 10, and you can uh, your achievements and your game saves go between both. Uh, and they also shut off the Gears of War uh, Elite Controller, uh, which was really cool. Yes. Uh, Gears of War 4 came out to positive reviews. It was a good release. A lot of people thought it didn't do anything too different from the normal Gears of War formula, but I think people were pretty positive on it. I think Arrow up on Gears of War. Um, it, was, it was fantastic. It was an awesome game. Yeah. I mean, you're the only one out of us three that played it. I just never got around to it. Uh, not that I didn't want to play it. It just wasn't in the the budget. <laughs> you know? It was mm. extremely, I think, not necessarily underrated because it did well critically, but like under-hyped, I guess. Like, no one seemed to talk about it. Uh, well, see, I think that's where I come in because I was planning on buying Gears uh, as long as it you know, wasn't broken or whatever at launch or around launch, I should say. Um, but then the reviews coming out and saying that they really hadn't done anything special with it when it seemed to me like that was what they were trying to say was, hey, we're bringing Gears back, but this is, you know, it's Marcus's son and we're, we're it's a soft reboot, essentially, and we're going to... Um, put a spin on the series that maybe you weren't expecting or that would be a pleasant surprise and unfortunately it doesn't seem like that was necessarily the case um so they did Still lose off. a sale on me and i think that um that I, I i feel like people would just you know with the cancellation of Scalebound and uh killing off lionhead and fable legends and some of the other issues they've had um with software titles recently i think people would just be more forgiving of them at this point if Gears had been uh, a little more innovative. Yeah, um, it, it's tough to say. I do think Dom Dom's kind of correct in the notion that it was a great game and it didn't get the focus that a lot of other games did. Like, there was a couple of... for I'm just going to use this for relative terms, whatever. There was a lot of 7s uh, and 8s and even, like, lower 9s 
that were in the discussion in the running for Game of the Year. And it didn't seem like Gears of War 4 never was in discussion, even though it was kind of around that same thing. You know, it's kind of weird that it got that treatment. And I do think, yeah, it's partially because it didn't seem that it evolved too much on the Gears of War formula. Um, but yeah. I also think it's just because it was an Xbox exclusive. And a lot of the games media, at least the prominent voices, are... PlayStation first, I'm not saying they have a bias, but when they're talking about the games that mean the most to them, I think they're more likely to have a 8 from a PlayStation uh, franchise mean a little bit more to them than an 8 from Xbox, you know? Um, I think that a lot of, like, the Last Guardian votes, I don't personally, I didn't play the game, but I saw a lot of coverage and a lot of gameplay of that game. That game, to me, never once said Game of the Year, but to some people, it did. And I think that it's just that people were more likely to hoist last guardian uh than they were gears of war 4 so it was really well weird. maybe that's because it is even though it does look like it controls like a ps2 game it is innovative in the sense that there aren't very many exploration games where you're you know trying to use your giant dog companion to help you through these puzzles and such you know there's nothing there's really nothing at all even close to last guardian as far as type of game out there and so i think that's why well, I also, think we're just, there's not I, many I think PS2 a, games coming out now. <laughs> right, I think oh. we're at a point in video games where people have played the third-person shooters, uh, being Gears of War and such like that, and uh, they've played the first-person shooters being Call of Duties and Halos, and I just think that gamers really want new and innovative, interesting experiences to have, and so I think that's where they fail with Gears of War. Yeah, um... Next up, we have some games that we don't need to get too deep into because I don't think any of us have huge impressions on. Uh, Killer Instinct, they announced General Rom as a guest character. Pretty interesting. It's, you know, Xbox's own fighting game. Um, they did two seasons. So they did the regular season when they released. They did season two. Season three came out in 2016 to kind of like hush-hush. Um, and I think they're kind of moving on from Killer Instinct, it seems like. Uh, next up, they showed off Forza Horizon 3, which looked phenomenal. Um, you know, the racing games always are the prettiest-looking games. Um, and it, that game sold really well. It re reviewed very well. Recently, there was the Hot Wheels expansion that came out for it, which people are loving. And I think it's a really cool cross between brands. I think that was a huge get for Microsoft to have Hot Wheels uh, tracks in a racing game as beautiful as Forza Horizon. So I think that was huge. Uh, next up, ReCore. Uh, this was a game that looked like it had a promise. It's another example of... Maybe older developers, older Japanese developers, not translating well to the current day or trying to live too much in their past. Um, and, you know, we had this with Mighty Number no. 9. ReCore, ReCore, I think, has a solid ground. I think as an IP, it's very interesting. They have a lot of things that they can do. And for me personally, looking forward to the future of ReCore, I hope it makes a complete genre change from the kind of arcadey shooter-ish thing that it was, arcadey platform shooter. I think that taking it more in a grounded direction and a more narrative-based direction, I think, will be better for that game. Um, I think it so was. So you do a, think there is a? You think that's a franchise now? You do think there is a future for? I wouldn't say for two or whatever. I think yeah. I think they earned their money back enough. I don't think Microsoft put that much money into Recore. I think they yeah, did with get the their money. Forty-dollar price point. Exactly. I think it was. It worked out fine. Now I'm pretty sure they wanted it to be a success. But I think they were just testing something. You know, Microsoft doesn't really work with Japanese developers that much. And the last two times it kind of worked with people who are at least Japanese that headed the games, Scalebound got canceled and ReCore was kind of a disappointment. So I, I do think that the next ReCore will have a tonal shift 
and it it might even have a complete genre shift. But I do think it's promising. The game didn't review very well. I think it sold fine. But I do see a future for Record. I think there are enough interesting ideas in that IP that it can move forward. Um, Real quick, just to build off of something that you said with them uh, dealing with Japanese developers. Personally, I think that um, I don't think that uh, Xbox needs to just jump out of Japan. But I think they just need to give up on trying to win that that uh, that audience over and trying to you know make Xbox a thing in Japan, like. Have it there, maybe even make it so that it's kind of rare, you know, that if you want to get one, you got to kind of find it, because then it would be kind of a commodity. But other than that, I don't see, I haven't seen in the fruits, you know, they've been trying this since like Blue Dragon and stuff like that, and um, I'm just not seeing the fruits of that labor, so I'm just wondering if maybe they could just concede that to Sony and Nintendo and just focus their efforts uh on the markets that actually care about what they're doing. Yeah, I think they shouldn't go after the Japanese market, but I do think they should go after Japanese RPGs that play to a Western audience. You know what I'm saying? I still think that they should go after um, Persona 5S games and stuff like that. Th- those are huge in Japan. I know it's a bad correlation to make, but I do think that maybe the next Blue Dragon is more Western-leaning, and it isn't going for maybe traditional JRPG uh, but it is Western RPG with JRPG influences. Something like that, maybe, you know, kind of tweaking what they already have. Um, the odd thing, when I was doing research, did you know, fun fact, Xbox, Microsoft Studios, published uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 3 in Japan. Not Activision. Weird, right? Very weird. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of odd, uh, the next thing we saw for the Microsoft press conference was the final Hold Fantasy. on a second, Jared. Sorry to interrupt. I apologize. But I, you just broke my brain. So, Japanese copies of PS4 Black Ops 3. What's the deal with that? No clue. Good call. I have no idea. <laughs> but all, all I read was that Microsoft Studios published Call of Duty Black Ops 3 Because uh, you Japan. know, you know there's like, I'm, there, I'm sure it, Black Ops 3 sold plenty on PS4 in Japan. Yeah, maybe if they wanted to sell it the... So maybe they published the Xbox versions and Sony had to publish the PlayStation versions. Maybe Activision made it so if you wanted it out on your platform in Japan, you had to publish it yourself. That's probably what happened. Um, yeah, but going back to speaking about weird and interesting, uh, next up we had the Final Fantasy XV demo. That was odd. It was the Titan fight. Very bad demo. Uh, probably the worst showing of Final Fantasy XV at E3 last year. Unfortunately, it was on Microsoft stage. Once again, this is them like, hey, we want to, we want, to, we want to appeal to the Japanese audience. We're gonna have Final Fantasy on our stage, and of course, we get screwed at the worst presentation of the yeah, game. Yeah, they just turned into a meme. Yeah, it was, it was a poor. It just sometimes that's how it breaks. Um, speaking of getting the the poop end of the stick. Uh, next up, we saw <laughs> Battlefield 1, which wasn't a bad game, but it was the trailer we had already seen two yeah. times. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, that was very unfortunate that we, we saw it again. It was the same trailer, didn't even do a different cut, didn't even do a different uh, tune, anything. It was literally beat for beat the same trailer, which is very upsetting. You guys um, think that's going to happen this year? We're going to have a trailer that gets repeated? Uh, Destiny yes. 2. I think it's going to be Destiny 2. I think it's going to be the trailer that we see over and over and over again. Maybe Far Cry 5 as well. Um yeah, um, and Battlefront too. I don't know. You could, there's a couple of games that you could just be like, yeah, they could feel like throwing that into every conference. Um, next up was a huge block that I think was very important to some people. Might have seemed boring, 
But I do think this was a very important section for Xbox. And this is when they announced all the Xbox Live improvements. This is when they announced the background music. This is when they announced Cortana. This is when they announced the clubs feature, which means there's groups that you can use. And I remember there being a news article that came out about a month a month ago uh, in June. Or we're, we're in June. In May. Uh, sorry. Uh, in May where they were talking about how... Um, that feature is one of the most used features, and it's actually one of the top 20 social networks now. The clubs in Jesus. on Xbox. So many people use it and create groups and stuff. Yeah. Fucking A. I, I actually use it from time to time. Uh, when I was grinding achievements in Dark Souls 3, I went to the Dark Souls Club. There's a specific Dark Souls Achievements Club, and I went in there and I was like, hey, I need to get the symbol of uh, Avarice, which is the mimic chest helmet that helps you get better drops and stuff like that for achievements. Uh, and yeah, I was able to hook up with somebody and they helped me out. So they're very nice. useful. I've used them myself. I think they're really good. Uh, next up, looking for group, which is uh, a feature that Destiny 2 announced, which I think they call it like, a, what is it? I forgot their term for it. But yeah, it's basically you're looking for people. This is huge. This is kind of like, this thing was almost essentially created for Destiny itself of, you want to go into a raid on Destiny, you don't have five other friends to go into you have to go to Reddit threads or the Destiny forums and all these... Yeah, God places. forbid they have matchmaking in the fucking game. Exactly. Um, and even if there is matchmaking games, it's maybe you want a co-op partner for a co-op game. Uh, different things, right? So I think looking for group is huge. I haven't used that feature too much just because I have a pretty good stable of friends. Um, and if I'm looking for groups for achievements and stuff, I usually go to the clubs. But I think it's a huge feature. Also, the last feature that hasn't been implemented too much but i could definitely seeing seeing it have a huge uh, future is arena um this is their multiplayer focused place where they can create tournaments and that kind of stuff i think call of duty going back to a more grounded type of multiplayer will be huge for this as well because i remember uh when uh game battles was huge when call of duty 4 modern warfare was out oh man game and battles i think since then people have not been away from that i think people still do that kind of stuff but I think this next Call of Duty has the potential to bring in a lot of old fans who have been gone for a while. So I think Arena can be huge. Um, next up, we saw the presentation for Minecraft in Oculus with John Carmack, which is funny because this is the guy that worked at id that was responsible for Doom and a bunch of other games, Rage, and he was playing Minecraft in Oculus. Kind of odd, but that was the first time we saw the partnership that could be possible. You know, PlayStation has PSVR, and we were wondering, well, is Xbox going to jump into the VR space? And then we had this presentation with Oculus, and they're partnering with Oculus on Minecraft. So it kind of puts one and one together, right? Of like, if Xbox is going to have VR with their new powerful console, it's probably going to be Oculus. Um, and we can get into that in the second part of what we talk about expectations. Uh, next up, I want to go through these, and then we can get to, you know, what we can expect. Uh, we had the custom controllers, which I think was huge. Another thing that maybe not be a super crazy announcement, but I thought it was cool. Um... I think Sony would pay dividends doing something like this for people, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it was it was a really cool announcement. I was like, oh, you can just create your own controllers. Uh, you know, a lot of third-party websites where they're like, this is our whole business model, thanks, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought it was Not huge. Not problem. Exactly. Um, they also unveiled... Speaking of the custom controllers, when they announced the Xbox One S, they announced the new and improved Xbox uh, One controller, which has the grips on its uh, on the backs, better Bluetooth support. Uh, uh, no, not, not better Bluetooth support, but Bluetooth support. Right? Bluetooth support, yeah. It was a better... 
a better, uh, greater distance for connection, I think, for the IR sensor is what I was thinking of, because that was also introduced as well. Um, next up, we had the ID at Xbox uh, block, which they talked about inside, which came out and was phenomenal. Uh, my, I think I would put it up there as my game of the year up there with Overwatch and uh, Dark Souls 3. Uh, then they showed off Cuphead, which we can have a whole conversation about. Below, um, Outlast 2, which came out to really good reviews. Deliver Us to the Moon, which I'm not sure released. Uh, and then Flint Hook, which is kind of like a nice little indie surprise a lot of people are talking about. Or we're talking about about a, uh, three weeks or so when it came out. Maybe longer than that. Maybe like a month and a half. Uh, time escapes me. Um, we also had the, the section where they talked about uh, the Xbox preview program, which is essentially Steam Early Access. Um, they showed off We Happy Few, which still hasn't had a full release yet, which we could possibly see this year. Uh, the Gwent card game, which recently, in the last like two or three weeks, had its open beta come out. Um, they showed off Tekken 7, which hasn't come out yet. Dead Rising 4, which came out to subpar reviews, wasn't very good. Uh, they showed off Scalebound, which we now know is cancelled. Uh, sea of Thieves, which is probably going to get a release date this year, hopefully. Uh, Halo Wars 2, which came out to decent reviews, didn't sell very well, but uh, I think it sold what they expected for a Halo Wars game. Um, and then they finished off the presentation with Project Scorpio, which is a good place to kind of connect the two. You know, they ended their conference last year with Project Scorpio, uh, and we talked about how they opened up last year with Xbox One S. I've been talking for a while, so I want to know, do you guys think they open up this show with Project Scorpio? Yes. Yeah, I think they'd have to because you don't want to be like, you don't want to show off two or three games and everybody's confused about, you know, well, is this Scorpio? Is it running on Xbox One? You know, is it, what's the frame rate? Yada, yada, yada. And I think if you just go ahead and say, this is what Scorpio is, this is how the games are going to run, this is how it interacts with, you know, Xbox One, and then from there you can move forward. So I got a hot take. So they did announce also recently that they're going to be streaming their conference and I think it's exclusively through their streaming service. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Mixer. Mixer, yeah. And Xbox One S. Mixer and Xbox yeah. One S, you can watch it in 4K. So you can actually stream their conference in 4K and HDR. So that that seems like a pretty big hint of what they're going to want to show off, right? So Exactly. I'd look for, yeah, a lot of Scorpio attention right off the bat. Well, the thing that that benefits too is the hardcore Xbox guys who are interested in 4K off the bat. What it does is, if they're already interested in 4K, they more than likely already have an Xbox One S, and they already more than likely have a 4K TV or monitor, right? Which means that them saying, hey, you can watch this here if you want, means that the people who can see the difference will see the difference. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to get through, but I think you guys understand what I'm trying to say. Um, no, I think they're playing to the strengths of their audience, is what you're saying. Exactly, and this goes back to the whole Digital Foundry situation of like, let's have them talk about all the techie stuff, whatever. They People trust them, we'll have them do it. I think this is a way of like, yo, if you want to see the 4K stuff, you can watch it here and here in 4K, you know? And that's not them being at the show where they might see it, but I doubt they are. We're like, well, if you're watching this now in 4K, then it's in 4K. That makes absolutely no sense. You get that message out beforehand, and then people can see it for themselves, right? Uh, and what that does is, the people, like we said, who get to see the benefit, see the benefit. For the people who don't get to see the benefit, they don't feel like they're getting gypped because the games they're seeing still run on their Xbox One, and they see the same thing for both, right? Which I think is huge. Um, I think a good kind of uh, 
breaking off point here, and we'll get into everything else because there's a lot to talk about. Uh, Project Scorpio is going to be a powerful console. Um, people have said that it can probably run uh, VR decently well, uh, better than PlayStation VR. And not that PlayStation VR is bad, but you know it's obviously a weaker console running VR, so a stronger console is going to run VR better. It's just obvious math. Um, they showed off Minecraft on Oculus. Do you think we'll see Minecraft VR? And more importantly, one of the things that I've been hinting at for a while since uh, Todd Howard was in that announcement of Project Scorpio, are we seeing Fallout VR on Microsoft stage? I mean, I can... <laughs> We're going to get into my predictions if I start talking too much. Okay, but, uh, okay. So I'll let you guys answer most of that. <laughs> okay. It can even be simple. Do you think... Do you think Oculus or VR will even be on Microsoft stage? We don't need to get into specifics of Minecraft and Fallout. I yeah, actually do. I, I do think we're going to see some Oculus stuff because um, I think they, you know, having a, a console this powerful coming out this fall and them being Microsoft and them not having any VR support I think would look really bad because, you know, obviously PCs run uh, Oculus and Vive and um, they've had this uh, they've already had you know connections to Oculus with as you mentioned the Carmack thing with Minecraft and then um, every is every Oculus comes with a Xbox One controller I think right so uh, that's you know clearly they they've they've seeded that partnership so you, if I was planning this conference, my plan, if we were, if we had to include Project Scorpio, which obviously it's included, it's weird for me to say have, and then you have to include VR, right? The way I would go about it very loosely would be you start off with Project Scorpio, get that out of the way, boom, name, price, release date, bada bada bada, boom, right? Go into all the games, talk about all the games, services, all that stuff. At the very end, I would end with, we've 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 uh, decided to have a partnership with Oculus. Oculus VR is playable on Project Scorpio. Announce a bundle or something, right? And then show off Minecraft VR, right? People are like, oh, that's awesome. Oculus VR, uh, that's a cool Minecraft, whatever. And then do the one more thing. And then Todd Howard comes out on screen be like, hey, I want to show you guys something. And then it's like exclusively mm. on Oculus. And then it's yeah. the Fallout VR. I think that would be super that. cool as like a, a one more thing. Um just because and Fallout VR is a confirmed thing, right? Yes, 100% yeah. confirmed. Yeah, Todd Howard already said it's a confirmed thing. And the reason I keep going back to them having a partnership is because it, it's really... I understand people are talking about Microsoft wants to control the day and have a whole day to themselves. And I do think that's part of it. But I do think another huge part of it is they want to go before Bethesda because I do think there's a partnership there. And it makes no sense... For Bethesda to talk about Fallout VR and it, if it has some kind of weird partnership with Xbox or on Scorpio, and we don't even know what the Scorpio is yet, you know? I do think there's something yeah. there, to some extent. I do think there's going to be some partnership there between Bethesda and Microsoft of something happening. It may not be so, VR, but that's my most likely... Go yeah, ahead. I think you're right, Jared. But then, uh, Jordan, you brought up that, you know, Microsoft is wanting something VR on their Xbox system, right? Uh, I think to a much greater extent, Oculus wants to be on Microsoft systems, right? Because they've been not selling. I mean, it's a first gen. It's a whole new thing. So the expectations couldn't have been too high. But when you look at the sales figures for Oculus and Vive, it's kind of like, what the hell? You guys even, have to be eating money right now. Look at how look at how Microsoft's able to sell products and services. They do it very well. There's a reason why... 
you know, Xbox is a part of Microsoft, but PlayStation is pretty much everything to Sony. Like, we've seen the same I disagree with that. I think I've heard that a lot recently about well, no, people it's, thinking it's, that it's, it's numbers, the end of the though. world for Sony, and I just feel like they're, they're, a, they're not as big as Microsoft, but they're a very big and well-respected Japanese you know, if, tech company outside of PlayStation. No, but if you look at the sales numbers, Jordan, they've actually their stock prices keep dropping, and they've actually lost in a profit margin 6%, and they've been losing every year. Um, yeah, and I get that, but I'm just saying I don't think Sony, the company, is shutting down anytime soon. I no, think no, they no. have too many arms and legs in their consumer electronics, especially their audio equipment. Then you have Sony Pictures, which that's, I think, if anything, if there's anything that's really screwed up right now, it's Sony Pictures. But even that, I think, you know, they have Spider-Man as a property, and they've screwed him up, but they still have him as a property, and they're still making money off of him, so... I just don't see this doomsday clock ticking that quickly for Sony uh, in general outside of places. Not to mention, it is a big diversified company. So if you know, if everyone's worst fears came true and every and all the hyperbole was real, uh, PlayStation would continue to exist in some form. It might not be a part of Sony, right? Yeah. It might get, who knows uh, how that, what that might look like? But back to Xbox. Uh, yeah. <laughs> since this is our <laughs> Xbox conference. Uh, so next up, I want to talk about the indie games we know about so far specifically. Um, obviously, we can have a huge discussion on Cuphead. That game needs a release date. If they show that game this year and it doesn't have a release date, I think they're doing it wrong. The only reason that game should even be at E3 if it has a re- is if it has a release date. I think we can all agree on that. Um, Below, I think is huge. Yeah, if they show that at all without saying, hey, it's coming out like this fucking summer. you know, Shadow if it's- drop. It needs to be out, in my opinion, before the 1st of October, absolutely. Hot oh, take. Yeah. I'm calling it right now. Cuphead, shadow dropped at E3. <laughs> Boom. Um, next up, Below, which is uh, Capybara Games uh, game. A really cool, uh, over-the-top kind of Dark Souls-inspired adventure game where you're a very tiny person in a very big world. Uh, that game was initially announced to come out last year. They went dark, but I think they handled it really well. They said, you know... We we basically made our release date too soon, and people were asking, well, like, when's the release date? Then they're like, I don't know, we'll tell you when we're done. And I think that was a good way of handling it, of like, we're not going to tell you, oh, you'll hear about us in three months, you'll hear about us soon. They're just like, well, you'll hear about us when the game's done. So um, that's another game that I think the only way that shows up at E3 this year is if it has, if it's already ready to go. Um, Unfortunately for both of those games, I just think that they've burned the whole hype candle all the way down. Oh, I wouldn't compare them. I think Cuphead is definitely in that. I don't think Below. I think Below got some hype, but I don't think people saw Below as often, and it wasn't talked about by it, by the media as much. I'm not saying... I guess I'm just talking about those of us who have known about it and have been excited for it. Like yeah. my, I'll just I, speak for myself yeah. personally. I think my excitement for both of those games has just absolutely dwindled. Not that I'm not excited for them it's just i don't have any more juice to keep putting into thinking about oh cuphead and uh, below they're going to be such great experiences like i'll just worry about that when they're out not even about to be out you know exactly uh the last big indie game that we already know about anyways in terms of xbox is tacoma which is steve gainer's game the guy who made gone home which is like an indie classic uh this is exclusive to xbox which is also huge um console exclusive anyways uh I think this is another game. I think this is a game we see this year, and it does have a release date. Steve Gainer's talked about how they're working really hard on this game. They're closing in on a release date. And out of anybody, I think Steve Gainer, uh, if you know about him at all in the industry, he seems like a very smart guy and up to date guy. And he understands the problems with announcing a game's release date and then delaying it. 
it's different when you're when you're Rockstar, uh, you know, delaying Red uh, Red Dead Two. When you're an indie game, you can take all of the wind out of your sails, and I think he understands that. So, once again, Tacoma is a game that if we do see it at E3, it will have a release date. Um, um, do you think that Tacoma is going to eventually get over to PlayStation? Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't think After as soon as I don't think as soon as Inside. I think more of a witness situation where witness was like what eight or nine months, whereas Inside was like a month. Um, I think it's more of a witness situation than it is a Inside situation. But I do think it'll come over to PlayStation. Um, yeah, I don't think that's going to be a trap to Xbox. The the smaller indie games. Well, I wouldn't. Tacoma is a smaller indie game, but the recognition Steve Gaynor got for Gone Home, I think it's more than just a new indie game, right? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I do think that's, that's it's going to be maybe three-fourths of a year, I would assume, if I was a betting man. Um, so we covered the indies. The next portion I want to cover is uh, what I would say are the, the big three Xbox games that we have already seen. We'll get into the rest of them, but... So Crackdown 3... Crackdown 3, Sea of Thieves, and State of Decay 2. We'll get into each of them individually, and then I have a bunch of notes for stuff like Forza, Forza Motorsport and stuff like that. But So Crackdown 3, we'll get into this one first. Didn't see it at last year's show. A lot of people were you know, going crazy and saying the sky is falling, that this game is never coming out. And I think a lot of that wasn't necessarily people being ignorant, but I do think it was people just not drawing the correlation between Project Scorpio and Crackdown, right? Crackdown 3 was presented as using cloud computing and having destructible environments, and it did have some development issues, and I do think that the reason we didn't see last year was because they're planning a big unveil with it, specifically for Scorpio, using its power. That's a game that, unlike a racing game where it looks very pretty, showing off the performance of a game in Scorpio I think is huge, uh, as far as what a game can actually do or be. And I think Crackdown is going to be their marker for that. I think that's going to be their, okay, you know, Forza Motorsport 7 looks pretty. Uh, this game shows you the power of what a game can be with Scorpio, with destructible environments and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, am I alone thinking Crackdown 3 is going to be, like, one of the premier Scorpio titles this fall? Like, what are your guys' See, that's that's my thing, is you have to have, even though Scorpio is an iterative uh, hardware release, I don't think it is... Yeah, I don't think they're going to go back on what they said last year about um, still being able to play, you know, still being able to have your Xbox One and, and the games that come out will still be playable on Xbox One. I think that's still going to be true, but I feel that they absolutely need to have a launch title, at least one big one, and I think that's going to be Crackdown because I think they'd be making a big, big mistake if, excuse me, they just come out with Scorpio and it's like, well, yeah, you know, you'll just get the updates for the old games, and then the new games that come out will just look better. I think that'd be dumb, and I don't think that they're dumb. I don't think Phil Spencer is dumb. So I feel like that's where they're going with this. Yeah, I, I agree that's the ideal situation, but you can't always make things line up how you want. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to delay that game or delay Scorpio just to make it line up so that it's a it's a day I, one. I don't you know, know what I mean? I'd, I they wouldn't I don't think they'd delay Scorpio for that game, but I do think they might they have would delay crack this game because yeah. it's it's been it's been so long already. Why not just push it till Scorpio? Nobody's like dying for crackdown at this point and it's I It's not Halo need, or Gears. Yeah, those games yeah, and move. I feel but it is a triple A title for them and I do feel that 
when I mention you need a launch game with this thing, I don't think it can be Sea of Thieves. I don't think it could be a combination of a bunch of indies with Cuphead below and Tacoma. I think uh, you need one, at least one big AAA experience. I, I do think you're. I think it's going to work out. They, you know, it's set up in such a way that it will and Forza line up. will be there for the launch. That's, too, I that's exactly say. what I was going to say next. Is they also have Forza, which would be a great, uh, you know, a great, great thing to show off Scorpio with. So I, I think yeah, Crackdown does come out this fall, and uh, yeah, it's their big showpiece for Scorpio. But I also agree with you, Jordan, that. It's definitely not going to be exclusive to Scorpio. I don't. I don't know. Like Phil said it several times that Scorpio will not get exclusive games, right? And I don't. Think but that's going to be. It's still going to be interesting how the, all that goes down because I don't think it's as cut as dr- cut and dry as uh, they've tried to make it because they were trying to appease Xbox One owner owners for as long as possible. And I just I do feel like there's going to be something there where it's like you know Scorpio. You only get these parts on Scorpio, or you only, uh, you know, only these accessories or whatever work with Scorpio. I don't know. Something I feel like is going to separate that. I just, I don't, I think Phil's too, too, like, honest and too good of a person that if he wasn't sure, he would have said, the plan right now is to not have exclusive games for Scorpio. But he said it very, like, two different interviews I heard him say, like, matter-of-factly, like, Xbox One is still one family and all the games will work um, on each other, right? And if they did change the direction there, that's like not necessarily a lie because they could have literally changed. It could have been true at the time, but that looks real bad on him. And I, I don't think he's someone who would want that look. Yeah, I just I th- feel like it's going to be something. I don't think they're going to have exclusive games, but I think it's going to have exclusive something. Well, I think that they're going to do Pixels. it in a way where it's staggered, where when the Scorpio comes out, there isn't exclusive stuff. But in a year or two, when the, if they are going the iteration avenue, the ne- once the next iteration comes out, then it'll be this game works on uh, Scorpio 2 and Scorpio, and then you can bring all of your Xbox One games, your library transfers. I think that's what they'll do. Is they'll It'll be a staggered thing. Of, I do think eventually there's going to be a cutoff point. Um, and- i got to say I'm, I'm somewhat worried about it because of the fact that you know, it's kind of the PS3 situation when, like, a perfect example is Persona. Persona, I mean, Persona 5 looks like a fucking PS2 game at some points, but really it looks like a PS3 game that's on PS4, and you can tell. I mean, it's a big, big gap between what Persona 5 looks like and, I mean, Horizon's like the best fucking game, best looking game ever, but... But even like Neo, you know, which is not the Souls games and the, and now Neo, they're not known for their graphical fidelity, and there's such a big gap there, and between that and Persona Five, I'm just talking about PlayStation exclusives. But I think you're gonna see that on Xbox, where it's like, it's just gonna suck if the Xbox One is holding Scorpio back because it does seem like a freaking beefcake, you know? It does seem like it could really, if you took that uh leash off that is the xbox one that it could really tear some stuff up yeah i but i I do think that since these are since the ps4 pro and scorpio to some extent are more premium products i think that a majority of of developers are currently still going for playstation 4 and xbox one so i don't think it's necessarily i understand we're coming from holding it back but i do think that it's going to be a thing where okay we have to create the xbox one version and the ps4 version whatever but then the developers see all of the room they have, especially on the Scorpio. They have some room with the PS4 Pro, but even more on the Scorpio of like, 
okay, now we can just turn all of these up to maximum, you know? So it's like, I think it's going to be a different thing there. And it's going to be interesting. Um, so we talked about Crackdown 3. You guys touched on Forza Motorsport 7, which we don't know exists, but we know exists, right? A new console releasing. There's a new racing game. Shocker, those two line. Um, next up, though, so... With the console release, though this is an iteration, it is a console release and they want it to sell. And unlike a slim version, this is, a new, I think, four newer experiences, obviously. Um, and I do think that having a well-rounded launch uh, of games is very good. So Crackdown 3 is going to be the shooter, the action game, right? Probably the thing that shows off the hardware. Uh, Forza Motorsport 7, also the game that shows off the hardware. Racing games aren't for everybody, though, neither are shooters. Sea of Thieves, I think, is going to be huge. Um... I've been fortunate enough to be in beta and alpha test for that uh, due to NDA. I can't really talk about it. But I do think Sea of Thieves is a multiplayer game that can scratch a different itch, right? Especially depending on price point and stuff like that. I do think it's a game that people are saying that it's a game that you'll play for one weekend and never play again. But people did that with Destiny. People did that with The Division. It's the core audience, the hardcore audience that stays there that makes that game live, right? So if they can capture that core audience, I think it'll be fine. And I do think it has a lot of tools in place to do that. I, it's it's a multiplayer game where you essentially just have fun being a pirate, right? Uh, and I don't I doubt there will be a strong narrative. I think a lot of it's just based on exploration and having fun. It's Minecraft minus building plus pirates, and I think that's cool. Um, um I agree with you, Jared, but I think that it's going to be niche. I think it's going to have its audience like The Division or Destiny, but just way, 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 way smaller. Yeah, I mean, it depends, because, like, it's it's tough, because there aren't really many games on Xbox or even PlayStation that are multiplayer that look like this. Like, it's very kid-friendly. I mean, it's not, like, childish, but it is very kid-friendly, and I do think... I, w- I would actually go with the descriptor of childish. Yeah, I guess childish, but it's more... It is. It does have some crass parts, right? It's not, like, Nintendo childish. They do have... There is some willingness to make some, like you know, some crass jokes and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. The next one up is State of Decay 2, which I think also scratches another itch and will also be niche, but I think can find some success. Uh, State of Decay, uh, the first game was uh, a hit. It was a, you know, a zombie game where you went around this open world and found survivors and found um, uh, resources and ran around. Um, State of Decay 2, the big thing they're focusing on is multiplayer. And the fact that you can play with up to four friends in this world, find survivors, find resources, move from location to location. One of the coolest aspects of this game is that they announced that the game's going to launch with one big map, and that's like the retail map, right, the game. But what they're planning on doing is adding areas to the game. So kind of like in The Walking Dead, where The Walking Dead's always about progression and moving forward, right? That's what they want their game to feel like, where you have these early areas where you're like... You know, you're getting used to the zombie apocalypse and how the world works. But as the game goes on, things kind of get a little bit more difficult. But if you know what you're doing, you can kind of manage, right? And they're going to be introducing more maps and stuff. I think it's really cool. Uh, I think zombies still play really well if they're done right. Um, And I think that this game can be good. This is a game, I think, that is all dependent on its marketing. Like, if they have a very solid marketing campaign, this can definitely hit that player unknown battlegrounds where it's like... If you look at the game on its own, it's like, how is this even a AAA game in terms of sales and critical success? But then you just look at, like, an audience attached to it, right? And unlike Sea of Thieves, where I think Sea of Thieves has a huge... You're right, and I think it has a huge probability of being more of a niche game. uh, Some people play here and there, and there's a dedicated community. I think State of Decay 2 does have a chance to be big if 
if Microsoft gets behind it. Um, I, I think it, it has I a lot there. I, I disagree with the getting big part if Microsoft puts a lot behind it. I think that that kind of ties into the bigger issue that I was about to bring up, which is that, um, you know, with Microsoft canceling what, in my opinion, seemed like three uh, AAA titles in uh, Phantom Dust, Scalebound, and uh, Fable Legends, I think that that's all fine and good if that's what they wanted to do and those games weren't coming together like they thought, but now it's forcing them to rely on these games that are not even close to AAA, in my opinion, being Sea of Thieves and State of Decay um, and then even like Cuphead. Um, these games that they're just leaning on to be flagship titles that just aren't able to be flagship titles no matter how much you put behind them and no matter how many people you get in on that first weekend with, you know, five, first five hours free or, you know, free multiplayer weekend, whatever the hell it is, I just don't think that those are uh, broad enough games to to gather that much of an audience. I, I have to strongly disagree with you in terms of, I, I, I would say, yeah, it's not a flagship game, but Nier Automata sold extremely well. That game is not a AAA game, you know, and... It could be a near. I, I see that. Yeah, I think you're kind of doing a disservice to the development. I think you just don't know enough about State of Decay. Um, well, if, I mean, Jared, you gotta you gotta look at the console that Near Automata came out on. I mean, that's there's a lot bigger install base, so it has room to spread out. But when you're, you know, I don't even think Xbox One's at 30 million at this point, and so that's just a, a fraction of the size of the people that would even be. Um, Look, picking up something like Near or State of Decay, and even thinking about it. On the same note, though, you do you, Near came out in a in a heap, you know, in the middle of a heap of tons of PS4 exclusives. Um, I don't know. I th- I just I think State of Decay will do really well on Xbox too. Um, plus, yes. it's on PC also. I mean, uh, you're talking about you're talking about an audience that's been clamoring, clamoring for a new Left 4 Dead game, and they're never getting that. They're never getting that. Valve doesn't make video games anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, there's zombie games, but the, other than that, Left 4 Dead and State of Decay are wildly no, no, different. I understand that, but I do think that you're... I, 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 how do I say this? They, Fable Legends wouldn't have... I wouldn't consider Fable Legends to be a AAA game. I played the beta of that game. That game, though it had a AAA studio attached to it, that game wouldn't have sold very well, I don't think. Like, that game has would have had the expectation of selling what State of Decay 2 can. And I think that... A lot of people, because I understand the, the the install base issue, and like I understand that there's way more PS4s out there. But the thing is, is that how would I how would I phrase this? Just because they're quality games on a console that hasn't sold as much doesn't mean that they don't have a chance to be successful. And I think people are way more willing to say that game A, B, and C on PlayStation are going to be successful because of this and this. And we've had games that have come out that haven't really been successful. But they're automatically touted as they're going to be because they're on PlayStation. Whereas it seems like there's this this pessimism towards Xbox of like, well, no, that can't be that can't be it, or that can't be it, or that can't be it. Um, and the problem Xbox has from people is that people constantly talk about all they ever talk about is Halo and Gears and Halo and Gears. And then when they try to introduce new stuff, people shoot it down right away. And a lot of the PlayStation exclusives this year that have been really good, I wouldn't consider near a triple uh, a triple A game by any means. No, I wouldn't. Either. I wouldn't consider Neil a triple A game by any means. No, they're yeah. double A games and they're for successful. Sure. And I, yeah, 
I what? just think they, that my my going back to my original point there it was just that they're leaning on these games as if they were. You would never see Sony come out and say, "Well, Neo and Nier, those are our big fall games. Yeah, those yeah. are our big flagship titles." And that goes and, to them not having a lot of Microsoft. Yeah, I, I get I get where you're coming from. Right. I think you know Microsoft isn't necessarily saying, "Hey, State of Decay, that's our big flagship title." But you can tell whenever somebody's like. Hey man, what the fuck? You just canceled Scalebound, and we're not getting any AAA games over here. And they're like, "Well, guys, we got State of Decay coming." It's like Sony would never say that shit. Sony would be like, "Well, guys, we got Horizon coming, we got Uncharted coming, we got these giant titles coming." You know, that's just they don't have to right now. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And like, but, but you just luxury. wouldn't see Sony leaning on that. Yeah. Well, and they also both have different, I think, philosophies towards conferences now too. Like, the PlayStation conference was great. Don't get me wrong. But I heard, I forgot who was on a podcast. It might have been Easy Allies or somebody. They were talking about, like, the PlayStation conference was great. But it was a trailer for the next five to six years, which is fantastic. But you have to understand that some of those games are kind of not close, right? Whereas a lot of the other conferences, a majority of their announcements were games that came out soon. Um, But I do agree with you that, like, the problem isn't that State of Decay 2 can't be successful. It's that Xbox needs a deeper catalog. Um and I think before we get into the predictions, because we're getting close to the end of the podcast here, what I simply want from you guys, and you guys can dive in a little bit, but I don't want like drastic conversations. I'm going to name a game or an idea, and I want you guys to simply say if you think I'm going to, if it's going to be on Xbox's stage, okay? And you can give a little bit more if you want to, but let's not try to go too long. Uh, Far Cry 5, will this be on Xbox's stage? No. Yes. Okay. I'm with you, Jordan. <laughs> I think it's going to be on their stage. Uh, I also think it'll be on Sony's as well. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. Yes. I think... <laughs> I think flipped. <laughs> I think Microsoft gets the marketing rights to this. Nah, man. It's Sony for sure. Okay. I mean, the, the Ubisoft is not a company that would be able to justify something like that. Ubisoft is all about the bucks, and for Microsoft to be getting exclusives with that install base, and it is very important. No, not exclusive. I'm that, saying marketing. Not not exclusive. No, well, like yeah. exclusive marketing rights means that they're probably going to have DLC, right? Like, yeah, you get your you know Ezio uh, costume on Xbox or whatever, and I just don't see that happening, especially since uh, PlayStation has had that going with Assassin's Creed for years now. My only argument, and my the only reason I could see this happening, is that Assassin's Creed has been a franchise tarnished by its performance issues right people see the performance issues of unity and people the internet goes crazy i'm not saying they're justified but it is a point where whenever people bring up assassin's creed there's always the person in the corner that's like well is it going to be broken right which isn't justified yeah, you but said it, it right conversation. it's been tarnished yeah so i think ubisoft could definitely see scorpio as a potential like look at our new assassin's creed game running phenomenally and looking crazy good and that's one of the things that's kind of like one of those turning points of like it's for me if i was in in business i would definitely go for playstation over xbox just because of the install base but from a developer standpoint i want my game to be showcased the best right so i would want my game to look the best or perform the best when it's shown so it's a tough thing there obviously I, I, you're probably going to be correct, and it's probably going to be on PlayStation, but I do think that there is a possibility. Um, I think that the performance stuff is really, like, Scorpio's not going to help that. You know, I think the reason that Unity was so fucking broken is because they wanted to have a game out every year, yeah. and that game wasn't ready to go. Um, 
Uh, Destiny 2, no. I think this is... It, it's it's weird. I think this could be the thing that shows up at every conference, but I could definitely see this being stranglehold by uh, PlayStation. Yeah, and It's like, absolutely. we want to show it, so... It's yeah, an exclusive, absolutely right? absolutely not going to be at Xbox. I would say there's no... There's a 0% chance this will only be at Xbox. Is yeah. the <laughs> absolute guarantee. Uh, uh, this one, I think, will be only shown at Xbox uh, just because... I don't think PlayStation would want to ha- make room for it, and that's Shadow of War. Uh, I think this game's going to be good. I hope it's good. Um, and we've seen that it already has a deal with Microsoft. And it could be a game you could see in PlayStation, but it's one of those games that I don't think PlayStation cares about making room for. You know? It's like uh, yeah, people totally buy on PlayStation, agree. but they're, we're not going to make room for it. It's no, J- Jared, you, I'm glad you brought this one up because this is the first game confirmed with... Um, Scorpio support. Yeah. So I think this, going back to our other conversation, this is going to be another showpiece for Scorpio. So to corroborate what you're saying, this is 100% going to be at Microsoft's stage. Yeah. Uh, do we see Call of Duty? Um, so I just wanted to say that uh, I think Shadow of War is actually going to have a pretty big demo at Microsoft. Yeah, I do too. Um, um, Call of Duty, I think... Um, Sony's been making lots of time for yep. <laughs> uh, for Battlefront, for Destiny, and for Call of Duty at any conference that they can talk about. But all three uh, that stuff at they have been. Uh, yeah, like pretty they much, would have. To have all... I mean, they. No, no, they, no. I'm saying if you look at this is the first time I think all three of them are have a are releasing in the same year. So do you think they're going to dedicate time to all three? They're going to dedicate a yeah, big block because... to Destiny Two. Big, I guess, yeah, because. Sorry to interrupt you, but last year was the hype trailer of all these games, and some of them are staggered. I think now they have the year, the benefit of throwing in follow-ups on God of War and Spider-Man, but also having a bunch of third-party, right? So it's kind of like people won't get mad if they don't see a game they saw last year because they're going to have all of this crazy stuff with third-party. So I think you, you do have a point. I, I If you look at PlayStation Experience, they made a lot of time for uh, the year the Battlefront came out. You know, They had the exclusive Darth Vader console. And then uh, Black oh, yeah. Ops 3, they had that ugly-ass orange-looking thing, console. Um, so, yeah, they've been making lots of time for these guys. You know, the PlayStation reveal event when Destiny, yeah. they were just all up on... Uh, is it going to be at Microsoft, so. though? Is, is COD going to be at Microsoft, do you think, in any capacity? Yes. No, that's what I'm saying, is these games are going to be so uh, showcased at <laughs> yeah. Sony that... That Sony might even say, like, you guys need to stay off Microsoft stage because we want people to, you know, we want mainstream people to almost think that it's not coming out on Xbox. And also, this goes back to the thing of, like, Microsoft's going to have to walk a fine line of supporting their third parties, but also, this goes, I'm going to jump ahead here, like, we need to see new exclusives, and I don't think we need to see... 10 by any means but we do need to see maybe some new ips or maybe some follow-ups or some stuff right we need to see some microsoft specific stuff um and this question and it could be a simple yes or no will we see a new first party microsoft ip what i i would i was gonna actually i took this out of my predictions but i was gonna say we'd see like minimum like four new Microsoft exclusive IP. Not oh, wait, party. Jesus but Christ, not, Tom. Not new IP though, right? Just exclusives, four exclusives. No, no, I'm no, I'm, I was gonna say like at least four um, new IP exclusives, like wow. new things, not necessarily first party, right? Okay. Yeah, because um, they, you know, that's 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 a whole shit ton for one exactly yeah. publisher. But <clears throat> I think they're just pulling them in right now, and I just think we don't know about it yet. I think the the 
the bow is about to break. That's well, what, I think it's like they have to, right? Yeah, and I think I thought that was an easy one. And I think Phil Spencer has done a good job of communicating that he's trying to he. I mean, all the improvements they've done, he cares about the gamers. And Phil Spencer's not a dumb guy. I think he's like, he probably went up to the ups at Microsoft and he's like, hey, you, I know you guys, Microsoft's uh, Xbox is doing well. We think we can do great. We want to go out. We want to be aggressive. And, you know, we'll Give me see. A check. Yeah. see I, exactly. I got I to gotta be devil's advocate here. I don't think either of you guys are correct. I think that um, they haven't, you know, Going into this generation, the plan wasn't to to cancel all these games and shut down uh, Lionhead and shut down the the partnership with Platinum. I just think that this stuff is still kind of fresh, especially Scalebound, and I don't think they've had enough time to build up a stable of other exclusives, be it third party or, or first party fair. or not. I think that's fair. And I also think that that was never their thing and I don't think that like I said it's the you know the fact that people are just really on Microsoft right now about their exclusives I I still don't know I mean you know Quantum Break really wasn't very successful I just don't think that that's um at the forefront of their mind um I mean my my counter argument to that is that Phil Spencer's been there for a while right and Phil Spencer has talked about numerous times that, and he kind of threw jabs at Sony without throwing jabs at Sony. Of like, he believes, and with Scalebound especially, uh, and even before that, that they've learned that you can't show off stuff until it's done, right? And like, he, I think they've learned that you you kind of have to let stuff baking. So I can go two, one of two ways: either they are they are gathering up the third party and first party exclusives. But they're so early on, and Phil Spencer's new approach is we don't want to announce anything yet, right? So we're in the position where we're not going to see anything new yet because it's not ready yet. Or it could be in the position of the moment he took over, he might have already seen uh, that the stable is kind of weak. Like, Phil Spencer is a gamer, and that's one thing that I think that he, why he comes across so genuine to people like us is because he's kind of like us, right? Much older, obviously, much more successful and rich. But he's, he's like us. And it could be that they have some stuff brewing and they've had stuff brewing that we don't know about. Um, I think for I UIP think the, is kind of crazy. I do, th- yeah. I do think for exclusives could be possible. But as far as for new IP, I think that's... Uh, well, for exclusives, they I think... Think about it. Like Forza, Crackdown, Sea of Thieves. No, new. I mean, I could... We're, know, we're talking new. about new. As oh, in... Okay. As okay. in... Uh, so, a new exclusive, say... Halo 6. Uh, well, no, that we already. Uh, how would I? I guess yeah, that would work. Halo Six is a new exclusive we don't know exists yet, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, it's stuff that, that we, we don't also... know. Yet. Whereas new IP okay. is uh, properties that haven't existed yet; they're brand new creations. And we know Halo Six isn't going to be there, um, based on what three four three has said. They've said that they're going to have a little something that isn't related to Halo Six at the conference, and um, that's, so that's official confirmation there. So lastly, before we get into the predictions, because we are running a little long, pretty much yes or no answers. Uh, need for Speed. The only reason I, I would say no uh, that we see it is because of Forza Motorsport 7, and it would be kind of weird to have two racing games, right? Um, so yeah, I, I would say I would lean no on Need for Speed. What about I'm you? With you. Yeah. yeah I'm with um, you. This one is a no. The only reason I wrote this down is because of the Gwent announcement last year. So they do have a little bit of a relationship, but I don't even think we see this game anywhere, much less Microsoft. Cyberpunk 2077. 
I don't think we no. see that game at all. Um, so that was just something I wrote down, just an idea. Uh, and uh, so the guy who made Super Meat Boy, the partners, the one of them went on to make Binding of Isaac, right? He recently was talking about his new game that we'll see soon. You know, Super Meat Boy had a partnership with Xbox. It was just an idea I threw out there of maybe we see that in the demo reel of like his new game, right? He's hey, a very Jared, accomplished developer. That's one of the new IPs, one of the four. Boom. <laughs> yeah, boom. Um, and lastly, the one I've been talking about, if this is a prediction for any of you, I can we can just end the conversation, but a partnership with Marvel. I've been talking about, I hope this happened. I, I really hope that, you know, Xbox saw what Marvel's doing with all these different companies, especially Sony. But, you know, all these Square Enix and stuff, and they're like, hey, we want to do something. Like, we see you're giving it to play, uh, people, and we have these studios that are very talented. Uh, do you guys think we'll see a Marvel partnership? No, but probably something Marvel at the state on their stage, right? Maybe the Square Avengers game or something. Yeah. I don't know. Man. Oof. I'm going to say no. I think that the Square stuff is is way too new. They're not even close to... I would say... like they're, I think they're just now starting production, like pre-pro on those games, and so, no. I would love to see if, like, one of Microsoft's third-party studios that they kind of uh, work with constantly, if they partner up with Mar- Marvel and they do, like, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. That would be pretty I gotta cool. say, I think, I think it'd be real dangerous of Marvel to go uh, with an exclusive on Xbox for any of their properties because it makes sense on PlayStation with the install base, but it does not at all with uh, Xboxes, even with Scorpio coming up. And But you're also that, forgetting that it's going to be playable on PC as well. So Yeah, that's true. Spider-Man? Good point. No, I'm talking about any Microsoft exclusive more than likely is going to be a Play Anywhere title, meaning it's more than likely going to also be playable on PC. So I don't sure, think... Sure, but more than even the install base, I think... Um, It'd be. I just think it'd be weird to be like, for Marvel to be like, all right, Sony, here's your Spider-Man. That's going to be exclusive over there. Now, Microsoft, you're going to make an Iron Man game. That's going to be exclusive over there. I just don't think you want to play like, I don't think you want to hire two different babysitters for your kids, you know? Um, I don't know. It, I, I just don't see them dividing up. I don't think they want to keep dividing up their yeah, stable the, or I the think Spider-Man it would be dangerous. Thing. The Spider-Man thing was just a lucky thing for Sony because yeah. they own something. I don't know. I have to strongly disagree I definitely, with you guys. I think Marvel's more I definitely than willing think to just, here you have this. If you're paying us enough money, here you have this. I just, I don't think it's as uh, where they're like, okay, Sony, you can have that because you own Spider-Man, so we're kind of cool with you on that. Um, I, I, I really think that the, their willingness to, to sign a deal with Square Enix who have had numerous failed games, uh, you know, and like I just think that they're they're I I could easily see it happening. I, I don't think it's as far fetched, um, and maybe not uh, a like not where Spider Man is exclusive. I think that I don't think it'd be a game where it solely focuses on one hero. I think a Marvel exclusive game could be the Marvel Ultimate Alliance or something like that. You know, <clears throat> not necessarily like the Iron Man game or the Thor game or something. I think it's going to be like a like a roster based game of like something. Um, I think now we'll get into predictions. Uh, this is where the money's made. So, uh, who wants to go first? I do. Okay. <laughs> I got one that I've been just waiting to get out, and I feel like no one seems to be saying it, even though to me it's like the most obvious. And I think it's this is a hundred percent lock. 
I think this is, out of all the predictions I'll ever make, this is going to be correct more likely than anything. Scorpio is, to me, it's so obviously going to be called Xbox One E. That's it. White what? E? One E. That's it. What the hell it. are I, you talking about? I think it's the most obvious thing in the world. I don't get it. What does the E stand One for? E? So One S, that's a moniker for Xbox One Slim, right? Yeah. Um, but cooler. So I think One E is, I think that's just so easy because they've said this is a part of the Xbox One family. So to me, the One absolutely is going to be there. And the E is just, I for Elite, right? Um, oh, no, man. First of all, Elite, that's going to be confusing because... The Xbox 360 Elite was an Xbox 360. It just looked different. It had a hot, bigger hard drive. That's the beauty of it, though, is it's just E. Plus, that's not too far off from how they're sort of still marketing the thing. It's still in the Xbox One family. So you want to throw a price in there, or are you just going name? Just going name. Okay. Get specific and on the name. Uh, Jordan, you're I opinion. feel like that's just going to make the whole X-Bone joke even worse, where it's like X-Bone-y. <laughs> like, it's like the... Because they spell out one. Xbox One is not the number. You know, it's O-N-E. Yeah, right. So it's going to be O-N-E space E. I don't know, man. Uh, Jordan, it's your prediction. Okay, so I think that um, we're going to see something akin to the custom controllers. I think that you're going to see um, another accessory thing that's, like, really customizable. So I'm thinking, I know that Xbox One S doesn't have faceplates, but I think that um, you're going to be able to customize the look of your Scorpio, like, pretty, ah. quite a bit, actually, I think. You could, I think they're going to have, like, modular, uh, not modular parts as in, like, oh, you can, you know, change out the graphics card, but I think the casing will be modular. Um, and then, yeah, like, you know, certain special editions of games will come with their own casing or whatever i just feel like they see how like gamers want to customize their shit you know gamers love having a customized controller or you know a light bar sticker on your ps4 controllers your dual shocks so i think that they realize now that that's a big thing that people really like so i think that's what you'll get so my first prediction i'll just go head to head with you dom i think because and you, you said it's so obvious. I think this is so obvious. Every time we hear Phil Spencer talk about Project Scorpio, what does he refer to it as? A premium product. Premium. Xbox One P. Premium, yes. So I'm going Xbox like One P. My other guess uh, was Xbox One Titan. Uh, but I think it's a Ooh. little too PC. Uh, not yeah. politically correct. I don't think it's going to say... Uh, it's not going to be Xbox One anything because, like I said, you're going to be confusing the shit out of people, especially moms that are trying to buy this for Christmas well, and such. Like, I think you'll confuse gotta, people more. I, it's it's going to just... be Xbox... I think it's going to be Xbox something else. Xbox Scorpio. Xbox I think it's gonna, Millennium. Whatever. They have to... They're going to keep... If they stick to the, the truth of, like... You know, they want to make sure everybody's included. They're going to want to make sure everybody's included with having it the same name with something at the end. Yeah. And I, I think it'd be more confusing if it was just like the worst they could do is just call Xbox One and then have a higher price on it because then it gets very. It, so they're either going to have <laughs> Xbox One a different letter or it's going to be something like you said where it's Xbox something, right? So I'm just going to go head to head with Dom though and I'm going to say Xbox One. I like P. that though. Um, I do, that's a good one. Your second prediction, Dom. Um,. So we we almost got to this earlier, but 
I'm thinking we already we all kind of agree that we're gonna have Oculus in some capacity working with uh, at least Scorpio. Um, I do think that we get um, Fallout 4 VR exclusive to Oculus on um, Xbox and PC. I guess basically not on PSVR is is the the dividing line. There. Yeah, well, it's, so. if it's exclusive to Oculus, yeah, then it won't be on PSVR. But if they have a partnership yeah. with Xbox, then it will be on Xbox. I got what you're saying. Yeah. Um, bonus points. You, uh, this won't count towards you getting it right or wrong. What do you think the price for Fallout VR will be? I, I think it's just, hmm, good question. I think if you, I, I haven't thought this through. I think it's cheap. I think it's cheap, but if you already own Fallout Four, they might work something out for you. I, hmm, yeah, I'll have to think that through. Okay, uh, Jordan, what's your second prediction? So we did actually kind of already talk about this, but I want to go deeper. I think that hmm, I don't know. Okay, I definitely think that we're going to have a, an Oculus partnership going on, but I feel like I'm starting to think that it may be a totally different Oculus. Does that make any sense? Like it's going to be an like Oculus it, VR thing that's exclusive to work on the Xbox. Like the one that works the PC is a different unit, is what you're saying. Right, and okay. I think that mm. you'll still like all the games will still work, all the accessories will still work, but it's just a different unit. It's like specifically made for the Scorpio. Yeah. Um, and it's specifically so, you know has features that that you can't do on PC or that are better suited for the console itself. So if you own an Oculus today for PC, it won't work with Scorpio? Absolutely not because it's it's a it's a PC Oculus, you know, okay. I think that but but all like I said all the games will be the same, all the accessories. So if yeah, I, I don't know. It's weird, man, because you can't just be like, "Oh, well, all Oculuses will work on Scorpio because well, it's an excuse to also make I a new version because we talk about iteration, VR headsets are things that need to reiterate over and over again, right? Like, PSVR is good, but it could be better, right? Not as many cords, all this stuff. I think it's an easy excuse, too. Like, hey, we've been, you know, obviously not now, but like a, a year ago or a year and a half ago, they're like, well, we let's work on version 2 of the headset, and they didn't, never really had any motivation. Then Microsoft comes and like, let's partner, and they're like, okay, well, we're actually working on a new version, and Microsoft's like, well, we wanted to work with our new Xbox, and then they start, you know what I mean? I think that's that's a smart call. Uh, so I just wrote down for you, for your guesses, uh, Oculus Xbox uh, new version, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, so for me, this is I have a bunch of predictions, so I'm trying to go through here. Um, I'll throw out one that I'm not going to use just because I think it's interesting. One of my predictions was that Crackdown 3, State of Decay 2, uh, and Sea of Thieves all come out this fall, which I don't think is crazy. I could easily see one of those falling to next year, especially like Sea of Thieves. I could see that being uh, spring next year. But that was one of my predictions. But I'm not going to go with that one, though. Um, I think my last one I think is going to be my craziest one. I think this one's a little crazy, too. Uh, sorry, I'm just trying to debate what I want to go with. I'll jump in if you want. Uh, no, because you, you guys already did two each. I want to make sure we just go online so I don't have to double time it. Okay, I, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I went with. Um, earlier we talked about Killer Instinct and kind of how Microsoft's fallen away from that. Like they did a couple of seasons and they kind of fallen away from updating Killer Instinct, right? I think it was a good game. It performed really well for them. Um, but I do think that Xbox is missing uh, a fighting game, right? Like 
you Street Fighter is synonymous with PlayStation. Uh, they showed off Tekken last year, but I still Tekken is like it's a third party game that comes up for everything. I don't, if anything, I relate Tekken more to PlayStation than Xbox, right? Yeah, Tekken's been at the PlayStation conferences, hasn't it? Like, oh uh, no, last I know it was year at PSX. Last year it was at Xbox. Uh, it was at PlayStation as well, but it was at Xbox, which is kind of weird. But I think a franchise that can return and. I don't think this will be exclusive as far as it only comes out on this platform, but I do think there will be something exclusive for Xbox, as I think we see Soul Calibur 6, uh, 5, sorry, uh, uh, no, 6, yeah, 6, I'm right, Soul Calibur 6 at Xbox's stage. Um, I think it's a good reveal of, uh, for people who know what Soul Calibur is and for people who don't know what Soul Calibur is, because it's a fighting game with interesting characters, and it's a game in which you can make it feel like an Xbox exclusive with... Uh, uh, an Xbox character thrown in or something like that. Maybe they they do the crazy thing where, uh, you know, Soul Calibur comes out for all of them and they have an exclusive character on each. That would be cool. I think that'd be awesome. Um, but I do, I could easily see us seeing Soul Calibur there. Um, so that's, really that's quick, I just want to say Soul Calibur is a fucking dope name. Yeah, I yeah. do. Some, I like how they do it where, like, their fighting games have, like, weird quests too where you can get weapons for characters. Uh, if you guys remember when we had uh, the three characters that were exclusive to each system... Um, that was pretty cool too, especially Link being in a Soul Calibur game, which is really weird. Yeah, so that's my second prediction. Uh, Dom, what's your third one? I said this when we were doing predictions overall for 2017 back in December. I'll say it again here. I think we see a new Fable game at E3. Okay. Like a mainline. I don't think it's a number. I don't think it's Fable 4, but I think it's Fable, you know, colon Something. whatever yeah. subtitle. Yeah. Okay. I think it's plausible. Um, so it's an easy one. Yeah, exactly. That's also a game that, like, even if you... Though I would want to see gameplay, they could easily get away with just a cinematic trailer, right? And pull on people's heartstrings of wanting a new Fable. So I think that could be something that's early in development, but is like, uh, this is in the this is coming, you know? So, uh, Jordan, what's your last prediction? So I think that, um, to be perfectly honest, I feel like... I just can't see any monetary reason for Marvel to um, make an exclusive. This has to do with my prediction. All right, all right. <laughs> did I go back in time? Like, I can't see any reason for Marvel to have an exclusive Xbox game monetarily, but I can see plenty of other licenses or plenty of other licensees, I should say, uh, or licensors. I don't know. Fucking a. I don't know. Anyways, I think you're absolutely going to see some other type of licensed game at Xbox. Uh, maybe a smaller scale franchise that's like, hey, you know, Sony doesn't really want to fuck with us. They don't really care enough to fuck with us. But it'd still be great to have our game on Xbox. Okay, so licensed game that's not Marvel is what I'm writing down. <laughs> um, yeah. I kind of, for my third prediction, I kind of want to go directly at you and say no Marvel game is happening. But... I have a couple of other ideas. So Jeez. I was debating between what I'm is actually going to be my third prediction and them announcing another main another non-mainline Halo game, which I think is really plausible. The fact that they've made it, they've already stated that it's not going to. They're not releasing Halo Three Anniversary, and they're not really they're not showing off Halo Six. But they've stated like there's stuff in the works, and they've been really like cagey about it. Um, you know, Reach was huge with people. ODST was a mixed bag. Uh, Halo Wars 2, I don't think is a direct correlation because it is in the Halo universe, but it's not a Halo game. You know what I mean? It's not a shooter. Um, so that was one of my predictions is that there may be a non-mainline Halo game, but I'm kind of going away from that because I want to do something a little bit more, uh, 
bold, I guess. Um, so my prediction is that the re- it's going to be the return of the Summer of Arcade. If you guys don't remember, Summer of Arcade was a huge event for Xbox and Xbox 360. Every year during the summertime, they had a release of a bunch of indie games, fantastic indie games. That's where Super Meat Boy uh, debuted, Castle Crashers, Limbo, a bunch of games. Like, Summer of Arcade was huge. And I think over the course of this generation, both Sony Sony and Microsoft have had um, partnerships with indie devs, and we've talked about indie devs, but I don't think they've made it enough of a case to make events specifically for releases for indie games, right? Like these big events. And I think Phil Spencer realizes that Summer of Arcade was huge for Xbox because it made indie games an event and it made people care about indie games more, right? More than just us three that know about indie games and talk about them, it made indie games matter to the general gamer, quote-unquote. So, my prediction is that Summer of Arcade returns. Not only does it return, it's going to come out with Below is going to release, Cuphead's going to release, Tacoma's going to release, Pitfall's going to release, which is the the Behemoth game. Those are four stud games. If they come out, they're good. Cuphead's the only question mark. I think Tacoma's going to be a fantastic game no matter what. Below, I have faith in Cappy. Uh, Pitfall, Behemoth makes great games too. Cuphead, I think, will be good, but it's going to depend on how how tough that development process has been. But I do think that it might not be those four games specifically, but I do think some of Arcade Returns, and I do think it is a good launch into Scorpio. I think that they're going to make an event out of it of this game comes out, this game comes out, this game comes out. Xbox is the place to play the indies, and we're proving it by sh- showcasing this event. So that's what yeah. that's my well. Philosophy. Sony certainly wasn't helping out the Indies last year, so <laughs> yeah. if anybody is, it's got to be Xbox, you know. Exactly, and I had a bunch of other things like as far as like I thought of like a Viva Pinata reboot, uh, Blue Dragon oh, sequel. Oh fuck, that'd be dope. Um, I'd love a Viva Pinata reboot. I think they should do that. Those were good selling games. My other prediction that I had a tough time not saying was I could easily see Xbox making a Banjo Kazooie remaster. Just making those games beautiful again, especially they've seen the fervor for Crash and they've seen the fervor for Ukulele. Though Ukulele didn't turn out to be everything people wanted, though it was exactly what they wanted. They just don't remember that Banjo wasn't as good as they remember. Um, but I, I do think that the Microsoft could pull on those heartstrings too of like going back to them having exclusives for people. They own Banjo Kazooie, make a remaster. That doesn't take a lot of investment as far as money, it doesn't take a lot of investment in terms of a time, but it does get you a lot of goodwill, right? And Phil Spencer knows how to earn goodwill, so I could have definitely seen a Banjo remaster. Um, and then the last thing I wrote down was Devil May Cry. Like, I could definitely see that showing up on Microsoft stage. Because um, that's one of those games that, like, Sony has a bunch of other games that are going to be bigger, that they're like, we would like to have, like, kind of like Shadow of, of War. It's like, we, could, we would like to have Devil May Cry, but we just don't have room for it. Sorry. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but that's, I think we, we went pretty long on Xbox, which is good, because we had a lot of talk about I think... I think you guys can say agree with me or disagree with me. I think this this E3 is the most important to Xbox. Uh, PlayStation is kind of like they don't, they don't want to fail or do bad or anything, but they don't need to do anything crazy and they'll still be fine as far as uh, in terms of eyes of gamers. I think Nintendo is in a good place. They do need to win people over for the future of Switch, but I think Xbox, because of all of the talk of them not having exclusives and all this stuff, I do, do think... Maybe it's not the most important to them, but they have the most to, most ground to make up. I think is a better way to put that, right? They have the most uh, to gain from this, I guess. So, we'll see. Interesting, though. I think uh, hopefully we get some predictions right. Unfortunately, we didn't have a guest this week, but it's fine. Um, I agree with what you just said, by the way. 
Yeah. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of other E3 podcasts coming out this week for each of the conferences. E3 week. Today we're talking about EA, Bethesda, and Ubisoft. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Hi, everyone. I'd like to tell you about the Church of Jehovah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Jordan, how's it going, Jordan? I know it's been out for a minute, but I highly recommend everyone go see Alien Covenant. And uh, special guest, special returning guest, Blessing. How's it going, Blessing? Yo, how's it going, man? It's going good. Uh, glad to have you back. It's been a while. Uh, last time you were on, you talked about Persona, but um, you're always talking about Persona, so we don't know exactly <laughs> how long ago that was. Um, yeah, so basically the itinerary for today, we're going to be talking about the EA conference uh, and what we expect from this year, then going over predictions, and then doing the same thing for Bethesda and Ubisoft. Uh, we figured last year we did each one individually. We figured, you know, it's too much work. <laughs> We're just going to mash them all into one because that's easier. So I'm going to go over EA's conference. Feel free to uh, jut in whenever you feel necessary. I'm just going to go over what they did last year, and then we can talk about what our expectations are for this year. Um, so essentially they started off with a Titanfall 2 single-player campaign. Um, this was rumored for a bit. We didn't know if it was actually happening. Then they came out and started their show with it, showing off the single-player campaign. And then they decided to release it alongside Battlefield 1 and Call of Duty. And no one bought it, unfortunately. Um, so that game was released. Um, then they came out next with Madden 17. Uh, same old, same old, really. Nothing new with Madden 17. The new features they always talk about and stuff like that. But nothing game-changing. Uh, followed up by Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, uh, so they didn't actually even show any gameplay here. I think the first gameplay we saw was at the PlayStation, uh, either PSX or the PlayStation Pro event. Um, so we just saw concept art and stuff like that. And that game came out to mixed reception, obviously. It seems like it's a better game now after multiple patches. Um, what's up next? So FIFA uh, 17, uh, they showed off that as well. They showed off the new single player campaign. Uh, they had this like actor, this British actor, come out on stage. And you was... don't know me, but you will. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, kind of, kind of perplexing there. But it's cool to see sports games adding a little bit more uh, content. Uh, you know, NCAA football that EA used to release had a Road to Glory mode, which is kind of like a single player mode. Madden's kind of had that with Road to Superstar, but it's nothing even close to single player campaign. So it was cool to see them take one of their sports franchises and inject it with a single player campaign because that's I think it's a really cool missing part of sports games. Um, it was absolutely fabulous, Jared. Just incredible. Yeah, and that's actually another big piece of news, too, um, that since last year's E3, Peter Moore has left EA. He's no longer working with EA. He now uh, is a manager for a uh, European soccer club. So they have new leadership there as well. <laughs> Where um, publisher heads usually go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the um, natural career jump, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, they had the EA original segment where they talked about them publishing indie games from smaller people. We had, um, I need your guys' help on this one. What was the name of the yarn game with the little red yarn dude that they uh, released? Unraveled. 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 Yarny. Yarny. Oh, wasn't Yarny? <laughs> that was the Yarny game. was the character, but the game was Unraveled. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. this was kind of, that kind of jump-started this initiative, and then they actually made a name for it, which is EA Originals. They showed off Fee or Faye. I don't remember exactly how they pronounced Fee. it. Fee. Fee. Um, really interesting looking games. That game still has no release date, um, which is weird that these uh, these big publishers have these indie games that are kind of not meeting deadlines. And I mean, the publishers have no control over. Well, they do have control over it, but like they're not. They don't have in-house development, right? They're kind of like. We'll That's what I was going to ask. Is that are they developing that first party? I thought they were. No, it's a it's a, a French studio uh, or a European okay. studio that they're like we'll publish it for you. Same thing with Unraveled. It was an so independent developer. So this isn't developer. a UBR situation. No, 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 not even close. Um, 
And the next up, they talked about the new Battlefront, which we didn't know was going to be Battlefront 2, but we kind of insinuated it was. Um, they talked about the future of Battlefront, yada, yada, yada. Then we saw a glimpse at a uh, visceral Star Wars game with uh, Amy Hennig, where we kind of saw that guy walk out into like this desert-filled Star Wars planet, and that's pretty much all we saw. Uh, and then we saw Respawn playing with mocap with a bunch of lightsabers for their Star Wars game. <laughs> and then uh, they capped off the show with Battlefield 1, which was their big return to, you know, people were getting tired of these modern-day shooters, so they returned to World War I, um, and then they eventually had the beta that led into the release of Battlefield 1. Uh, pretty good year. Out of everything that they um, showed off, there was, um, it was half and half, really, about what they released and what didn't release. Uh, Faye, or Fee, I, keep, I still don't know how to pronounce that. You said it earlier, and I still messed it up. Yeah, that has no release date. Battlefront 2 comes out later this year, so it didn't release. Visceral and Respawn, we have no idea when those games are coming. And uh, But Battlefield 1, Titanfall 2, Madden 17, FIFA, and Andromeda all came out. Um, I have a couple of questions for you guys in regards to what we expect this year. And then we can kind of bounce off of that. So are we going to see the Star Wars games, the Visceral and Respawn? Are we seeing more of those? Are they getting their unveiling, their grand unveiling? One of them. Yes. I think the uh, the respawn game is uh, they just announced that last year, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that we knew I'm in the pretty pipeline sure they just announced that they were working on it last year. Yeah, I think we, that's newer. Well, no, we yeah. knew from the from the announcement with EA, we knew that Visceral uh, respawn were working on a Star Wars game and Dice. Um, last year was the first time they showed them working on. Uh, the Star Wars game. We knew they were going to be working on it, but we didn't know that they were going to work on it before they finished Titanfall 2. So them showing them playing with the lightsabers was our first indication that they're currently working on it uh, simultaneously as they're working on Star Wars. Right, so regardless, it it just goes to show that they... I don't think they're very far into development there. I mean, maybe we'll get a CG trailer for the Respawn game, but I think it's... It is fucking time for that Amy Hennig game to be yeah. rolling up to our doorstep. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. It's, I, yeah. think, I think we'll get a review for that, that one. Yeah, I think that they've kind of messed that up because this whole like guy walking out of Mos Eisley Cantina is not that exciting. And I feel like the industry as a whole is just giving them a lot of leeway with that specific project because oh, Amy Hennig has this pedigree of writing such great stories in the in video games so i think that's only going to stretch so far um and it's getting to the point where they need to unveil it for real uh yeah i do you guys think that i mean with battlefront coming out this year i doubt they'd release two major star wars games in the same year so do you think they unveil visceral's game they're like oh here it is but it's coming out like next year do you think that's going to happen yeah. yeah um that sounds on point yeah, it's interesting. Um, do you think it'll have a multiplayer component, considering Battlefront's like the Star Wars multiplayer game, or do you think this is going to be single-player focused? I oh, would I think say single-player single focused. focused. Yeah. Like, because I think when you when you think of Star Wars, and you think of it in the gaming space, like, I think they, uh, Disney slash Star Wars has, like, a, such a good uh, grasp of how to uh, diversify what they have, and so, like, Battlefront has the multiplayer space covered and I think that I mean the thing that kind of sucks but maybe is a positive for Battlefront is that the first game didn't really have like a core single player campaign mode but like a lot of people complained about that but I think that was their plan was that like okay we'll have this take up the space for multiplayer then we'll have another game take up the space for single player um but this one this next Battlefront 2 game is going to have a single player mode but I don't think that'll stop like 
uh, I don't think that'll affect the visceral game at all. Like, I think that'll still be like the the game that you go to for a Star Wars single player experience. Yeah, the I think the respawn one may have a multiplayer component later on, right? But yeah, I'm with you. I think the, the visceral game is going to be pretty much just solo stuff. Yeah. See, that's that's playing to their strengths though, because respawn is clearly geared exactly. towards multiplayer with their yep. Call of Duty and Titanfall pedigree, and then obviously Amy Hedig writing single player stories. That's where their focus is going to be, I think. And then, I mean, the interesting thing too is going to be um, where they choose to release this next year, right? Um, are they going to go for the, the normal fall slot? Um, and then with with single player, it, do you think these the so the Battlefront Two story is taking place in, in stuff that's already canon, right? It's taking place in events we already know. Do you think the visceral and/or respawn games are going to be? Uh, they're going to be canon, but you think they're going to be stories in places we haven't seen before? You think they're going to be familiar? Like when do you think they're going to take place in the timeline overall? I think they're going to be old trilogy because uh, that's. I, I just don't think you want to put a bunch of games out right now that are prequel trilogy focused. Like that's. I just don't think that's going to do as well as if you're playing to the nostalgia of the old trilogy and maybe pushing into For- Force Awakens territory. Um, but, you know, the shot of the guy walking out of Mos Eisley is, like, clearly that's, you know, the uh, the vibe from from old trilogy because Mos Eisley isn't in the prequel trilogy. So I think um, it's certainly not going to be, like, Old Republic or anything like that. So I'd say original trilogy. Uh, yeah, okay. I'd say, like, to bounce... Sorry, to like bounce off that, I think uh, they won't. I don't think they'll touch the prequel tr- uh, trilogy uh, because, like, with the new movies, um, I think the whole idea that they have is that they want to they want to market the new movies based off of the success of the older movies, and they want to invoke the feeling of the older movies. And so, I could see it being another one of another games like add to like the uh, stretch between maybe the the old trilogy and the new trilogy. Um, I can see it being in between like six and seven or something like that, or maybe even like fully in in the new trilogy or fully in the old trilogy. Yeah. Um, so the last question I want to leave here with EA before we get into our predictions is: um, Do you think we're going to see the new IP? We've heard about this new IP, clean sheet design, all of these weird, you know, buzzwords. They stated that it's not coming out this year. It's already been delayed to the fiscal year of 2018 or 2019. You're talking about Bioware's new IP? Um, yes, Bioware's new IP. Um, do you think we're going to see it? So the interesting thing is we've already seen kind of this backlash for, for EA with them showing just concept art and concept art. They did it for the Star Wars games. They did it for Mass Effect. It's going to be – so if they learn from this, do you think they're going to show off the new IP and show off gameplay? Or do you think they're just going to go quiet on it until they can show gameplay? Or do you think they're going to make the same mistake and show concept art for this new IP? Like, What, what do you think the, the position they're going to take with this as far as showing it off? I'm thinking some real generic dev diary interview kind of crap that does classic EA. Right. Oh, yeah. I think what everybody loves. Yeah. That's what I'm expecting. Not maybe we get a glimpse into like this setting um, and maybe a tiny bit of something, what the gameplay will be like, but otherwise I don't, I don't think a title or anything, just some garbage that, you know, some generic, you know, PR dev speak about immersion or yeah. disruption. Clearly, Clearly, EA hasn't learned from watching Microsoft and Sony's awesome conferences these last few years, and they don't get that we don't want to fucking see dev diaries at E3 when we could watch that shit on YouTube any fucking day. So I think that they're going to continue with that, unfortunately, 
However, with this new IP specifically, I'm not quite sure because um, obviously they've had a lot of backlash, Bioware has, with Mass Effect, and uh, then they just delayed, well, seemingly delayed this uh, new game coming out. So if you had asked me a while back, I might have said differently, but I don't think, I think they might be pulling the reins back, Bioware uh, specifically. And there's like an opposite, sorry, go ahead, Lessing. I was going to say, I think we'll see it because I think they want to get away from Mass Effect, uh, seeing as how that was not received well by, like, anyone. Um, and I, th- I, I think we will see... I would assume we would see, like, a trailer. I think Don was on point with, with, like, I think we'll see something, even if it's not, like, a full reveal, even if we don't get a name, there will at least be, like, some kind of footage, maybe, like, images of, like, concept or whatever, because that's what EA likes to do, even though, like, nobody likes it. But I don't think that... I agree with you guys in the fact that I don't think that they learned that well from it. Something that we haven't mentioned is the fact that Mass Effect's got to be getting DLC at some point. Whether we or not hear it. it was a it was a good game, <laughs> it was a good game. But um, I mean, they mentioned before the game came out that there were going to be expansion packs, and so I feel like this would probably be the time. Maybe they could just um, push Mass Effect into a new positive light with these if they really nail these expansions and have updates coming out alongside that even uh, improve further what they've already been working on and then that way by the time later on this year or maybe early next year that they're ready to unveil this new IP then they don't have this negative spotlight on them. Well and that could be a good, uh, if they if they do the Mass Effect Andromeda DLC at the end that sets up a very good oh and one more thing and they can show up just a brief teaser of the new IP. We don't even know what it is. They don't need to show concept art if they learn like we don't even need a gameplay trailer. They could just show a short cinematic and the conference that way and leave us guessing, right? Hopefully they learn, like we said, they haven't in the past. I just want a, a one-word answer for you guys for this, and then I want to move on to predictions. Will an athlete come out on stage? Yes. Absolutely. Wait, 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 wait. Athlete is in. The guy that came out last year, he wasn't an athlete. He was an actor. Well, you can so, take it either way, an actor or a real athlete. Somebody portraying an athlete or an actual athlete. Either way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, Pele two years ago, and then this guy last year, I think the answer is and, yes. And Madden's getting a single player this year, so there might be some dude come out in a full football gear. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, I, I, said, um, I said Steph Curry earlier. I take that back. Clint Dempsey. Okay. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Or, oh, I don't man, know. If Tom Brady comes on Jared... a stage, I'm turning off the conference. What? <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, could we take guesses at what we think this new IP is? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll throw mine out first, because I think... Uh, I don't have much to say. I think it's a hero shooter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a superhero game. Hmm. Okay. It's licensed? Uh, no, un- uh, totally like infamous unlicensed. They create their own superhero. Okay. Or I think it's going to be like Mass Effect where you create your own superhero. I have. I got nothing. I think hero shooter is on point. But I wouldn't know since they have the they have both the fantasy and the sci-fi settings down with Mass Effect and Dragon Age, and so I have no idea. I'm combining a superhero shooter. <laughs> I'd be down. Yeah, like an Overwatch-ish. Like a bunch of Punishers going after each other? Ooh, post-apocalyptic would be interesting, them competing with Bethesda. Yeah. That's um, my answer, yeah. So I think get... Jordan's close, because they, they've said action game several times about it, and that's about it, so I think something more 
actiony and less you know RPG. Well, and then the interesting thing too is Marvel's talked about wanting the video game realm to create their own stories, their own narrative, their own universe, and they actually talked about how eventually Marvel wants the video game space to create new superheroes for Marvel. Like they're super down with entrusting them to create oh, new brands fuck. for Marvel. So imagine if yeah, EA, like, like EA cre- like they create a new superhero for Marvel. That'd be crazy. Yeah, I mean this is DC, but Harley Quinn was created in Batman the Animated Series and then came into the comics. So that's that'd be so fucking dope if it's like, oh, this superhero came from a video game originally. Well, and it's interesting, Bill Roseman, the guy who controls Marvel games, is he talked about how the old way of Marvel doing things is they they viewed video games as a way to uh, license their stuff, right? We saw that obviously, but now they've seen how fast video games grow, and they see the dollar signs more importantly. And from a creative aspect, he said that now they see it as a third pillar, so they see it as a place where they can actually, like the Harley Quinn situation, where they they're fine with them creating their own narratives and not having to play on other things and giving it to people they entrust to create great things. And um, somebody asked him like, "Well, what do you think about uh, you know them creating new superheroes in the Marvel universe?" And he's like, "That's one of our goals. Is we want these." developers and designers to create new characters that stand alone in the video game realm i think that's cool music to my fucking ears uh really quick we're going a little long on ea let's get into our predictions uh blessing you have the choice since you're the guest would you like to go first or last um i can go first why not uh i think at a certain point uh a burnout successor will be revealed um i think and the reason i think this is because well one we got those like dumb uh, dev diaries kind of thing with like the footage of like this off-road like multi-vehicle yeah. uh, game that they just where you at Criterion um, yeah where is Criterion because like they make some of the best racing games and also like we haven't seen a Need for Speed game in what feels like too long which is weird for me to say because there's a certain point where I felt like we're getting too many um, and so I think <laughs> well they'll definitely like... be there they've already talked about that oh have oh yeah I guess I, I guess they have I think I forgot that they talked about that but like either I, I, I guess either Need for Speed or a Criterion racing game or both like has has to be there. See, that's my thing is Burnout might as well just be fucking dead because EA realized, oh, we've got two of the biggest arcade racing franchises and we're cannibalizing our own sales. So mm-hmm. let's pick the bigger, pick the bigger one. Then we'll move the Criterion from uh, Burnout over to Need for Speed Most Wanted, and then that basically worked out really well for them it seems like and so you know you've got former criterion devs just in may released uh do you guys know what that game's called where it's just like dangerous basically golf? something it's like just or crash out or burn yeah it's like yeah. it's zone? only the the crash mode from burnout essentially and so yeah that, even zone. they've moved on you know they've moved on and of course there's a lot of former criterion developers that branched off to make ghost ghost is the one that now makes the need for speed game so um it's looking less and less likely that burnout will ever return especially since criterion is seemingly working on this you know atv off-road deal uh with the buggies and such so um it is time for criterion to reveal their game no doubt but um i'm just really sad to say i don't think it will it will be burnout Hmm. Uh, Jordan, what's your your uh, prediction? So, um, <laughs> we've actually talked about all of mine, even my backups. So, go to Dom real quick, and uh, I'll have a new one for you. Okay. <laughs> all right. So I got um, 
I got FIFA being shown, um, the version of FIFA specifically for the Switch being shown at E3 show. Um, and the reason I think this is worth of a, a prediction is I don't think Nintendo shows it at theirs, right? Like they did at the Switch presentation. I think they kind of go on the ag aggressive side and get this shown at um, at EA's. And on top of that, I'll say it doesn't. It's not FIFA 18. I think it gets its own name, right? Like FIFA Switch Edition, something like that, which people are going to be fussy about. But oh, that works hand in hand with the athlete coming out, and then whoever's running EA playing it on stage with the athlete, like they each have a Joy-Con and they're playing FIFA. Oh god! <laughs> and, and then they, <laughs> and then they show something cheesy like that same athlete, like a like a trailer of him playing Switch FIFA in the locker room and then running out onto the field. After Holding the no. Switch, like running out onto the field <laughs> still Jesus playing. Just tossing it as he's... Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> okay, so Jordan, did anything come to you? Oh, I got you, man. Um, so it's this is actually kind of uh, in line with Dom's. I think that EA is clearly going to see the uh, success that Nintendo's having with the Switch. Exactly. So they're going to go hard on that, even if... Um, they don't have a ton of stuff ready to go. I just think they're going to give you a general vibe of, hey, we're coming. We're going to be on the Switch. We're going to support it. We're we're going to um, be there with the games. And so I think um, part of a, a big part of that is going to be that they are going to open up EA Access and put it on more platforms. And I think it'll be on Switch and PlayStation 4 by the end of the year. Mm, interesting. Bold. Mm. Uh, I, I guess I want to up uh, up you with uh, boldness. Um, so Bioware has multiple teams. Uh, they obviously have this the smaller team, the the rookie team working on Andromeda. They have their A team working on this new IP. Um, but they also have like Bioware Austin and a couple other teams. Um, I think it's time, boys. I think we're getting a new Dragon Age. It's been three years since Inquisition. Mm. I think this kind of lends its hand to what Blessing stated earlier of Bioware kind of wanting to not necessarily separate from Mass Effect Andromeda, but they definitely want to earn some good graces with gamers as soon as possible. And if they have their other IP delayed and they might not want to show too much of it, right, or they don't have too much ready, um, I think a good way of getting in the good graces again is showing off a new Dragon Age game. Um, Dragon Age Inquisition was a good game, one good uh, game of the year for quite a bit of outlets. Uh, it was mixed, though. Some people didn't really like it. Um, but I do think it's been enough time. Um, it was two years between Dragon Age and Dragon Age 2, and then uh, three years between Dragon Age 2 and Dragon Age Inquisition. It's going to be three years now since Inquisition. So even if it's coming out next year, uh, I could definitely see us uh, getting some kind of uh, preview of it. Uh, Dragon Age is a series that hits you know, uh, a market that EA hasn't released a game for since Inquisition. They don't have any other fantasy games, really. So, I think we definitely see Dragon Age this year. That's my, my prediction. And I think it comes out before December of next year. It'll release before wow. December 2018. So, what I want to discuss here is, I've been thinking really hard about this, Jared, because I'm a fan. Big fan of Bioware, big fan of Mass Effect and Dragon Age, and I've been thinking... The original plan was for Mass Effect to be out last year, right? And yeah. so I was thinking they were probably, EA's probably thinking Mass Effect in 16, and then uh, the new IP either late 17, early 18, and then maybe late 18, early 19, we get Dragon Age. But everything's clearly been jumbled up, and I don't think that's messed with the Dragon Age 
development, you know? Yeah. So I think that Dragon Age has probably just been on schedule this whole time, and it's just going to be ready when it's ready. So you may be totally right. Yeah, because, like, Dragon Age has a huge audience, but they're they're not as vocal or as... I mean, Dragon Age didn't suffer the Mass Effect 3 ending controversy, right? So they haven't had to deal with any of that stuff. Though Dragon Age Inquisition was mixed for the most part, it did win Game of the Year. Like it was a very solid game. And it's one of those games that can benefit from just incubating and then announcing it when it's ready, right? So, yeah, that's my, my prediction, uh, New Dragon Age. Uh, let's move on, though. We're going to move on to Bethesda. Uh, they had a, a good conference, not as many announcements. Uh, so we'll go through those, the same thing, same rigmarole. Um, they start off with Quake Champions, which is their new, new hero shooter. No release date yet. It's been in beta this whole time. So we could definitely see a release date for that. Interesting that they went PC exclusive. Kind of makes sense. I don't really know any people that are on console that love Quake. I think you only you only earn more cred by going PC exclusive, and I think it's huge for them. I think they kind of weighed their options, and they realized that it wouldn't be... They could focus on making a great game for PC instead of worrying about porting it to other places. And I don't think people would be too mad about it not coming to console, right? So I think that was a smart decision. Uh, next up, Elder Scrolls Legends. They talked about it. Uh, and then it eventually released. Uh, it's their second mobile game they've kind of dove into. It seems like it's having decent success as far as sales uh, through microtransactions. Their first one was Fallout Shelter, uh, which they also talked about during their show, the PC port of that. Um, and then next up was the Fallout 4 DLC, uh, which included Nuka World, uh, the robot building DLC, and uh, a couple of others. Um, those came out. People enjoyed that DLC. Uh, kind of made up for the lackluster parts of Fallout 4. Uh, then the Skyrim Special Edition was shown off, the remaster of uh, Skyrim, which came out to all current platforms. Um, and then they showed off Prey, which recently came out uh, over the last month. And uh, then I already talked about Fallout Shelter. They had the Doom DLC, which also came out. Um, they showed off Doom in VR, and then they also announced that Fallout 4 in VR is coming in 2017. Um, Oculus exclusive, I believe, right, Dom? Well... We we'll talk assumed. about that later. Yeah, yeah, okay. But yeah. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, they closed out the show with Dishonored 2, which also came out. So they actually had a really good track record of literally everything they talked about came out except for Quake Champions and Fallout 4 VR. Everything released. Um, so I like once again, I have a couple of questions for you guys um, of what you guys anticipate and stuff like that. Um, my first question for you guys is, will we see Skyrim on Switch at Bethesda Conference? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm gonna say yes. I, I, either at Bethesda or at Nintendo, one of the two. But I we'll think see both. It. I think you'll see it at both. Maybe both. Yeah. A uh, small little prediction here or bet with you guys. Really quick question. We can move on. One word answer. Is it going to be the remaster or is it going to be the OG? Just say OG or remaster. What do you guys think it's going to be? A new one. Yeah, I think it's going to be a third version because yeah. they're going to take the special edition and downgrade it. Okay. Interesting. I agree. And they're not going to be able to call it the special edition for that yeah. specific reason. It's going to be Skyrim yeah, Switch or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, and by the way, when I say I think it'll be at Nintendo and Bethesda, I think it'll be at Nintendo's Treehouse, but not in their direct. Okay. Uh, next question for you guys, um, and this isn't a one-word answer. Obviously, you guys can talk about it. We've seen Elder Scrolls Legends. We've seen Fallout Shelter. Will we see a new mobile game this year from Bethesda? No. I'm going to say yeah. I'll, I, I think it'll be based off of either... Well, I think it'll be based off of a new IP that they announced at the conference. Hmm. 
That's my that's my assumption. Maybe not a new IP, but a new game that they announced at the conference. Okay. But I think so we'll I'm, see one. So I'm saying no, just because Elder Scrolls Legends did release on PC and just recently on iPad, but not yet on iPhone or Android at all, um, unless it's already happened since I last read that. But I think they show more of Elder Scrolls Legends. Uh, so you think that's going to be their mobile thing is like, it's coming iOS and Android finally. Sure. But I, I also don't think they're done with mobile games, and they probably will make another one eventually. Do you think they'd go like Fallout Shelter 2? No, because no. they just brought that to PC, didn't they? And they're still in the last year. A lot of yeah. updates. Just th- just throwing stuff out there for you guys. Um, yeah, I think um, no, because I think you know Bethesda. I feel like at this point is a lot smarter than EA. Knows the gaming populace a lot better, and so they know that um, they've had Fallout Shelter, they've had Elder Scrolls, and I don't think they're going to want to keep shoving mobile down hardcore gamers' throats. I feel like they got their biggest franchises that needed uh, mobile games out there, and so I think they'll lay off, hopefully. Okay, so let's get this out of the way, because people like to hear this, and I think it's an easy answer. The pie in the sky that everyone dreams for Bethesda is they do a Fallout 4, but for, for Elder Scrolls. Do you guys think we're seeing it? I'm a hard no. I don't think there's a chance no. in how we see that game this year. Nope. Nope. No. That's far, Wait, that's you're very talking far about away. Elder Scrolls 6? Yeah. Um, I think... The Elder Scrolls series, yeah. The next one. Yeah. Oh wait, are you talking about like? Wait, can, oh, can you say that again? Because I, I was thinking you meant like online, like a follow-up yeah, yeah, online. Or yeah, something. Oh no, 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 no! I'm saying, is there a chance that we see the next entry after Skyrim, Elder Scrolls Six? Yeah. Oh, no. I think I think so. Well, no. <laughs> wait, hold on, Dom. You're gonna have to help me here about the timeline with Fallout because it is Bethesda Studios. You know, they switch Proper. between the two games. Yeah, yeah exactly. And Skyrim, so they're not working Skyrim on came both out in 2011. Like 11, 11, 11. Then Fallout 4 came out in 2015? 15. Yep. Yeah. And then they did DLC all last year. Um, I think, so they had like two sets of DLC, right? They had like two seasons almost. And so yeah. I think that once they got onto the second season, they just had a smaller group working on that. And the rest of them were on uh, Elder Scrolls. But it still might be a year too early. Man, I don't know. That's my cl- tough. I think I think they they like to take their time. It, it won't be there this year. My biggest thing is I think that, and I don't think either of these things are happening. Let me just preface by saying that. But I think we're more likely to see a Fallout New Vegas for Fallout Four type thing oh, than yeah. we are to see the next Elder Scrolls major. And totally forgot about that. It's like Fallout yeah. New Orleans, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is the well, rumor. And also, so. also remember, they didn't even say or officially confirm Fallout 4 until six months before it released, right? Exactly. So I think they might follow that same model with Elder Scrolls 6 where they're not going to talk about it until it's really know, about done. And we'll, and we'll get the rumors and stuff like we do with Fallout 4 uh, beforehand too. We'll yeah. see. I don't think we'll get the same rumors because they're not going to be at the Skyrim College taking pictures or whatever, you know, like they were with Boston College and fallout they can't they're not those things are don't exist in our world so we're not going to catch them in the act i guess um really quick too um we didn't really touch on the wolfenstein before the show or evil within two possibly and the reason i did that is because that might be some people's predictions so we're not really going to talk about those but the next thing i want to talk about 
before we go into predictions is when Bethesda announced their conference they did it uh, calling their conference Bethesda Land and it, uh, they showed a picture of a theme park that's uh, Bethesda inspired they had Doom in there they had Fallout they had Elder Scrolls they had all of the franchises you'd expect two of the two of the sections of the theme park were under construction and one of the interesting things is one of the sections just said under construction Nothing there, just you know, a bunch of construction equipment. But the other one I thought was very interesting. When people design these things, especially with art, like ha it looks like hand-drawn art, right, uh, from one of their in-house artists, they know what they're doing. And they put little Easter eggs in there for a purpose, for the most part. Obviously, there could be some red herrings. But on the other one, the one that just doesn't say under construction, it says, pardon our dust. And it also says, coming soon. So the fact that that thing has both of those things leads me to... Uh, that it's obviously coming soon means it's a game that's going to be releasing pretty soon. Also, pardon our dust. That makes me feel like it's a franchise that they're gonna they're gonna bring back a franchise that hasn't been around before, and that's what got oh. me. Oh, yeah, pardon our dust. Like they're they're dusting it off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like which an archaeological dig. Which is interesting because a lot of their so I went I did some research and I went to Bethesda and I looked at all of the game properties they owned or they published right. And I was looking at a lot of them. A lot of them, they're very good at upkeeping, right? Um, obviously, the Elder Scrolls, Fallout, all of these things that they Doom, uh, Wolfenstein, Evil Within. Those aren't really old. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go straight into predictions real quick because I want to give you guys my prediction. They had a series that came out. The last entry that came out was in 2001 called Magic and Mayhem, um, and it looked like it was pretty interesting and pretty good for the time, right? They haven't touched it since. So what Magic and Mayhem is, is it's actually a RTS game. It it looked a lot like what you would imagine a very early Diablo-esque game would look like. Now, the interesting thing is it was also referred to as Duels Magic or something like that, which whenever you think of Duels, you think of a card game. So for my prediction, I think that we're getting a Magic and Mayhem reboot. Um, I think it has enough of a name. It's a little generic, but it has enough of a name that can sell. So if you name a game Magic and Mayhem, here's the thing with my prediction, though. I don't know, and... I'm, I don't know if I'm going to commit to either one, but I think they're going to reboot Magic and Mayhem, and it could possibly be mobile. Um, it didn't seem like a very overly complicated game, and I think Magic and Mayhem lends itself to being a mobile game more than a console or PC game, right? I think Magic and Mayhem sounds like, oh, I was playing Magic and Mayhem. It sounds like a mobile game. And the way the game seemed, it was an RTS. It was Magic-based. You kind of don't want that being another big release because you kind of don't want it getting in the way of people being hyped for Elder Scrolls, right? So I could definitely see them rebooting it and making it a mobile game. And I think it's a game that it's not going to take a lot of investment from them or it's not going to it's not going to be a high risk option, but it could definitely pay dividends as far as the mobile market. Like we've seen that even if you have a big name franchise, it doesn't necessarily translate to making money on mobile. So I think they're willing to take the risk with the success of Fallout Shelter and Elder Scrolls Legends to reboot this this dead franchise and try to get something out of it. Um and I don't know if it's just, it's just going to be one of those throw-ins in the show or they're actually going to delve into it. But that's my prediction is I think we're going to see Magic and Mayhem come back. Um, I could be reading A too much into one the... if I do say so myself. Yeah. Dude, I totally thought you were going to say IHRA Racing for oh, like God. PS1. I thought you were going to say that they, they were going to bring that back. And if you did, I would have like, started clapping for you because that would have been like <laughs> the most like bold prediction I've ever heard. God, Jesus. Uh... I went a little bold, but... I mean, it's just Magic and Mayhem is a series that not all any of us are familiar with. And I was looking at it, and they made multiple games in the series. 
And the thing that they put part in our dust, and they made sure to put that on one of the two things. I may be reading too much into it, but that's what we do here. So um, that was my no, prediction. I like that, Jared. That's very cunning of you. Yeah. Uh, and what, what's your guys' who wants to go first or go next, rather? Let me, so let I'll me go first in. so that no one can take my predictions. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Good point. Um, so I think that I, I, I was bouncing back and forth on this one, and um, – it's obviously very close to to the release of Prey, but I do think that we're going to get a teaser for an expansion pack there. Oh, good um, call. I yeah. don't think I don't think they've said anything about Prey DLC. There's no season pass or anything like that. So what I think we're going to get, there's no multiplayer in the game. I think it's going to be there's going to be Prey and there's going to be the Prey expansion, like just one fat DLC pack. There's not going to be all these challenge rooms and survivor maps and all that crap. It's just going to be one big expansion. And I think that um, Prey's obviously doing fine. I think it's, it, I don't know how it's selling, but I think the critical reception has been good enough to where it's going to warrant a DLC and probably even a sequel. That's a good call, so, though, because last year we had Doom come out. We had no idea of DLC. And then at E3, they had the right. thing talking about all the Doom DLC. So I think you're, you're golden yeah. with this. I think it's a really smart prediction. Exactly, because, um, like I said, it is right after the release of Prey, but. I think these publishers are really starting to realize when it comes to DLC, you need to get it while it's hot. Like people, this is not that long of a game. I mean, it's it's longer than most, uh, you know, story-based first-person shooters would be, but it's certainly not um, a Persona 5 that's going to take you 80 hours or so. So I think that people will be finishing up Prey around E3 and they'll be hungry for DLC, and I think Bethesda is smart enough to capitalize on that. Yeah, I think it's a good call. I think it's a... Uh, a very good call to anticipate that because they've already shown that they did that with Doom and it's like Prey released kind of in the same time slot as Doom and they showed off DLC last year so I think it's it's really yeah. smart and I think I mean with all of the issues it's had at release uh, it would I don't think they're gonna do this because but that's not that type of company but I would think it it'd be pretty cool if they announced the DLC the major expansion but then they threw in some little like some little uh, pieces of DLC that are like free, I think would be cool. Like maybe a right. cosmetic change or something. Um, I think that'd be pretty cool to throw in a little something for free just for the sure. issues that Prey had. I think that'd be cool. Um, yeah, you were trying to jump in too, Dom. What's your prediction before Jordan? Sorry, Dom. Make sure to so, rush in. Uh, so what I'm thinking is we get a big, big heaping helping of a Wolfenstein trailer. Um, Whatever they end up calling the new one, right? Was it Colossus or something like yeah. that? Yeah, new. Old, um, was it old Colossus? New, new Colossus. New Colossus. Yeah, new Colossus. That makes sense because new yeah. order. Yeah, something. Either way, um, I think we get a release year of 2018 for that game, and that's it. Nothing more specific. Uh, I think the assumption oh. for most people is that's going to be a fall game this year. I think that's getting pushed. No, I think, man, I think that's spring next year. Doom hit it, Prey hit it. That'd yeah, be perfect for exactly. Wolfenstein too. I don't know, man. I think that's their uh, CN6 months game like Fallout. Hmm. See, I think it's just not big enough, and they looked at yeah. the numbers from Dishonored 2, which released in November, yeah. and they're thinking, yeah. well, maybe it's all right if we give them an extra couple months to work on this um, Very let smart. it come out in Very the spring. Smart. So that's where I'm going with. Also, you and see it'll be shooter- great, by the way. You see how shooters do competing against the likes of any EA shooter and Call of Duty. So it's Plus like, let's you got, just move to the spring. You got Destiny coming out in, in September, so that earlier slot is kind of looking iffier, too, if yep. that's what you're going for. Exactly. Uh, and Blessing, close us out with these Bethesda predictions. 
Nice. So you guys are, are already covered like most of my predictions. I have one left, uh, which is uh, Tango GameWorks, who are the guys who did Evil Within. Of I think course. They'll, yeah, they'll reveal their new game, and I don't think it'll be Evil, Evil Within Two. Ooh, um, wow. I think I think it'll be a new IP. I think it'll be focused on action, and it'll be like a very gory kind of theme because that's what. Um, what's his name? Is it Shinji Megami? Is that who it is? I probably butchered Mikami. that. Megami. Um, Megami. Um, because he he's of course like the guy behind Resident Evil, um, four and like, uh, that's a very gory game. So I think it'll continue with the gore, but I think it'll be a Bloodborne or Bloodborne Dark Souls like game. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. So RPG ish. Interesting. Yes. So there... because that's like the hotness right now. Question for you. Uh, Yo. Uh, adding to your thing, Halloween is a Tuesday this year. Is it coming out on Halloween? Mm, mm, mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'll okay. say so. Just, say just so. finish. Yes. Just let it all out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I think that's close, but I feel like the Tango GameWorks was started for Mikami to make the games that he wanted, the survival game horror games that he wanted, and I feel like Evil Within was enough of a breakout success to warrant a sequel. And since I don't, I just don't think he's going to want to do two new IPs back to back. Also, after starting a brand new studio, so I feel like he's just going to stay on the evil within path. Well, more than mm-hmm. that, the uh, Bethesda probably that would be a hard sell to them because they want to you know keep yeah. the name the same because that's money, right? Right. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. What if what if Bethesda stated uh, as a publisher that they have and Bethesda Studios proper too that they have multiple projects? What if Blessings Half Right and it's not Tangle GameWorks necessarily does like a Souls S game, but it is okay. Bethesda does come out with a Souls S game because that is the hotness right now. That'd be interesting. I do yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think. We're going to see these big publishers releasing more of the... I don't think you'll see Souls-type games because of the how slow it is. That's not going to sell well. I think you're going to see the Bloodborne types where it's fast action, RPG elements, and you know maybe tough as nails. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Neo or like something that's more... Right. We're going to get Blood. a bunch more Neos. Yeah. Also, I think with that, and it's not I'm not dissing uh, Bloodborne by any means, it's a fantastic game, but I think too as far as translating it for people to be able to develop a Souls-like game and not be familiar with that type of game in development, I think it's easier to, to develop Bloodborne than it is Dark Souls because there's a lot more leeway with faster combat than slower combat because with slower combat you have to be a lot more precise, right? A lot more pixel perfect. And I think being a little yeah, bit quicker... Yeah, that's what I'm saying, it's not as... As they're neither of them are mainstream, but yeah. Bloodborne would be the more mainstream yeah. of the two. Um, next up, let's get into Ubisoft. Those are our, our predictions for Bethesda. I'm going to run down real quick, and then we'll go through our predictions and what we expect, as always. Um, so they started off with Just Dance, you know, the big surprise. No one saw it coming. Uh, Just Dance 2017. Um, that came out. Then it got announced for Switch, obviously. Um, next up, they showed off... First game ever announced for Switch, wasn't it? Yeah. They show. They talked about it. Or confirmed, I should say. Yeah, Dragon I don't Age. Think it would, Not Dragon Age. Sonic. Dragon Quest. Uh, well, no. Just Dance was the first one because they didn't even call it the Switch. It was at their press conference last year, and they said coming yeah, they to said NX. NX. Yeah. Mm. And um, then yeah, Blessing had the Sonic thing where uh, Sega just put NX at the bottom <laughs> of the commercial. Yeah. Uh, next up, they had Ghost Recon Wildlands, uh, which, if you didn't know, is the top-selling game so far this year, which. It's crazy, but a lot of people forget that The Division was uh, one of the best-selling games last year, um, so they know how to make games sell. That game came out as well. Um, two mixed reviews. I enjoyed it. I think Jordan enjoyed it as well. Um, 
The next up on the list was a game that was supposed to come out in last uh, during the last year between last E3 and this E3. South Park Fractured Behold. It got delayed and then it got delayed again. We finally have a release date, October 17th. I think this is great for people. Don't wait on it because it might get delayed again. Um, <laughs> Don't hold your breath, kids. They're they're perfectionists. And though I'm not a huge fan of South Park, I admire uh, uh, Parker and Stone for not wanting to release something that doesn't feel authentic. Um, and I think that they're willing to just keep delaying it and making sure it's a good game, right? Stick of Truth was a phenomenal game. People loved it. So I think they're they're willing to rather have a game come out that's true to South Park than to meet the gaming demands, right? So I do admire them for that, but it needs to come out. It's It's been delayed a couple of times. And it looks really interesting. It looks cool. You know, the first one played on fantasy tropes. This one's playing on the superhero genre. Uh, and all the jokes in there are super funny. Um, you know, making light of, like, the Black Panther coming so late and, like, superhero movies with females and stuff. It's really funny stuff. Um, social commentary. Next up, we had the Division DLC expansion that came out. Uh, like I said before, Division was one of the best-selling games last year. People tend to forget that, as we're seeing with Wildlands. Um, these, like, multiplayer-esque-based shooters for Ubisoft are selling like crazy. Uh, next up, they had their VR segment where they talked about Eagle Flight, which is a VR game where you played as an eagle. I think that went on a little too long. You kept hearing the caca of the eagle, and it was really annoying, in my opinion. Caca! Um, next up, they had Star Trek Bridge Crew, which is a VR game that looked like it was made in 1995. <laughs> Uh, it looked really rough. It looked cool for people, fans of Star Trek, but man, that game looked rough. Even for a VR game, the game looked rough. Um, it would have blown our minds as, like, five-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. Back in the 90s. Um, and that game came out at the end of May, so uh, both those VR games released. Um, next up, For Honor, which is actually the second best-selling game of the year. Uh, third was Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So Ubisoft has two of the best-selling games so far this year. For Honor came out to pretty decent reviews. It seems like the, the online community hasn't really stayed with it, which is hit or miss with online um, major online games, right? Multiplayer focuses. If that community doesn't stay, then your game's kind of dead in the water. But they're kind of doing a new thing with Season 2. Um, coming up uh, here for E3, so it's going to be interesting to see how much how much legs that game has, considering how well Ubisoft has done with Rainbow Six Siege and that post-release support. That game is a completely different game than when it released, and it has crazy amounts of support and a player base that's um, very fervent for that game. Uh, next up, I know I'm pumped for the sequel for Aslan. <laughs> uh, Next up, we had a sequel to a game that I don't think anybody anticipated a sequel to, kind of like when we got the NAC 2 reveal for, for PlayStation. Uh, Grow Up, which is a sequel to Grow Home, uh, which is the game with the little red robot. Uh, it was actually teased in The Division. There's a room in The Division, or a couple of rooms that are bases, and it's, it's supposed to kind of look like a Ubisoft dev office, and you see the Grow Home uh, posters. So that was pretty interesting. That game came out as well. Uh, next up, Trials of the Blood Dragon. I wouldn't consider this necessarily a new Trials game. It was more of a like a DLC or a spin-off. It was uh, the Red Links guys made a Trials game influenced and inspired and merged with uh, Far Cry 3's Blood Dragon DLC. So it was very neon, very 80s, very action. Um, so that, they talked about that. That came out. Um, then they talked about Watch Dogs 2. That obviously came out. And then they finished off with a new IP that we didn't even know about, which was a weird thing to end on, but it actually came out to decent reviews, which was steep. They're snowboarding, uh, you know, snow-driven action game. Um, so really quick before we hop into the, the open conversation, they showed off 11 games. 
10 of them released. The only one that wasn't released was South Park, and that was delayed. So if we're going off of initial release dates, all 11 would have released, right? Which is pretty impressive for Ubisoft. They're not one of those publishers that you assume that for their conference, they just announce everything that's going to be coming out. You assume that they're one of those uh, publishers that's going to announce something that's not out for a couple of years. So I think last year they did a really good job of announcing things and getting them to people as soon as possible. Um, and then out of all of the all things that they announced, out of the 11 games they showed, six of them were new, meaning we had never heard about them, didn't know they existed, and five of them were known, meaning that we knew about the game going in or there were leaks leading up to the conference that we already knew about. So before we hop into the open conversation real quick, a couple of weeks before uh, E3, maybe about a month or so, uh, there was this story that Ubisoft announced that uh, the Crew 2, Far Cry 5, Assassin's Creed Origins and South Park Fractured Before all coming in the next year. So those are four games we kind of know about going in. I want to know what you guys anticipate seeing from Ubisoft. Are we, uh, you know, are we seeing Origins? Uh, where is Far Cry 5 taking place? Like, I just want to know your guys' um, thoughts on where Ubisoft's going to take their conference. I think it's a lock that both Matt Stone and Trey Parker make an appearance and sit on a couch and talk <laughs> for a while. Are they, are they going to make a gonna joke? Are they going to do that after they just delayed the fuck out of this game so many times i mean I, to I think be fair why. about the the first south park got delayed so many times because it was changing publishers this one doesn't have that benefit yeah i think i mean i think they'll make a joke about it just because of just because they're matt and trey and that's yeah, kind yeah. of their thing yeah i just think they come out and they talk a little bit about the development and yeah, this was this, and you know we wanted to change some things, and yeah, while also so exactly cracking jokes. Exactly what they did last year. <laughs> no, oh yeah, pretty much yeah. Yeah, because they've done that like two years in a row, I think now. I mean, you can, I can see them doing it like again. You can see the same about South Park. It doesn't really uh, the the content in it changes, but it's it hasn't really changed animation styles. It hasn't really seemed like it's upgraded. So I think they're down with just you know repeating the same thing over and over again. Seems to work because. Yeah. Despite uh, what you just said about all the games they, they talked about, and there were a bunch of new ones, and most of them all came out, and it was all great. If you guys remember, their conference last year was really long and drawn out. Yeah. Oh, my God. Boring, despite all those cool games. Garbage. Yeah. yeah. As far yeah. as, like, as the content as... they showed is good, but as the actual presentation right. was not very good. Yes. As yeah. bad as EA was, EA didn't take up my whole fucking afternoon. Yeah. yeah. They spent way too much time on the VR stuff. Way too much time. Way too much yeah. time. Um, and then, don't be talking about no Assassin's Creed movie or any bullshit like that. Yep. Just talk about games. Uh, so, th this is interesting because Ubisoft has, like, a very large library of, of IP they can go to, right? And we can just kind of, like, put our hand in a, in a hat and pull out something that we think can come back or uh, stuff like that. I think the one guarantee, and hopefully I'm not taking anybody's prediction, but I doubt I am... Last year, they made it a big point to talk about the Division DLC expansion. Uh, I think they're going to do that with Wildlands. I think that's going to be a section that we don't know is in the show, but it's going to be in there. They're going to talk about the next big expansion for uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Uh, I think that's going to be huge for them. Um, do you think that we're... I guess this is a question that is on our minds, and if it's a prediction, you can let me know and we can't go any further with it. But do you think we're seeing the Rabbids game here, or are we seeing it at Nintendo? Let me, let me, let me answer... <laughs> Because that's my prediction, okay. actually. So I'll answer with my prediction. Why not? Um, Blessings falling out over there, man. <laughs> Sorry. Every time I hear about it, I just start dying because that's the thing that shouldn't exist. But it, you it think about the does. rabbits dressed up as Mario and Luigi. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. Well, man. the worst part is when you hear the description, it's like, it's going to be an RPG, 
you're going to have Mario, <laughs> Luigi, Princess Peach, and Toad, or whoever the fourth one is. And they're like, who are the other four characters? Oh, it's Rabbids dressed as Mario, Luigi, Princess Peach, and Toad. It's like, what? I, I hear Not it's... other Mario characters, just the same ones they're standing yeah, next to. so weird. Oh, shoot. It is I ridiculous. Think Ubisoft. I think it'll be uh, Ubisoft. Well, yeah, I think it'll be here at Ubisoft. That's yeah, my that's prediction. A, that's what I was going to say, too. I think this is at Ubisoft. Just like I said with um, FIFA being at EA for the Switch, I think um, Ubisoft is going to want a bite of this Switch hype, and they're going to want to show this, as ridiculous as it is. Um, well, think about this, that real quick. That means that we could possibly see... This is great for Nintendo. We could possibly see Bethesda taking a portion of their conference to talk about Skyrim on the Switch. We can see A taking a portion of their conference to talk about FIFA on the Switch. And we can see Ubisoft taking a portion of their conference to talk about a new game on the Switch. Like, exactly. That means that Nintendo can be at three other conferences in a big way. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's going to be yeah. good for them. I think they're going to be on the you know, on the, on the, the cocky, the hubris side of this where they're like, you know what? No, we're, we don't need you at our conference. Yeah. You need us at yours kind exactly. of thing, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like they're going to reward Ubisoft for jumping on the train so early with, yep. before it was even called Switch with NX and Just Dance. Yep, exactly. Uh, so that was Dom's prediction of you expect this to be at the conference. Who wants to go next for your predictions for Ubisoft? Who wants to dive in? I can I can go next because mine kind of piggybacks off that um, okay. a bit. So like I think I have two. I'm going to go with one of them. Yeah, I'm going to go with this one. I think they'll announce um, at least uh, three games uh, coming to the Switch specifically, at least. Um, I think one of those games is going to be Rabbids. I think another one will be Just Dance. And um, I mean, I think they'll announce a release date for Steep on Switch, but I'm, I'm not even including that. I think there will be one new one that we don't know about that will be coming to Switch. Okay, interesting. I mean, it makes sense because Ubisoft, I think, is as much as we say their conference was boring, the presentation was awful. They're smart enough to understand the potential of the Switch, and they got on early, and I think, like Jordan said, I think the Nintendo's rewarding them for that, and Ubisoft has been one of the companies that's, like, down with giving Nintendo a chance, so I do appreciate them for oh, doing yeah. that, so I think that's mm-hmm. a good prediction. I think you're pretty rock solid on that. Um, Jordan, do you want to go next, or do you want me to go next? I can go. Okay. Um, did The Division come out at the beginning of last year, or yes, 2015? February. came out in uh, February 2016. Okay, so I'm... And the I think only, there's going to be a new... Sorry to interrupt you. The only Go reason ahead. I know that is because it came out a week or two after we started the podcast. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I do remember that now that you mention it. Um, so I think there's going to be a new Tom Clancy game, but I don't think it's mm. going to be Division 2 because I think it's too soon for that, especially um, they had Division, then they had all the expansions, and then uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Um, so I think... Uh, Maybe some advanced Obviously, warfare or Rainbow warf- Seven whatever. Siege, or some of that. Yeah. <laughs> they See, that's back all to I'm trying to think is, is they've changed they've changed up all their franchises because Rainbow Six used to be uh, not Patriot that was the canceled one, but uh, it used to be uh, Vegas, and then uh, Ghost Recon, like you said, was Advanced Warfighter, and they totally changed that up. So I'm trying to figure out like, are they going to do that with another one? Oh. And war. It's Splinter Cell. It's motherfucking Splinter Cell. Oh, yeah. oh you're right. Yeah. You're right. Good call. Stealth games are hot. Uh, you know, Splinter Cell Blacklist was really critic- critically acclaimed, but uh, didn't, I don't think, sold super hot. But that was obviously last generation. Like, that's been quite a while. And um, I think you could make a really cool 
uh, Splinter Cell game that's got like some deep RPG elements to it, and you know you're traversing the world like uh, Hitman, and so yeah, I think it's about time. Um, I, I think it's a good call. Interesting thing, side note, and I don't think this. I'll explain this. So there was recent uh, leaked screenshots of um, what's the lead character of Splinter Cell? I always forget his name. Sam. Sam Fisher. Fisher. Sam, Sam Fisher. Fisher. Tom Clancy. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Tom Clancy. there was leaked screenshots of Sam Fisher in the Ghost Recon Wildlands world. Now, I do think oh. that leads to there being DLC where there's like, because you can create a character, right? I do think it leads mm. to there being a skin in Wildlands where you can use uh, Tom uh, Sam Fisher, Tom. Blessing, throwing me off. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that that means it's dead for Splinter Cell. What I think is it's actually going to be a promo to where if you pre-order Splinter Cell, you get the skin in Wildlands. I think that's what's okay. going to be the case. I okay. think it's going to be like okay. Okay. early adopter. You can buy the skin by itself, but you get it for free if you pre-order um, the new Splinter Cell game. I think that's what it is. Because it looked like a very legitimate screenshot, so I do think it exists. But I do think it's more of them, more than them just throwing in their IP into another IP. I think it's you, we're going to give you a reward for pre-ordering Splinter Cell. That's what I think it is. That's not my prediction, though. I was just wanting to throw that in to kind of add to your prediction of it being likely, right? Um, so, also to add to my prediction, whether or not it gets unveiled this year, do we all think there's a Splinter Cell game in development? Yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Um, well, cool. So, this is my prediction. I just wanted to let Blessing know this, considering he was talking about uh, the Switch having multiple Ubisoft games. One of my predictions for a Nintendo episode, Blessing, was that uh, it was pretty bold. Ubisoft's going to announce the Ezio collection coming to Switch. I think since AC hmm. Origins, my, my, my thought process was AC Origins is too high level of a game as far as uh, uh, system uh, power need. So that's not coming to Switch, right? But I think the way they kind of offset that is, hey, Switch owners, you're not getting AC Origins, but we're giving you the Ezio collection. Those are older games. (laughs) They could definitely run on the Switch. They ran on the older generation, right, of 360 PS3. So I could definitely see them announcing that. That was my prediction for Nintendo. But they're not going to say that, right? No, 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 no. Um, just like um, I think that makes sense too. Going back to that, just like the way they're getting Skyrim, right? Yeah, which is an older game. Like, well, you're not going to get Fallout Four or the next uh, Bethesda RPG, but you get 2011 Skyrim. Okay, so <laughs> writing down my predictions, it's a prediction I have every year because they're one of my favorite franchises of games. Uh, I love the Trials games, right? Last year I predicted uh, a new Trials game. I got it right, though it wasn't a full-fledged new Trials game. It was off of the Fusion Engine. Um, I'm not going to do that again because I think that's too predictable and I don't think that's any fun. So my prediction is going to go a little bold here. I think they announced Child of Light 2 and it mm, comes first. And it comes for if It's either going to be an exclusive to Switch or it's going to come first to Switch. I think mm. that they're going to have a partnership with Nintendo and it's going to be the Rayman's game. Uh, Rayman's. Ray, Raving Rabbids game coming out. And I think Child of Light 2, it's a UBR game. I think Nintendo Switch is they're seeing a very large influx of these indie games. Um, you know, So I think that Child of Light 2 being announced, announcing that it has priority on the Switch is going to be huge. So yeah, I think Child of Light 2, and there's going to be something, some kind of exclusivity with Nintendo. Whether that be it only comes out on it, I don't think that's likely, but uh, timed exclusive or exclusive content, I think there's going to be a partnership between Child of Light 2 being announced and Nintendo Switch. So I think the only way Ubisoft does an exclusive is if it's like Nintendo licensed stuff. Oh, so yeah, I think yeah. it'll be comes first. But I feel like, you know, the UB art thing is in 
it seems like it's kind of on hiatus or up in the air. I don't know, man, because after they made those first couple games, Valiant Hearts and uh, Child of Light, they just haven't done anything since. And clearly, I think they could have had something out by now. Dude, so Valiant I'm Hearts, wondering about UBR. Oh, both of those games are some of my favorite games ever. And, like, they came out relatively yeah. close to each other. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm betting on that. Though. I'm going pretty bold with it. Love I, to see a Child of Light, too. I could have gone Trials, but like I said, it was a little bit too predictable. Um, that closes out our show. We had a lot of really cool predictions for EA, Bethesda, and Ubisoft. Uh, thank you again, Blessing, for joining us. Uh, if you can, let people Yay. know where they can find you. Uh, once again, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's been awesome. I'm glad I've been able to like talk about these conferences in a very <laughs> chill way. Uh, no problem. Uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, you can also find me um, on okbeast.com. That's where I write and do podcasts and do videos. Um, and if you, if you want, you can find me on Twitter at Blessing Junior. And you can follow me there where I talk about how great Too Fast Too Furious is. Um, <laughs> and I also talk about how, like, pineapple on pizza should be a sin. Ah. And, um, what else did I do and recently? And you also, recently. You also I'm a say sinner things then. like... Batman versus Superman yes. wasn't that bad, and then yes. you get I did. crapped upon forever. I did like Batman that. Batman Superman actually. is bad. Yeah, Batman or no, you Superman said it was. Bad. You said it was uh, that Ben Batfleck. Affleck wasn't that good in as Batman. Hot yes, takes. I think he was. I think he sucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. F- follow me for all of that good stuff. It's always a very. It's always very fun interacting with people on Twitter, and so I love it. Follow me, and we'll hang out. Awesome. Uh, as always, you can find uh, me at Jared underscore on Twitter. Dom is at Dom's Oreos. Jordan is at Mellow Modus. Uh, controlled Interest Twitter is at C-T-R-R-L-I-N-T, Controlled Interest, abbreviated. Uh, if you can, please give us a like and review on iTunes. It really helps. If you can also, please subscribe to us on YouTube as well as Blessings Channel OK Beast. Um, have you guys hit 100 subs yet, Blessing? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're like at 120 maybe. Ooh, we're nice. We're past 100 though. Nice. Yeah. We're slowly climbing. We're like, I think, 89 or 90. And that custom URL helps, especially when you're promoting. So we're trying to get there. So we're not saying YouTube.com slash user slash and then a bunch of numbers. Yeah. So yeah, if you can, yeah. subscribe, please. Uh, even if you're not going to watch the YouTube videos and you just listen on iTunes, if you can go over and just click the subscribe button, it helps us with that custom URL. Um, thank you for listening to all of our E3 content. Hope you guys enjoy the shows this weekend. And hopefully we get some awesome announcements. All right, guys? Uh Hopefully it's a year of dreams again for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week or the week after, rather, sometime then. We'll go over the shows and what we think about it and stuff like that. And maybe we'll have guests back on to talk about what happened. But, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>